warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 259. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a wall, Brad. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And we uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. I'm feeling like shit this week, Jake. Oh man, that sucks, dude. You yeah. got the fluy flu. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck it is. I don't know. I'm taking amoxicillin. It's helping a little bit, but uh, you know, who knows? I'm drinking this week. You know, you know, you know. Popeye needs a spinach. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I this week, uh, you know, I, I'm tough to the finish, but I'm going to be drinking some beerish because. I uh, I need it this week. I know it's going to hurt me tomorrow. It's going to just kill my immune system uh, by tomorrow. But for tonight, uh, it's going to keep me going, keep me chugging along. Oh, man, I'll have to check in on you tomorrow to make sure you're still kicking. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian died. So. <laughs> <laughs> he did it for you, listeners. He did it for you. Episode won't be uploaded because Jake doesn't know how to do that. But, yes, <laughs> just tell him it was, the be- it was the best episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I will lie so hard. <laughs> we are not alone this week, though. Oh, wow. See, I'm not doing good. I'm going to barf on air. Oh. <laughs> That was, I think I almost swallowed my tongue. <laughs> that was not good. Anyway, yeah, we are not alone this week. We are joined this week by June. Welcome back, June. Hi, thanks for having me again. Yes, and uh, not only June, but we're also joined by Stephanie the Pretzel Chapman. Welcome back, Stephanie. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you have your pretzels ready at the hand? I finished them in the car today, so none right now. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> ah, see, this Jeez, is that's here. a letdown. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't want to I don't be get in trouble for making random noises without hitting my mute button, so I learned my lesson. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. There was one time, weren't you like, I heard bag a bag crinkling or something. You didn't know that you were like not on mute or something. I don't know. 
I was yeah, I was like full on not mute. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so what are we doing here? Yeah, we're doing a show. Oh fuck, man! <laughs> <laughs> well, put on a seatbelt, there, Brian. Slow down. Ah, so I was uh, I was watching the uh, before we started recording. I was watching the uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand uh, Turkey Day Marathon, doing a little bit differently this year, Jake, uh, because uh, on actual Thanksgiving they're premiering uh, the new se- uh, season on Netflix. So they're doing the Turkey Day Marathon early, and they did it today. Oh, that's interesting. And this is the only day, just 24 hours today? Uh, it's not 24 hours. They do like uh, six episodes. Uh, they started earlier today. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, intros with Jonah Ray, the new host, and then Joel Hodgson, the original creator. So I, I like the, that they're doing it this way this year. It, it really is a special year for uh, Misty's uh, fans of Mystery Science Theater, uh, Theater 3000 because it's the 30th anniversary of the show and uh, truly the 30th anniversary of the show because uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, it uh, premiered on Thanksgiving Day uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota on KTMA 30 years ago on Thanksgiving with Joel Hodgson. So that's cool. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, I think that is really cool. They could definitely, you know, risk splitting the audience and that that's nice of them to kind of move out of the way for the premiere of the new stuff. And yeah. if you're going to do that, I think Sunday is definitely the best day to do it. We're going to get the viewers and people might be off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah, hopefully people knew about it because, you know, most people wait around for, you know, actual Thanksgiving to watch it. So some people probably missed it. and They're going to be upset. But um, this uh, new season of Mystery Science Theater. We're going to get to the other stuff, people. Jesus. He, oh, he's talking about something I don't care about. Talking about... Oh, Jesus. I just hear it now. I hear it in my fucking head. You can't please anybody. Um, but yeah, uh, Mac and Me is one of the movies this year that they're premiering on Netflix. Jake? Oh, that movie is so <laughs> terrible. I just remember it mostly as like a blatant McDonald's advertisement. I remember it as uh, what Paul Rudd uses every time he's on Conan, the scene of the oh, kid, <laughs> yeah. the scene of the kid like going down the hill in the wheelchair and then flying off the cliff. Oh man, yeah, those really dumb like alien movies were like all the rage for us yeah. like in the late eighties. Oh, there was that shitty ass spaced invaders too that came around the same time yeah i remember that uh, there was a bunch of just dumb shit movies like that that's awesome though they're doing a movie i'm actually very familiar with yeah i probably haven't yeah. seen it since i was nine though yeah yeah i haven't seen it in forever either it's garbage and this is like the only way to watch it is to have them like riff on it the whole time so <laughs> what this hasn't been hd remastered uh i, I don't know <laughs> I don't <laughs> think. I, yeah, it's, I think it's getting a 4K restoration. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. Yeah, let's move into iTunes reviews. How about that? <laughs> it's one star five. We don't give a fuck because we really love to hear just how much we suck. Guys, Chris Dubach and your host is a jerk. I'm an opinionated asshole whose dick don't work. All right. Uh, first one comes from uh, Sammy Junior 16. It's titled My Week. Oh, why did I say it like that? 
Like I'll. Ju- I don't know. Real bright. Sam- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sammy Junior, sixteen. Are you, are you assuming that he or she is sixteen years old? Uh, am I am I making that assumption? I, because maybe that's why you're doing yeah. all bratty. Like it's all the sixteen, and you're like, yeah, fuck your youth, right? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck your naivety, your naivety about life. You're just yeah, yeah. You're always internet knowing ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hashtag uh, fleek or whatever the fuck you're using. You guys are saying. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> anyway, it's titled my weekly podcast, and it says uh, started listening. What is going on? What's that noise? What's a little click and clack? Huh? I don't. I don't know. I, think that was I hear me. it too, I was though. Trying to, I was, that was me. I think I was adjusting the volume. So my bad. Yeah. When you adjust, why? The, why? Why is it when people adjust the volume, it like fucks with the volume, the actual volume of the episode? <laughs> like I heard it too. It's yeah, like a. It's like, like Morse code. Or something. It was like I didn't know. Yeah. SOS. I'm on a shit show, so I don't know what's going on there. Uh, <laughs> so uh, this, this, let's save our ship like why am i saying that <laughs> who, said, who, said, the, who would send an sos <laughs> you know i don't know a guy on a boat maybe yeah that would be it I, i'm fucked up this week jake <laughs> <laughs> i always thought of sos's as the the chipped beef sandwich the shit on a shingle oh shit on a shingle yeah i like that stuff big fan it looks uh, good it's very good it's very cheap too and you can you can add as much toast to it as you want you can make <laughs> you can make it as as big a meal or as small a meal as you want it's good yeah stuff. some straight up college food there <laughs> processed meat and gravy and uh <laughs> slather it on some toast enjoy enjoy it it's that or ramen isn't it college kids I bet Sammy Jr. 16 knows what I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> he, he will soon. All right. Started listening to you guys since the summer, and this definitely gets me through my weeks. Brian, thanks so much for your recommendation of Searching and Haunting of Hill House because those are absolute Tupperwares and wouldn't have known about it if not for this podcast. Jake is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. A little break there. Jake is cool. <laughs> I, I think her name is Rebecca. Love her thoughts on things. Please keep having her on the show. Also, no offense, Sarah, but that episode may be very cringy. And if you happen to read comments on your next episode, what are your guys' opinions on Agretsuko? It's a I hate it when people ask us like literal questions in an iTunes review. It bothers me for some reason. <laughs> oh, it drives me crazy too. That's email territory, people. Guys, what are your thoughts on uh, Avengers: Infinity War and the third act of the film uh, with uh, the <laughs> events in Wakanda? It's like, come on, come on, come on. And I love the show. Yeah, I love the show. But now that I've got your full fucking attention and you can't you can't uh, bail on this iTunes review answer. Yeah, that's a thing, Jake. You know, it's like I half the time I don't want to talk about pop culture stuff throughout my day. Just like I'll do it. I get it out this, you know, once a week. You know what I mean? It's like it's like when you go. Uh, no, it, 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 that sounds terrible. I love this stuff. It's cra- it's, it's crazy though. It's nuts. It's like uh, you know. Sometimes they just want to talk about other stuff too. I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of pretty much nonstop talk about nerd stuff at least at work and everything. 
I do, but then I don't know. I don't like being cornered with it. Sometimes, like if I bring it up, it's fine. But <laughs> I'm, I'm nitpicking. Um, this doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's it's a one season, ten episodes, ten to fifteen minutes each. Little animated show on Netflix about a millennial at a dead-end account job that's very funny. Keep it up, guys. Can't wait for the next one. That comes from Sammy Jr. Jake, I know you and June watched a little bit of the Agritsuko. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's a total Tupperware for me. It got renewed for a second season as well, so I'm really excited about that. Oh, it did? I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a short little trailer online you can see for the second season. So. Yeah, the red panda is back to her uh, death metal ways. Yeah, th- this was this was a great cartoon. I thought classic was- panda. Oh man, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, real funny though. Like you know, yeah. like um, the reviewer said, it's you know a millennial with an office job and just kind of all the rigmarole involving that, and then the ways the character gets rid of stress relief are uh, pretty hilarious for an animated cute cartoon character. What I was saying earlier is kind of like if you were a doctor, Jake, and you're like out at, you know, uh, for a a dinner with friends, you don't want like the whole conversation to turn into like your buddy asking you about a rash. And then you got to explain that, hey, I'm not a dermatologist. You might want that's not my field. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, yeah, I get the metaphor, um, but <laughs> I mean they're doctors, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're not. Yeah, they're, uh, different doctors. So I'm a, I'm a doctor of pop culture. <laughs> I guess you are, if that's the way you feel. <laughs> well, shit. I'm. Well, here's. I. You guys are flatlining me sometimes. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, Darth, uh, no, I'm, it's fine. People can ask me questions. I don't mind. I'm just sick, and I'm just being a little bitch. Uh, let's see here. Uh, this next one comes from Darth Urahara. It's titled A Good Podcast for a Better Cast. And it's a five-star. Yeah, the other one was a five-star, too, if I didn't mention. I've been listening for just over a year and can't stop. I love Jake and Brian's banter. How they work off each other is awesome. They often have special guests each week who most of the time for... Who most of the time for right in like they... Oh, fit right in like they belong. Rebecca and Dan West are personal favorites of mine. Didn't mention June or Stephanie. How do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, doesn't surprise me. So <laughs> I'll climb to my later. <laughs> uh, somebody's going to be chomping on some pretzels and crying later, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> uh, salty tears. <laughs> salty tears. Uh, each bring a certain flavor and outlook to the episodes they appear on. I also love how fast they are to respond and interact with fans, especially Brian, who says, leave me alone with this shit. Stop bothering me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I I often find myself messaging the Facebook page. I had to check and see if we were actually recording. Um, I I often find myself messaging the Facebook page with questions or off-the-wall fan theories. I'm not sure which of the leftovers I have the chance to speak with, but they never make it feel like it's a disservice to answer. Wow. (laughs) Giving me a lot more credit than I deserve. (laughs) Who are they talking about? (laughs) But they never make it feel like it's a disservice to answer or make it seem like your theories are off the wall as you think they are. Well, if you have gotten this far, either you really like reading reviews or you just have too much time. Either way, thank you, Jake and Brian. Or as my boss now calls him, Swear Devil. You guys... And all the guests keep me sane. So that comes from Darth Urahura. And thank you very much. Uh, Last one comes from I'm Not Fun. 
and it's titled Best Taste of Home. It's a five star. Best Taste of Home. That, does that sound like uh, like a slogan like uh, Cracker Barrel would use? Best Taste of Home. And then they got like a yeah. picture of like a, a fucking mountain of mashed potatoes and like that bullshit gravy. Yeah, I was in my head was like I was going coffee advertisement in my head, but yeah, it does sound like some kind of like you know. Nobody wants coffee from home. Everybody goes to Starbucks or some other place to get their coffee. Nobody wants to make coffee at home anymore. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's firing up the Folgers at home, Jay. Yeah, that's true. It's every, all Keurig if we're doing it at home now. Yeah, it's all Keurig. Yeah, every, every little flavors. You know, what would our what would our grandfathers think? Our great grandfathers think of these Keurigs at Starbucks. Um, I think the Keurigs they'd be impressed by, but they'd probably hate the Starbucks. Oh, they'd have to have you, like, make the coffee, though, right? God, the Keurig's pretty easy. I get the VCR is hard, but... I'd be like, listen, you loaded a weapon in World War II, (laughs) and you can't put a little cup in this fucking thing and push a button? What's wrong with you, old man? (laughs) <laughs> That's hilarious. Just pretend like it's loading the cannon. Yeah. You should be thanking me for my service. <laughs> anyway. Uh, love the show. Started listening at the beginning of this year after getting transferred to Tokyo. And it's been nice to be able to listen to discussions about movies like my friends and I back in the U.S. used to have with pointless profanity and off-tangent ramblings. Keep up the good work. And that comes from I'm Not Fun. Was the, was the review fun, Jake? Mm, it wasn't the worst review we've ever had. I was having an okay time. It was the shortest of all those reviews. That made it fun. That did. That was fun. I like that. <laughs> Got through that one real quickly. You know what segment I'm getting sick of, Jake? Not the iTunes reviews. No, the Flick the no. Bean. The, I mean, <laughs> it's good. Oh, you're sick of it already? Kind you're of. You're worn out? I don't know. I don't know if I want to hear this chick moan and groan this week. Hold on. Yeah, we got her. Uh, it's time for Flick the Bean, people. Yay! <laughs> Somebody likes it. <laughs> wow. Oh, God. Oh. Oh. oh, yeah, right there. Oh, right there. Oh, God, I'm going to come. What if we just played that with no explanation, will we? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't even introduce the uh, Podbean yeah, review yeah. segment. Just cue the boing and go into the review. Uh, first one comes from uh, PWP 243-864-936-2817-166. Is that your fucking handle or, like, geographical coordinates? Like, what's going <laughs> like, what is, what is going on? Are you in Guatemala right now? Like, what's going on? I don't understand this. Anyway, it goes on. I can no longer listen while in my college classes and fear that my Bluetooth headphones will disconnect while the Flick the Bean bumper is playing. Doesn't matter. Still love you guys. And that comes from PWP 243-864-936-2817-166. That's kind of a fun review. Is that really a thing? Your Bluetooth headphones all of a sudden playing out loud for everyone? I don't know. I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I, the only pair of Bluetooth headphones I've ever had <laughs> were Studio Sweden, our former sponsor slash affiliate, and after one week, they stopped working, so, yeah, 
I got them. I still have those headphones. They're broken. I told the Studio Sweden people, I said, listen, I said, you want me to sell this on the podcast? And they stopped working after the first week. And they said, oh, we're really sorry. I said, listen, I can't, I can't promote these anymore. And they said, well, we can send you out a new pair. And I never even responded, Jake. I was like, no. Yeah. I was like, whatever, dude. Come on. You got to be kidding me. Yeah, solid move. You're not trying to continue that relationship because no, it's, it's like you still the, you still got to hide the fact that you broke a pair in a week. I didn't break them. I didn't. Well, I, that's not what I mean. You know that they broke within a week. Yeah, yeah. Well, you put the blame on me, sir. And I felt like I, I felt like we were. I felt like court was in session, and I had to defend myself. Well, I mean, you shouldn't have been so rough with them. <laughs> Fuck you, Perry Mason. Anyway, I'm sure it was solid Swedish material. Oh man, it was. Dude, I had one use out of them. One use. And I couldn't wait to throw these things on and mow the lawn. Because, like, you know, I get out on the on the right. Who is shifting around? <laughs> I hear it, too. It's me. I'm sorry. What is wrong with you, June? <laughs> what, is, what, what is going on? It's, it, sounds, it sounds like somebody's zipping up the back of your dress or something. What's going on back there? Huh? Oh, I was just trying to get comfortable. I know. I didn't know if you were having like one of these like uh, rom-com, like uh, putting on different dresses moments as we're kind of like. A little, a little mo- a monta- yeah. montage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's exactly what is happening Fucking right it's like now. some Whitney Houston song playing in the background and you're coming out. Yes. And, and you, you know got to. Let's you, go with that. You know what? I'm having a fashion yeah. montage you've right got, now. You've got the two girls drinking Mai Tais and then you're like, you know, your gay buddy also like got shaking their heads like, no, no, that's, and then they finally see the one. Yes, they're not. And they're so excited. They're all nodding. Then you all do your little bullshit dance. Now, <laughs> find the goddamn, finger snapping. Find the goddamn dress and let's continue with the podcast, Joan. Okay. <laughs> I went somewhere I did not expect it to go. I'm yelling at the nicest person in the world, too, Jake. <laughs> I know. I know. It happens. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I mean, she the, was shifting. All the blame's on her. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this is why you're the best co host in the world, sir. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I instantly came back in favor within like 45 seconds there. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, next one comes from Funky Fish 187. And that's not funky spelled with an F. It's P-H, people. That's really funky. Uh, mm. Oh, a little bit of a judgy tone there, huh? No, I was, I was, I was feeling the funk. Oh, were you now? Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I sounded, oh, were you now? Were you feeling the funk there, Jim? <laughs> Well, I mean, you are a doctor, so. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, this next one comes from Funky Fish 187 After hundreds of, un- of unsuccessful attempts to get my review posted on iTunes, I decided to come here and give it a shot. And then it says, quote, T-H-I, and then it stops. It, like, it's that's, like, the, that's the end of it? Well, hold on, Jake. Here's the thing. This is what's hilarious about this one is <laughs> because then the then that's that review. And then the next review is again from Funky Fish 187. And it says, after hundreds of unsuccessful attempts to get my review posted on iTunes, I just decided to come here and give it a shot. Your first attempt at Podbean was a fuck up. And so, 
I, I just I I find the irony there a little hilarious. If you go to the Podbean page, it's it's fucking hysterical. Anyway, it goes on to say this episode sucks. Uh, even though everyone every episode sucks, according to host Brian, I still love everyone. Break uh, Brian and I also I call this break like we were a fucking power couple there, Jake. I, yeah, al- I like it. Almost, That's a great name. Yeah, yeah. Break. <laughs> Brian and Jake's banter is great, and I always get some good laughs. They do their research well and are very knowledgeable on the topics they discuss. I always look forward to the next episode. This podcast is a Tupperware for sure. If you can't handle cussing, really long podcasts, or waiting over half an hour to get to the advertised content, then your best bet is just to go ahead and insert expletive ending here is how it ends. So, yeah, that was... uh, Mm. That review, it sounded like a business arrangement we made. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? It's just kind of like, yes, listen to this. They're lo- very well knowledge. Yeah. And- <laughs> I, I love it when they point out all the shit that people hate. If you can't handle yeah. cussing really, a really long podcast or waiting forever to get to the, what, the, the shit you want to hear, then yes, you'll love it. Anyway, hey, uh, I got some uh, Jake Michael Cannon mashups, man. We've been doing them every week. Michael Cannon, he's an artist uh, that listens to the show. He's out of Hawaii, and uh, it started a few weeks ago. I started get point, throwing out these pop culture mashups, and he started drawing them. And then I will post them on the Facebook page and on our Twitter. So if you if you're not there, you don't see them. But uh, last week he did the uh, Andrew Dice Clayface for our listener, and then he did the uh, Pretty in Pink Sock, and then he did Goku Connecting a Roku. Jake, I've got all new ones this week. I feel like the past few weeks that I have been lacking on my quality as far as my mashups. Oh, really? Are you excited this week? I think I am. I don't know, though, and I want it. I guess it all depends on your reactions this week. All right. I'll, try, I'll be brutally honest this week. All right. This first one. I like to call it Merlinda Hamilton. It's a mashup of Merlin. And I like, so I basically, it's like Linda Hamilton from the Terminator series. And I want to see her as a fucking wizard. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that one. I do I like that one. Yeah. I, I think it's easier now to do better ones. Now that we've seen a few, like a little bit, you know, what Michael Cannon can do with a few of these other ones. It kind of inspires other ideas. huh? Yeah. Yeah. Merlinda Hamilton. It came to me and I was like, I like it. Let's see what everyone else thinks. So yeah, Merlinda Hamilton. Uh, it's number two. <laughs> this is so dumb. I don't even want to say it. <laughs> Miracle Whiplash. It's um, there's two ways that you can do this one. It could be like either like Miles Teller playing a drum kit made like 100 percent of Miracle Whip jars, or you can have the Iron Man two villain. You know Mickey Rourke's character Whiplash, and basically he's just making a sandwich, and he's confronted with the, with the question: Hellman's mayonnaise or Miracle Whip? I don't want to see him like. <laughs> Using like his electrical bullshit. I just want to see that character with his bird on, perched on his shoulder, and he's just trying to make the decision of Miracle Whip or Hellman's mayonnaise. <laughs> You're like the only person on this earth that wants to see anything to do with uh, Whiplash from Iron Man Two. Oh man, <laughs> I want to see him like in full like man bun. You know what I mean? Do you remember when he he was rocking the man bun in that? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I do. Yeah, he he made it cool before hipsters did, right? Yeah, and, it was before man like he had the man bun before the man bun was a thing. It was, yes, absolutely. 
Final. I really go ahead. I, I really like how Miracle Whiplash. By the way, I, I think that could be interpreted so many ways. Like even when you said it, I thought of something different than the two interpretations you said. You know, what did you think of? I thought I thought of like two actual jars of Miracle Whip, and one was really aggressively teaching the other one how to play drums. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> that's. <laughs> Shit, who knows what we're gonna get with these mashups this week? Oh, oh man. Oh, so yeah, that one's good. And like even when I think they're dumb, like I thought I'll be I thought the Roku um the <laughs> I can't even say it, the Goku Roku was dumb, and I think that's the best one I've seen yet. I yeah, I just thought it sounded silly, you know? So yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah, okay, here we go. Final one. So what do I know? Final one. Stop shifting, shifter. Shifty McShifterton. Is that your beard, Jake? I don't. It's, I know it's not me. Mm. I'm in like the cone of silence. Mm. I'm still hearing it. I hear it too. It's not me. It's not me. Oh, really? everybody's like, not it, not it. Now we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like shook my head up and down after after I thought maybe it was me, and it didn't make any noise. I scratched. Wow, jeez. For like you have a, a good mic, maybe. Yeah. Um, oh, perhaps. I'll stop scratching. <laughs> if you have an itch, go ahead and scratch it. Um, <laughs> uh, final one is uh, it's uh, Don Knott's Berry Farm. It's a farm that has trees that only produce fruit that look like Don Knott's. Barney oh, Fife. <laughs> that's the winner. You like that one? Don, yeah, Don, Don Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> yeah, the fruit does like really bad insults. Too, yeah, huh? yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So those are <laughs> those are the three. Everybody, if you want to follow, follow Michael Cannon, you can follow him on Instagram. You can follow him and his art on Instagram at Art Till Dawn. That's A R T I L D A W N. So yeah, follow Michael Cannon. He would appreciate it. So Jake, got a question for you before we jump into everything. Um, TV moms, growing up TV moms, which TV mom did you think was the hottest TV mom out there? That, like the, <sighs> the TV mom that if you that if that if you could get with as a, as a youngster, which one were you that were, were you hot for? Man, I I don't know. I'd have to think about that for a moment. There's some good uh, ones. TV, TV moms. Yeah. yeah shoot, I'm a, man, you got me on the spot here. I am thinking it's funny when you first said tv moms i started thinking of tv moms and i before i knew which was the the hottest i was thinking of all the not hottest for sure (laughs) and it doesn't even have to be about like the hottest but like you know just like even just like personality and stuff like that like which one were you kind of like yeah you know if uh the dad was gone away for the weekend and you know she drank some wine and you know you know, the, the TV son fell asleep and you just happen to walk into the kitchen at night, you know? <laughs> I, I don't, I'm drawing a blank on this. It's it, the old sitcom. Like, I just I don't have any memories of this at all. I can't think of a single candidate. What, are you kidding me? Oh, huh? my God. Nothing. Not a thing. Is it just, Am I thinking just sitcoms? What, what should I be thinking Any TV mom, any mother that was on TV, except reality TV. <laughs> we didn't even have that. <laughs> I, I, you got nothing? Well, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just drawing a blank on this one. I'm brain, brain dead on this one. All right. We have, let me throw out some TV moms. 
Let me let me feel stupid. All right, uh, Partridge Family mother. You got uh, what's her name? Bray- Mrs. Brady Carroll. You know she's up there singing her little Christmas song. You didn't get. You didn't start. You know, feeling a little. Yeah, the hair. The hair is just too weird for me. Like the the seventiesness of it. Are all. you talking about the bush? I know, but they. <laughs> are you? That too. <laughs> that was a seventies thing, wasn't it? <laughs> Back then, she looked like she had another little Brady boy coming out of there with the perm. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that's the fourth Brady son. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I don't even know what the Partridge family mom looks like. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Jake, you got nothing. I, I would, um, Su- Suzanne Summers from Step by Step. Wow, hello. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's not too bad. Yeah, she wasn't even thinking about some TGIF. When she wasn't mastering thighs, man, she was, ugh. She <laughs> I, I would go with uh, Kevin Arnold's mom from The Wonder Years. She's just so sweet. Oh. So sweet. Oh, uh, yeah. So nice. And like, oh, my gosh, you know, if I like if I if I was outside playing like, you know, touch football with Kevin and and all. And then I hurt myself and I went in and she went bandaged me up. Oh, man. Jake, that's hot. <laughs> Wasn't it? It was Suzanne Summers on um, Three's Company, too, right? Yeah, she yes, was. Uh, was. Well, she, yeah, got, yeah. she got replaced, though. She was on for the first few seasons. Because that was one of the first thoughts. Like, I kept thinking of people, like, women from old sitcoms that were, like, not moms, you know? I don't think I watched too many format sitcoms that were, like, families. That's That was never really my thing, honestly. Maybe Growing Pains. Oh, Maggie Seaver. Maggie Seaver. Yes. Good choice. (laughs) I don't know if that was your choice, but I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just, like, the only old, like... Family sitcom I could think that I really watched. Like, that really was never my too big my thing, you know? Yeah. What about Meredith Baxter, Bernie? Family Ties? Yeah, I, I definitely mm-hmm. watched a little bit of Family Ties, but it's been so long I can't even remember what she looked like. Oh, my gosh. All right, this is a terrible question for me to ask you. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm failing. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> my it's memory fine. of old like sitcoms is bad. Like, I haven't rewatched any of that stuff anytime recently, so. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see here. Well, we had we had uh, we had. Well, I, hey, I don't want to leave the ladies out. Did you really, hot TV dads? I don't know. Maybe uh, June had a thing for Patrick Duffy on Step by Step. I don't know. I guess I always had a thing for John Stamos because he was always really hot. He wasn't a dad. I guess he wasn't oh, a dad. He, he, he was a dad. dad. He was a father figure. He, he was, was a dad later. Figure. He he had the the triplets right. Oh yeah, I guess he had that did happen. Of his own. Yeah, he did have twins of his own. Yeah, Stephanie, anybody? TV dads are always so the opposite of the TV moms, and I mean, the, and that in a nice way. <laughs> but like, I don't. I mean, I can't even. I can't think of any TV dad that. I mean, I can't think of. One. I like the dad from Bormy's World. I don't think he necessarily think he was hot, but I liked him a lot. Okay, all right, cool. and that'll be my answer. Mr. Matthews. Final answer, Mr. Matthews. Yeah. <laughs> Lock it in. <laughs> and she still got it wrong. Fuck. What the hell? Anyway, um, let's let's uh, change gears here. This is a rough week, man. Uh, was it Monday? Stanley passed away. Yeah. 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 I so. believe was it Monday. Yeah, I believe it was. Yeah, it was, it was the, Monday. It was the twelfth. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, 
I first saw the news. Uh, I wasn't feeling well that day, and I don't think it like really, really hit me until later. It, like at first, it was just like you know you kind of prepare for this because it's Stanley and he's ninety five, and and then it, you know, and then after I had some time to think about it, it just you know it really hit me. And um, I mean, I, I don't know if you if you guys have any words that you want to say about Stanley, Jake. If you have anything that you want to say, it, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I, I kind of had the same reaction, honestly, too. Like when I first heard the news, it was kind of like, you know, yeah, that's that's not cool and everything. But then like just a couple hours later, it just kind of really flushed me out and yeah. kind of made me lose it a little bit, you know. And and like you said, man, he, you know, he was how old was he? Ninety five, ninety six, ninety five, ninety five. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like, it, you know, it was obviously inevitable and everything, but man, he just, you know, meant so much to me and in my life and, you know, was responsible for so many of the fandoms that I'm still into today, you know, without Stan Lee and his creations, you know, I don't think I'd be as big of a, you know, giant geek as I am with all this stuff, man. Mm -hmm. It was just so much. And just like to think that we're not going to see, you know, too many more appearances of Stan Lee and all the different Marvel movies was mm -hmm. kind of a little bit like, you know, shuddering to me. And yeah, man, it just, it's pretty brutal. I, I don't know. I was kind of surprised by how hard and emotional I got over all the news when, mm. even though, you know, obviously, you know, he lived such a great and full life, but yeah. Wow. It's, it's just crazy. I, I think like, uh, as far as like the Stanley cameos go, we've got him for a few more. We don't know how many, but I think it would be cool if they did like what they did in Deadpool two, where they had like his face on the side of a building, like when Domino was parachuting, like in, every movie going forward there was just kind of like you know kind of like a where's waldo kind of thing with stanley you know just to yeah. pay homage to him yeah i think that would be really cool i would hate for them to like take someone else and make him the person that's in every movie oh, yeah. that like that would yeah. kind of be like a you know very disrespectful yeah yeah so yeah and i, I read the russo brothers um saying that they um had something really special already done for um avengers 4 and I'm really excited to see what that's going to be and everything. So yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It's really wild. Yeah, it sucks. It's Stan Lee was you know a living legend, and and now he's now he's gone, and and um, we had him for so long, and um, a lot of great memories, a lot of great uh, interviews, and uh, just great comic books, and all the characters that he you know created and that are going to outlive all of us. You know, it's, it's, it, his creations, his works will never die. I mean, I, I don't think there'll ever be a day where people aren't going to, you know, watch Spider-Man movies or read Spider-Man comics. It, it'll always be out there. I think it's part of our modern day mythology, like, you know, Kevin Smith has said. And so, you know, I, you know, I, I I can't say anything else that anybody. I'm not going to be able to say anything that any, that anybody else hasn't said about Stanley. It's just, it sucks. You know, it's, you know, of course I I wish he could have lived uh, to be 150. You know, outlived all of us, but it's just not the way it is. So. But. Yeah, just an amazing guy, though. Not too often that you see, like, such a creative genius also be, like, so charismatic. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. such a personality as well. Like, he was definitely just, like, the total package of a guy. Absolutely. Yeah, Stephanie, June, anything? I really liked seeing, um, like, on Facebook this week, the sort of the love of Stan Lee sort of come out. Um, I know everyone probably saw on their, like, on their news feeds, like, people had had original drawings or, or 
concept art about Stan Lee. And I think that actually really mm. warmed my heart just to see like how much this guy like touched everyone's lives. Yeah. And I mean, and how many people, I mean, he made so many people happy. And, uh, I think that's what I, I think I enjoyed seeing that this week, like seeing how, how many people he, like how much he has influenced people and he's made all these people happy. And there's so much love out there. I think it's like, it was like a uniting thing this week. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was good. It was, uh, nice to see most people, um, championing his life and, and saying good things. It was, uh, you know, of course there were some people this week that said things to like bring attention to themselves about Stan's death. And that made me sick. Um, but uh, for yeah. the most part, I'd say most people that are in the community were very understanding. And and I think, like, everybody kind of, like, grieves differently. Like, for me, it's just been, like, watching old stand clips and looking at all the fan art and uh, all this, you know, it's just been, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's like he just, he left such a mark and such an impact. It's it's nice to see that he touched so many people in such, it's such a wonderful way. Um, Stephanie, did you have anything? Um, I just want to echo what all you all have said. It's just for somebody like me who discovered these characters that were created in this universe that he kind of imagined in this great mind that he had. I discovered these characters a lot later than a lot of people I know. And to be able to then kind of start doing my research backwards. And a lot, and I found out that I found that a lot of times when I would look stuff up on the internet to try to get information, I would come across like an interview of his or him at an event, and he just seemed so. I don't even know. It's, he just seemed to enjoy the world he created. There was no arrogance about him, no air. There didn't seem to be, and I feel like that's really hard, especially with a lot of these universes that mm. that people have, have. There's fandoms around them, and sometimes the people that create these universes, there's sometimes you feel a level of arrogance, and I didn't feel that when I saw clips of him, and so it's really sad to see somebody. Um, leave us who has created a world that has affected so many people, whether they were people who read comic books as a kid or somebody like me who discovered these characters later. So it's, it's sad to see that the person who created it um, kind of leave. And so it's just, it's been great to see the response of people online and just to see how many people that his characters and what he's created has touched. I, I guess I didn't realize how wide of a reach he had. And so that was also kind of nice to see. Yeah. Unfortunate, unfortunate circumstances, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, nice, nice long life. Uh, you know, his his uh, wife passed away last year, and he'd had you know health problems recently. But you know, it's I'd say even in his early nineties, Jake, he was still pretty spry, man. You know? Yeah, I interacted. The only time I've ever interacted with Stanley was at a convention in the early nineties, and I mean, he was like talking a mile a minute and like yeah. yelling Excelsior and everything. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, it, it, it's been quite a while since, like, I haven't seen a Comic-Con photo where he didn't look like he was just being handled and sitting there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just remember, like, watching, I think it was, like, Comic Book Man, like, the second or third season. And he's in the he's in the Secret Stash comic book store, and he, like, hops up on the counter. And I was just like, looking good, Stan. You know? I was like, that's... <laughs> You know, you don't see too many guys in their 90s hopping up there on a counter like that. And I think it was soon after that he started to kind of like, uh, you know, his body started to not uh, uh, 
re, you know respond the way he wanted it to, and he started to slow down, especially within the last you know couple years. So, but uh, rest in peace, Stanley. We loved you. We loved all your works and uh, what you've. I mean, a big part of our show is Marvel news, and and he created Marvel's first family. He created pretty much the entire Marvel universe, except you know, save a few. But that pretty much the entire Marvel universe is uh, is Stanley's creation. Him and him and Kirby. So yeah, Ditko, like the, yeah, Ditko, the building yeah. blocks of all fucking Marvel, basically. Absolutely. So all Have right. Have you guys seen that documentary? Um, it came out in 2010 um, with Great Power. The do you guys know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. <clears throat> I haven't seen it, but uh, um, I, I know what you're talking about. I, so I rewatched it this week, actually, on Monday night. Um, I got home and I had to watch it again. Um, it's a great documentary. It came out in 2010. Um, it's actually kind of fascinating, though, because it ends. And I think at that point, we had, were up to Iron Man 2 in the MCU. And you hear Stanley talking about, you know, going forward like how excited he is about the possibilities of a Marvel cinematic universe. And it's kind of crazy if you watch it now, looking at how far they've come and he got to see most of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. He was around, he was around for the first 10 years of it and it's, it's all pretty much everything that he did. Yeah. uh, So, um, but yeah, definitely watch this documentary. It's called with great power. It's on Amazon prime, I think. So that's awesome. That is cool. Yeah, I'll check that out if it's on Amazon Prime. All right, let's um, let's move on. Do you guys want to take a quick break? Oh, I would love that. All right, yeah, let's take a quick break. I felt like you know, let's let's not talk about Stanley and jump right into good pop, bad pop. So let's take a quick, yeah, yeah, let's take a quick break. It is now time for Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, we're going to talk about Fantastic Beasts last. Uh, Don't let me forget. Uh, Let's see, your first thing that I want to talk about real quick is uh, an app I just downloaded. It's called the Just Watch app. And uh, Jake, did you did you download this at all? Yes, I did, but I have not fucked with it at all yet. It is incredible. If uh, you know, if you're into a lot of TV and things like that, Just Watch. What makes this so cool is on the front page, uh, it'll have you can select all the services that you want 
it to uh, kind of like curate for you. And on the front page, the day of like today, it says today, and then it shows all the new things that get added to each streaming service. So, you know, like today they added on Netflix the Pixar story, which is the documentary about Pixar. They add, added uh, season one of Patriot Act uh, on uh, sci-fi. They've added, you know, the first two Men in Black movies. You can watch them there. Uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty incredible app. And for the services that aren't offering anything new that day, they're just grayed out at the top. Uh, you can also, if there's a show that you're looking for, you can type in the name of the show, and it will let you know if it's streaming somewhere. And it'll also let you know if you can purchase it from, you know, Vudu or iTunes or something like that. And it also gives you the prices. This is a phenomenal app. It's called Just Watch. It's a free app to download. And I've been checking it every day to see, you know, what's new and what's coming out so that I don't miss things as they come out. So I I am a big fan of this app already. So I highly recommend that you use some space on your smartphone to to download Just Watch. Yeah, it's kind of like a modern day like TV guide. Finally, with all these different streaming services, it's it's nearly impossible to even know what's on when and where and when stuff's yeah. premiering. So, yeah, it looks really nice. I'm really impressed that they have a lot of the uh, lesser known stuff. Like they got DC Universe on here. They have like Epics, mm-hmm. and so it's not just your Netflix, Hulu, Prime. It's got a lot a lot of the uh, yeah more obscure ones, yeah, Shutter and Hoopla and all these you know Sony Crackle. It's all there. So yeah, CBS, CBS All Access. Yeah, yeah, it's very nice. So yeah, I give that app a Tupperware. Next thing I want to talk about real quick is um, Origin on YouTube. This is a YouTube original on YouTube Red. Are they still calling it YouTube Red? <clears throat> Uh, it feels like that's a failure, but I don't think it's officially out yet. Okay. Origin follows a group of strangers stranded <clears throat> on a spacecraft bound for a distant planet. The abandoned passengers must work together for survival, but quickly realize that one of them is far from who they claim to be. Uh, it's created by Mika Watkins. Uh, she's not done a lot. She, she wrote for an episode of Troy, Fall of a City, uh, and Stan Lee's Lucky Man, which I found out. Yeah, uh, that's on Amazon um, and is from the let's see here. Yeah. So that Stanley. What is that? It's a Stanley action crime series or something that's on Amazon Prime. But she helped write for that. Uh, two of the episodes were directed by uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, and he directed Event Horizon and he wrote, you know, for the Resident Evil films. Uh, this series stars. Uh, let's see here. Natanya. Uh, Natalia Tina, Tom Felton, of course, from the Harry Potter series, um, Sen Mitsuji, and Nora Arns, Nora Arnziter. Uh, Natalia is actually uh, Tonks from the Harry Potter movies too. Oh, really? Oh, right on. Um, this is my third series that I've started on YouTube premium or YouTube red, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the first two were Cobra Kai and impulse. And, um, those series were both Tupperwares for me. I, I absolutely loved both of them. Did anybody else get a chance to watch any of the origin series? I saw the no, I did. Yeah. Okay. I saw the first two episodes, the free ones. Oh, the free ones. Okay. I've seen the first four and a half of halfway through the fifth episode. Okay. Yeah, I finished the season today. And uh, in in the series, I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, all the strangers on this ship, 
this huge spaceship. They're, it's headed to this new planet that's five light years away from Earth called Thea. Um, the crew and the rest of the passengers are gone. And so basically we're left with like, I, I think it's like 10 people at first and it cuts down to like seven people. But um, there's this alien virus that's infecting people and it's driving them mad and it's making them kill each other. But that's that's really not what all this show's about. It's It's a part of it, but there's so much more throughout this whole thing of, you know, people being taken over by this virus and driving them mad. There's people forming alliances. You've got there's people that are in danger that are putting each other in danger. People are lying to people. And then we find out that each character has like their own backstory. So we get to see this kind of like played out in flashback scenes and each of their backgrounds is so different. Um, you've got one who is like a member of the Yakuza gang. You've got one. She was like a bodyguard and one was the best computer hacker on earth. Um, some of them you don't find out until about later on in the series. Um, episode eight is actually my favorite episode in the whole series. Um, but most of the people that are leaving to go to Thea are escaping Earth to start over on Thea. Because, like, once you get to Thea, you get a clean slate. Like, you're, you don't have a record. You just get a 100% clean slate. And throughout this, you just get to see how these people handle the virus, how they handle each other, how they handle, like, things going wrong in the ship. Um, this show has so many twists. Like, Stephanie, it has more twists than a pretzel. Like, you... <laughs> <laughs> You've got to appreciate that. But I I really loved this season. I give it a Tupperware. I was like, I can't believe I'm in a Tupperware, another YouTube premium show. But I I loved it. I loved the characters. I, I thought the the CG was actually pretty damn good. It's not perfect, of course, but there's a scene where you are actually outside of the ship and it looks really good. I was very impressed. And I think like when everything kind of comes together, I'd say in like episodes nine and 10 where things really start ramping up and they start introducing some new things. It even gets me more invested in the series and I'm looking forward to season two if it gets greenlit, but I'm going to Tupperware this. I thought it was fantastic. Um, Stephanie, you've seen the first two episodes. What, what have you think so far? I thought they were really good. I thought the concept is really interesting. Um, I love how we're getting the, like you said, the flashbacks of each character to kind of find, and it helps you get a good idea about where their minds at. Um, uh, especially the one, who, the, the character who's the bodyguard and there's a, there's a scene with her and a gun and she's not able to kind of do it. So it kind of helps you kind of read into their minds and their personalities a little bit better. Yeah. I've been really interested I don't know if you can answer this question, if this will be a spoiler. And if it is, feel free to say, sure. um, is, is the, is the, is it, is it, does it exist? Uh, yes, it does. Okay. I will, I will, I will say that. I don't think it's like a huge spoiler, but yes, Thea does exist. Okay. Yeah. But no, it was really good. Um, what I've seen so far, I Tupperware it. Awesome. Awesome. June, what did you think? No, I will definitely Tupperware this so far. Um, I guess I'm like halfway through. Um, I do like it, like when you said with the flashbacks, because each episode you get flashbacks. It's like each character gets their own episode in terms of flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I did like, I really did like this. I thought it was, I was amused by it, but how annoyed like these 10 
like passengers, strangers, like how annoyed they are with each other from the get go. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's immediate. Yeah. I mean, just in stuff like little like habits, like the one woman is like tapping like the rail and Tom Felton's character is automatically like, can you just stop that? <laughs> and they just how like they all immediately just start arguing from yeah. the get go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to me, that was very amusing. I thought there was I mean, it was there was no like we need to try to work together at first. It was just more like, all right, I don't like you. I don't trust you. What's going on? Yeah. So it's it, I'm telling you, it's like there's, you know, like Tom Felton's character. Like I kept I kept waiting. Like, when are we going to get the flashback episode? When are we going to get the flashback episode? And it, I will tell you, it's not a spoiler. It does happen. And it is so good it is so it is such a great episode um i oh this is like i'm i you know we we've had some really good sci-fi series this year and the one that kind of like my mind goes to is altered carbon and this was just another one and so like as i'm watching this i was thinking to myself like another similar show that really has its work cut out for it right now is Night Flyers coming to sci-fi. It's kind of like a similar... Oh, the George R. R. Martin thing? Yeah, it's a very similar kind of show uh, when you watch the trailers. So it really has its work cut out for it. The thing that that has going for it is that it's on sci-fi and more people are going to have access to it. Because not everybody's going to get a YouTube premium so that they can watch this series. Um See, I'm confused about that, the YouTube premium. I guess – so we recently cut the cord with cable, and um, we we have YouTube TV. Mm-hmm. So that's how we're watching our cable yeah, now. It comes with it. Um, so we're – yeah, so we're able to – which I didn't realize, honestly, until like this week watching the show. So I watched the first episode of Cobra Kai because I was like, oh, my God, I actually yeah. have this now. So. Yeah. You should watch that, and then you should also watch Impulse. When you finish Cobra okay. Kai, you should watch Impulse. I thought Impulse okay. was so well done. It's got um, uh, Tatiana Maslany from Orphan Black. Her brother starred, her real younger brother stars in the series, and he's he. It's like talent runs in that family. It's unreal. He's so good in it. But I loved Origin. It is such a great show, and I think it's one of those things where if you don't have the YouTube Premium, but you can still get like uh, I think it's like the seven day trial or a thirty day trial or whatever it is. Do that and knock this series out um, because I think it is like if you like really good sci fi. Because I I kept thinking to myself like oh this is just going to be like an extended kind of like you know, alien or, or Leviathan movie or, or, you know, like, Oh, it's Paul W S Anderson. It's just going to be like event horizon. But like he, he takes all these different things that you love from those sci-fi movies. And he's got like a 10, uh, actually the creator, I, I need to give uh, her credit here. Um, what's her name? Mika Watkins. She basically takes this and, and, and adds so much to it. Like with with the characters' backstories, like that's something that you can't really get in a movie because they can't flesh, they can't give everybody an hour in a movie with all these characters, and they do that here. And I I thought it was fantastic. I Origin is just an absolute Tupperware. I highly recommend if you can watch this, watch it, and at least watch the first two episodes because they are free, and it might be enough to get you hooked. So. 
Yeah, I loved it. And that's awesome that you loved it. Oh, I was going to say, when you led into the whole review, you talked about how much you loved the first two YouTube Red series, and I thought there was going to be a big butt coming. So I'm no, glad that they kept, I, kept up the streak. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I'm going to throw that out there because this show has so many twists. I'm going to, I'm going to give you one of my own little curveballs. <laughs> so it was good. I was like, yeah. oh man, finally YouTube Red. Not finally, but you know, unfortunately, they put out a bad show but not the case no they've got other shows just the three that i've seen uh you know as far as these originals go have just been so good like cobra kai can't wait for second season uh i need to rewatch cobra kai fuck that was so good i really liked that the first episode was pretty good the one episode that i watched this weekend i mean i'm gonna go back and watch it all but yeah you should it It, was so it was it was just so funny because we lost you. Did I lose everybody? 88 for like okay. the longest time. I, I can't hear anybody. Yeah, we're back. Hello? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a twist. Anyway. No, we, we lost most of, what, most of what you said there, June. Oh, I was just saying with Cobra Kai, I said that it was just the first episode is hilarious because... I haven't watched those movies in forever, but if you watch them as a kid and then you see, you know, Danny and Johnny as adults, yeah, it, it's just I, I was amused the entire time. I was like, "This isn't this. This is so crazy it's so that, they, good. that this exists." I went to uh, the the Fathom event that they had, where they premiered like the first two episodes of Cobra Kai in the theater, and then they showed the movie directly after, and it was. It was it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. Yeah. So. So. Uh, let's move on into. Uh, let's see here. Did you guys want to talk about the Detective Pikachu trailer at all? Yeah, we can. What'd you think, Jake? I mean, it looked it looked cool. I think it's going to make a lot of money, yeah. whether it's a good movie or a bad movie. Right. Um, you know, I've been wanting to see this kind of thing for a long time, like an actual, like real life adaptation of Pokemon something. So, you know, yeah. I'm here for it, but I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure it's going to be a great movie on that trailer. They're definitely holding back good jokes if that's all they have. Yeah. I thought it was fun. I thought the, the, what the, the little Pokemon characters looked really good. Um, Pikachu looked really good. Um, I'll give it a high taste. It, I, you know, I, I, I'm gonna watch it. The, the, all the characters look good, and we'll see. So, yeah, it buried the Toy Story four teaser that came out about an hour before it did. Like Twitter just completely lost interest in Toy Story four when they they put this Detective Pikachu trailer out. So, mm-hmm. I think Disney kind of had to respond the next day by putting out a second, better teaser trailer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. so I thought that was pretty crazy that it had that effect. I mean, I, that's me just guesstimating, but it really did seem that way. Like, sure. it, it'd be odd for them to release two unique teasers day one, then day two, you know? Right. Yeah. Stephanie, June, any thoughts on Detective Pikachu? <laughs> um, I, I didn't. The trailer didn't do anything for me. Like, the jokes, if that's not going to lure me in to want to go see it. They just kind of fell flat for me. And like Jake said, if they've got better jokes in their back pocket, I'd like to see another trailer with some of those at least, or one or two, because right now I'm not having Ryan Reynolds as the voice of the, it's Ryan Reynolds, correct? Yeah. 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 
that's not enough for me. Like <laughs> I need more, I need better jokes just cause it's Ryan Reynolds. I know he, I know with the, with this voice and his ability to do great things, I'm going to need better jokes. And so that that's not enough. I give it a low taste. Yeah. Like what's the, what was the deal with, uh, didn't he come out with a movie where he was a, a slug? Was it turbo? What was it? What was he in turbo? I don't know about this movie. I think he had a movie called Turbo where he was the slug and he strapped like some firecrackers to himself. And he was a racing slug or something. <laughs> 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 Am I making this up? Am I making this up? Is this a real thing? Now I got to look. That can't Tur- be real. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, it sounds, sounds like something Ryan Reynolds would do. I thought it was. A, I think I thought it bombed, too. I thought this was like straight off the heels of like Green Lantern. Well, if it's real, it definitely bombed because you've got three people that barely know what it is. Turbo. Uh, Ryan. Re- oh, no, it's 2013, and it's a, a freak accident might help an everyday, everyday garden snail <laughs> reach his biggest dream, winning the Indy 500. So, yes. Oh, God. I think uh, I know what this. Yeah. OK. It was like kind of like snails, but in NASCAR setting. It's got it's got it stars Ryan Reynolds, Paul Giamatti. And Samuel Jackson. <laughs> yeah, okay. I remember. I think I, I'm seeing flashes of this now. Yeah, it was like snails in NASCAR setting. Uh, uh, Snoop Dogg is smooth move in the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course he is. Of course This wasn't a bigger is. hit. What? How could this not be a bigger hit than it was? <sighs> anyway, let's move on. So. Yeah, I didn't want to spend too much time talking about I didn't want to spend any time talking about Turbo, but I did. Um, <laughs> I saw the uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs on Netflix. Anybody else see this? No, I did not. I watched, I have, I have like 30 minutes left of it. Okay. So, yeah. It's an anthology film. Uh, it's, it's done by the, directed by the Coen brothers. Uh, this is their first project um, for Netflix and... Uh, it's their longest film. It's 132 minutes. Um, and it's the first movie they ever shot digitally. Uh, it's an anthology film comprised of six stories, each dealing with a different aspect of life in the Old West. Each chapter presents a different story from the wild frontier. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs tells the story of a sharpshooting songster in near Algodonas. A wannabe bank robber gets his due and then some. Meal Ticket is a gothic tale about two weary traveling performers. All Gold Canyon is a story about a prospecting mining, uh, prospector mining for gold while a woman finds an unexpected promise of love along with a dose of life's cruel irony on a wagon train across the prairies in the gal who got rattled. Finally, ghostly laughs haunt the mortal remains as a lady rains judgment upon a motley crew of strangers undertaking a final carriage ride. Um, this stars a uh, you know, bunch of different people, James Franco, Liam Neeson. Um, who else was in this? Uh, Brendan Gleeson, Zoe Kassan, Tim Blake Nelson, Tom Waits, Stephen Root, um, ton of people, but, uh, it's Anna Persian, tele- Annapurna television that's doing this film. So, um, they did a, another Western this year. They did the, uh, Annapurna pictures did the sisters brothers. I, um, I'm going to give this one a taste it. I, there were stories that I thought were fun and then there were stories I didn't care for. I, 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 I like the James Franco bank robber one with, uh, with Steven root, the pan guy. I thought that that was funny. Um, 
Buster Scruggs himself, the first short, I I liked some of the sharpshooting and trick shots that he pulled off, but the Liam Neeson story with him taking care of the guy with no arms or legs was really <gasps> disturbing. Right? It was very disturbing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know, I it's an it's one of the, it's a story that I will not soon forget, but I can't say I loved it, but I will never forget that story. Um, <laughs> and then the panhandler with uh, Tom Waits. Um, I like that story. I thought that that was good, but I, I just wasn't a huge fan of this. It, it, it's classic Coen brothers, but it, I, I feel like their newer stuff. I haven't really been able to get into. I feel like it's like their older stuff, like Fargo and the big Lebowski and stuff like that, that I really kind of like lean towards, but um, I'll give it a taste. It overall, it's nothing I'll ever watch again. What do you think, Stephanie? I the the so that, now that you're going through all of the stories, the, uh, the only one that I haven't seen is the last one. Yeah. So I've seen all the the last one I saw was the one with the girl, the promise of love, or whatever. So I really enjoyed it. The one about the guy, the the performer with no arms and no legs. Yeah, that'll throw you fruit. That that'll I needed. I stopped after that one because I was like, ah, that's a that was a little heavy for me. Yeah. Um, I I love the I really like the format of like before each story they're flipping through the pages little things like that like yeah. I, I liked I appreciated I really enjoyed it and I'm not really into anything that takes place in like the wild west or like anything western related I enjoyed it I would give it a I give it a, I think I give it a high taste it I actually did not care for the first story with um, the actual Buster Scruggs story right yeah um, and some of the there was a couple of things. It was it, there were some parts that were really graphic in some of these stories. Yeah, um, and I'm not familiar with the Coen Brothers' work. I haven't seen any of their other anything else that they've done, um, so I don't have anything to compare it to. But I I enjoyed it. Each story kind of has a like just kind of like a harsh life lesson attached to it. It's a little in your face, but mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's good. I I've, I've seen some people like love it and some people just like it's not their thing and i'm kind of like right down the middle with this one i i liked it enough there was some things that i liked i the buster scrug short at the beginning i love the the scene with the table you know what i'm talking uh, about i do <laughs> that was pretty fucking incredible <laughs> i loved that i thought that that was very cool um but i wanted to point this out i thought this was cool in the segment mortal remains uh the character thigpin begins to tell the story of the Midnight Caller. In the Coen Brothers movie, their uh, remake of True Grit, in that movie, Maddie asks LaBeouf and Cogburn if they would like to hear a story with the same name, but you never get the story in that. So that's kind of like an Easter egg, which I thought was kind of cool. Well, that is cool. So, yeah, like that story is mentioned in True Grit, and then you actually get to hear it here in this film. So... Yeah, I I don't know. I I if you're still into westerns and stuff like that, I would I would recommend to give it a shot. It just wasn't like my favorite thing that I've seen. So one thing I will agree with that something else I'll agree with you on is that it's definitely not a rewatch for me. Like I don't think I'm going to go back and watch any of these again as much as I may have enjoyed it. It's yeah. just some things will stick with you and you just need to see them one time. I feel like yeah. this is that. Exactly. Like these are just like real, like if you didn't like one story, give the next one a shot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There, there might be one that you like cause it's six, uh, six very small stories, maybe, you know, 15 to 20 minutes a piece. So, right. yeah. Uh, I'm going to pass it off to somebody if they have good pop, bad pop that they want to go over. Uh, June, what do you got? 
Um, I just have a couple small things. Um, so I finished season seven of the Venture Brothers. I now talked about it last time, but, but I just have to emphasize that this show is very much Tupperware. Season seven was a Tupperware. Um, so anybody, and again, I think we talked about how there are a lot of people who would watch the show, but because it takes, there's so much time in between seasons, people may have fallen off and not kept up with it. I'm here to say you definitely, if you have watched it, uh, definitely go back and start watching it again. Cause it's so good. Um, especially this most recent season. Um, I would say season seven and season six, you can almost group them into one. They really double down on this organized villainy, which to me is such a funny concept. Um, the fact that you can't just, you know, you have good guys and bad guys or protagonists and antagonists. But in the world of the Venture Brothers, there's this like bureaucratic, like organ, like, like organized unit to it. Like each side has like some organization that kind of monitors this whole like arch villainy aspect like you have like different levels of protagonists and you match them up with the appropriate level antagonist and like you can't arch someone else's you know someone else's protagonist and it's just so funny and they kind of really double down on that so i definitely recommend venture brothers to um anyone who is definitely not kept up with it please go back because it's so good and if you haven't started watching it you probably should because it is that good um the other thing is um, I actually finally watched A Star is Born. Oh, awesome. Um, I will say this was um, – I will Tupperware it because of the performances. I It's interesting because I, the movie itself, I, I I thought the pacing of it was off. And I, there were certain little things that kind of annoyed me in the beginning, but those performances just drew me in. Like, I have a very big crush on Bradley Cooper. Do not tell my husband that I'm in love with Bradley, but I am, like, in love with Bradley Cooper now. Um, he doesn't win an Oscar for this. I don't – I mean, he's been nominated a couple times. I feel like this is the performance that gets him an Oscar. I don't think he's going to get it. I'm sorry. Oh, see, I feel like this is – like, what more, does, what more does the Academy want? I think he's going to get nominated for director. I don't think he's going to get it for acting. Really? Yeah, I agree with I, that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like this is like, I mean, he his he broke me in this movie. Like, he absolutely broke. I mean, I, I, and I don't he, really cry a whole lot. And here's the thing. Yeah. I, I'm not big in a romance. <laughs> like, I, I don't I don't really like big, like, epic, like, romantic dramas. Like, and I, a lot of times I tend to kind of roll my eyes at stuff like this. But, I mean, he really did, I mean, kind of grasp me. I mean, I, I was there for the ride. I, I think he should get nominated. I, you know, I, I thought he was great. I thought his perform. I, I give him a lot more credit than a lot of people do in in his role. I think like oh. most people were like, and I thought she did great. I think most people were kind of like saying Lady Gaga is the breakout star of this, and I, I think that's because she's never done anything on this level. But I think it, when you look at Bradley Cooper's performance in this, like he was tremendous. He really was, and I feel like he should be nominated. And if it was up to me, you know. I'd have to look at who else they nominate because I probably at the end of the day will have seen all these movies that all these actors are going to be in. So I'd have to make that determination, but I definitely think he should be nominated, but I think there's a chance that he might not even get nominated to be quite honest with you. 
So yeah, I agree with that. He, I, I think him and Gaga will take best original song from a movie. <laughs> yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. I think Gaga will that be. I, I think she'll be nominated. She'll be not for at least a Golden Globe at least. So for that, um, but no, the movie I thought was the the performances, and this just. I mean, even like Sam Elliott is doing the Sam Elliott typical role, but he was still amazing. Oh, yeah. And Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. Like, I wanted more of him. And who else, you know, when has that ever been said that you want more (laughs) Andrew Dice Clay? But I did. But I did. Like, I wanted more. I mean, it was so interesting to see him and Dave Chappelle play the straight, like, play straight guys. Like, just everyday, like, not comedy. I mean, these are both, like, they're both stand-up comedians. And for them to go completely outside the norm of, you know, what they normally do. Mm-hmm. And even with like, like I, this movie, like, I mean, Dave Chappelle delivered one of my favorite lines. Like he, he had some of the best lines in the movie. Whereas I feel like if it was someone else delivering those lines, I would roll my eyes and say, this is so corny or this is so cheesy. But the way Dave Chappelle delivered them was just like, it got me. Like I was like, uh-huh. I was nodding my head going, yes, exactly. Think, Jake, do you think Rami Malek will get nominated over Bradley Cooper? Oh, man, I don't even. I think Rami Malek should be snubbed. I do too. Um, I agree. Like I know, and a lot of people are going to think we're crazy, and I don't care. I just really, I mean, I thought the performance was fine, but I don't think it was like revolutionary. So I think Bradley Cooper should be nominated. Uh, if Rami Malek gets a nomination over Bradley Cooper. It's. I think it's a. I think it's a fucking crime, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. I. I don't even think that the performances are comparable. I mean, Bradley Cooper transformed into a different person. Like he seemed like a full fledged, freaking country superstar. Well, some man, I never. Are, some people once are gonna, thought he was Bradley Cooper. Some people or, are going to argue with you and say that Rami Malek transformed into Freddie Mercury, Jake. Except when he lip synced. <laughs> Very good. I, don't, yeah. I mean to me i mean i get it like you don't want to have him imitate it but if that's what's going on that's to me that's not even a contender for best actor yeah i mean seriously like bradley cooper sang all of his own songs and everything he helped write those songs you know? yeah exactly like that, that music was so good yeah and yeah the soundtrack and is his so voices good. and his voices bradley cooper's pretty his voice is pretty <laughs> just okay yeah. again we you yeah. know this is a secret between friends right like no i'm not husband. i'm not saying a thing but see the thing is, is like some people are going to ro- be rolling their eyes at us and saying like remy malik's performance was this that and whatever and it's like you can go ahead and feel that way that's fine i mean everybody's entitled to their own opinion i'm just basing it off of like the movie and the performance that I saw that I feel like at the end of the day, I, I've gone to the theater and saw stars born twice. I couldn't shake that movie and I couldn't shake the performances and I couldn't, it was just such a great movie um, that I had to see it again. I had to see those performances again. And well, cause they draw, I mean, they really do draw you in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just, I mean, it's, I mean, my husband got teary eyed. He doesn't cry at movies ever. The only movie he's ever cried in was the Mr. Rogers documentary. Mm, yeah. That, I mean, he does not cry in movies. And like that one, he was like, I could hear him like getting all sniffly. I cried everything. I'm the biggest pussy. 
in a fucking yeah i'm in the same way basically dude i it's like i get on the show and i fucking yell and i do all this shit but oh my god you get me in a tender moment like a scene with characters and tender moments and shit it could be the sappiest fucking rom-com too and i'm fucking like oh my i can't tell you every time i watch when harry met when harry met sally that's my favorite rom-com of all time it's like I'm fucking I'm at the end I'm fucking tearing up with Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan every fucking time. <laughs> like yeah. it's and when it's yeah. New Year, when it's New Year's Eve and and yeah. it, oh my god it fucking breaks me. I love that fucking movie. When ET dies, Jake, I know this is not applying to you, <laughs> but when ET dies, I am the biggest pussy. I'm like, okay, phone home, please. You know, I just it's and when he says goodbye to Gert. I lose my shit. Oh my gosh! Because I love. I never yeah. finished watching. I never finished watching that movie. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> because it made me upset. Okay, I remember like I, someone had given it to me, like the videotape, because in the eighties, you know, whatever. But I remember like watching it, and it was the part where you know ET is dying, and like the government agents so they come in and he's like all pale white oh, on the yeah. journey I, yeah. I don't know it just made me really upset yeah oh, and i like too. i remember turning it off and just walking away i couldn't i don't i couldn't watch it anymore it just made me so upset so he's still dead in your world oh my god june he, okay he comes spoilers poster, he comes though, back because the movie poster spoiled it the movie poster is him like on the bike like so you knew he lives yeah, but you gotta watch it. It still it still tugs at your heartstrings, though. You got. Oh my god! Yeah, it just made me so. I was so. I was like seven or something when I was watching it, and I just. Oh I don't know god. why it made me so upset, but it did, and I just I just remember turning it off and walking away. Yeah, it's Spielberg. It's some of the best Spielberg, and the music. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. I love it. So, yeah. Um, so, A Star is Born, Tupperware the fuck out of that movie, right? Yeah, I Tupperware it. So good. Awesome. I Real quick, I'm going to talk about I watched a movie, uh, Cam, came out on Netflix. Jake, we talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. The Blumhouse Studios film. Anybody else get a chance to see Cam? I yeah. did not. No, nobody did. Uh, in Daniel Goldhaber and Issa Mazai's paranoid horror thriller, Cam... An erotic webcam performer finds her followers stolen by a doppelganger who hijacks her channel, pushes the sexual envelope farther, and otherwise seems determined to destroy her life. Call it identity theft of a sexy, possibly supernatural kind. Cam is a 2018 American psychological horror thriller film directed by Daniel Goldhaber and uh, written by Issa Mazai. She was an actual former sex worker. Uh, It stars Madeline Brewer. Uh, from The Handmaid's Tale, Patch Derrick, Melora Walters, Devin Druid, and Michael Dempsey. The film premiered at the Fantasia International Film Festival on July 18th, where it won awards for Best thir- First Film and Best Screenplay. Um, this really kind of shows, I think, the best representation of, like, you know, what it would be like to be one of these cam girls, in my opinion. Like, how competitive it is. Because, like, that's literally the first 30 minutes of this movie before we even get into the big twist of it. It's just showing how competitive the world of these cam girls, these, these, uh, and, and this is set in the porn industry. So you've got girls that are saying, like, you know, if you, if you send me this amount of gold coins, I will use this dildo on myself. And if you, if you send, like, this amount, I'll use this one. And then, 
it 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 really they kind of like I couldn't believe that this was a Netflix Blumhouse film. It really gets into the whole sex industry side of of the cam girl uh, phenomenon or whatever's fucking going on right now with this. And um, then there's this after it does that because she's trying to break the top 50 like that's her big thing and she puts on these shows and she starts doing crazy things in her shows like pretending that she like cuts her throat and all these things just to get like more people to view and um, oh wow i thought that was her doppelganger from the preview yeah that's what kind of makes this movie interesting is is that kind of stuff is you know like you think that that's her doppelganger at the once it gets into the big twist of like how one day she can't log into her account and somebody else looks exactly like her is doing her shows. And then she tries doing all this detective work at the same time, kind of like losing her mind. Um, that's when the movie like really it's, I think it's still interesting for those first 30 minutes. Cause it's like, I think that's where like the writer, uh, Issa Mazai really came in handy is like, she knows if she, she was a former sex worker. She knows like, how competitive it is. And like, I think that I don't know if they used actual cam girls to film some of these scenes, but like, it really felt like they were using actual cam girls to do some of these scenes. Um, I'm going to give this movie a high taste it. I, I thought it was a really good movie. And I, I just, as far as like this new genre of like, horror thriller suspense movies that are all happening on a screen. I think like searching kind of sets the bar. It was so good. Um, I thought that this one was, it was good. It really held my interest, but I don't know it. The ending was okay. Um, it just wasn't like, I, I don't know. It's nothing I would ever watch again. It's, there's some disturbing shit in this. And like, I, that's it's supposed to be that way. Um, I, it's just I don't know. I really can't pinpoint it. I, I just feel like it wasn't as mu- like when I watched Searching, like the ending and like the whole journey. I was like on the edge of my seat. And this one, I think maybe it has to do with watching it at home too on Netflix. Like there's something about the theater too. You're not distracted and all this other stuff. It's not like I was fucking around like doing other stuff as, as I was watching this. But I don't know. It just wasn't as good as searching and i kind of hold that at a high bar but this was a good attempt i thought it was really good i think you should check it out i, I really do it's uh cam on netflix um but it, it was it was good i i did like it hey how disturbing did it get like i don't want spoilers i guess but um it's it, it gets real is it graphic no, it, yes. I mean, there, 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 there are some graphic stuff that happens in this, but it's, it's really kind of like what these girls put themselves through is what's mm-hmm. hard. It's, it's hard to watch. It's really hard to watch. It's like a bunch of guys get on a computer and basically the way they've kind of like the, what women will do to exploit themselves in order to, to make money, um, to do this. And I mean, if if that's their life, if that's what they want to do, that's fine. But I just have a hard time watching it. Like trying to imagine like somebody like I care about doing this kind of work. And you kind of see that in this movie too, like her family, the way it affects them, because like there's a scene where there's a big birthday party and like, she's got a younger brother and her younger brother, of course, like his friends find out about her doing this 
and it starts playing on one of their phones during his 17th birthday party. Oh, that's uh, that's so, rough. Yeah. I mean, it needs to be in the movie, but like it, for me, there's like a lot of stuff that kind of like made me feel kind of like uncomfortable because it's like, you know, I, I, I just, you know, like that's a, that's a, that's a, that's like a, like a whole, like this whole cam girl kind of thing. That's a whole side of porn that I would never even get close to doing actually watching somebody do stuff live and then like asking them to perform different things. I think that like that's taking things to a completely weird level of interactivity that I don't feel comfortable with. And so like watching it, it was just like, Oh man, can you like, I can't imagine like my sister or somebody I care about doing this and just, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't think there's like rewatchability value in watching this movie. I, it's really done well. It really is. I feel like, like that, that first like 30 minutes, it, I think it gives you an authentic look of like what it is and how competitive this world of like, you know, erotic cam porn is. I think they do a really good job of showing you like the links that these women will go to in order to get to like the top 50 into like, you know, get all the viewers and stuff like that. But, um, and I guess it gets a little bit better after that with like the, with the thriller and the, you know, the, the psychological horror thriller aspect of it. But, uh, it doesn't, I mean, the ending's fine. It's just, it's nothing as revolutionary as searching was like the ending didn't blow me away on the level that searching did. So (laughs) I'm pretty good for a little Netflix production now, huh? Yeah, yeah, Netflix Netflix and Blumhouse. Yeah, not bad. I mean, you know, it won some awards here, so that's cool. Um fuck, man. I've got like three more movies that I got to talk about. Jesus Christ, Brian. I went nuts. I went on a tear and watched a bunch of movies this week. But I'm going to go ahead and pass it off to somebody else. So, Stephanie, what do you got? Did we lose uh, Oh, there you are. No, <laughs> there she is. Sorry. <laughs> Um, so mine are really quick, nothing major. One is um, a show on Netflix called First and Last. Um, and it's a show about uh, the fir- people's first and last days when they get sent to like a county. It's a county jail and uh, it's like the Atlanta area. Um, and it kind of follows like people get locked up for a lot of different reasons, like, you know, like issue at home, like a, like a fight or they get caught with drugs, but it's so very interesting to kind of see in real life what these people kind of go through the emotions for people who've never been to jail before. And they're scared. They don't know what it's mm. like. There's people who were seasoned and it's their 15th trip. Um, and then it follows them on their first day. And then it also follows people on their last day, the day they're getting out with family coming to pick them up and them kind of try to like making sure that their life is set up before they leave. So as to not end up in the same situation again, um, it's kind of an interesting take because there's so many prison shows. There's like locked up and all oh, of that yeah. stuff. Where I th- yeah. But, and I, sometimes I, I worry um, that those shows kind of like not glamorize prison because nobody really wants to go, but it, you know, there's a real life aspect and consequences to people's lives when they, when they go to jail because nobody intends to. And I think if we look at, we just need to look at people a little bit more like humans and not like exhibits at like a zoo. Um, and I think the show does a good job at that. And, and so I find it really interesting. I give it, a, I give it, a, I give it a taste it because shows like this tend to make me uncomfortable. Mm. Um, just because I, I feel like I'm looking into something private that I probably shouldn't be seeing. Um, but it is really well done. Um, and it's only, there's only one season so far, but if this is something that might pique anybody's interest, I, I told them to at least give it like one or two episodes ago. Yeah. For as much as those shows kind of like, basically like kind of like put it out there that, 
oh, this is a place that you don't want to go. They're making money off of exploiting these people, right? Yep. And like they 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 want to show you like the guy like who's going through withdrawals from drugs and screaming in like a holding cell, right? That's what they exactly. want. Exactly. I mean, they they it for as much as they're like, oh, this we're gonna put the fear in you, so you don't want to go to prison. Like they're exploiting the fuck out of people. Like that's that's how these producers and these people are making their money is like the wilder and weirder it gets like oh fuck if we can get like this guy over here oh he shit himself let's okay zoom in on that you know it's like that's that's what they want that's that's oh and they definitely want people to get into fights they want all that stuff because that's what's going to give you the ratings so exactly yeah yeah watching people i mean and they know that that makes for good tv but there's consequences once those camera leaves those people are they're going to get more time they're going to get and, you know, solitary confinement, like there's just something just very kind of icky about a mm-hmm. lot of these shows about yeah. people in prison that I just can't seem to wash off of me sometimes. That, and then when people know that they have cameras on them, they might do stuff that they normally wouldn't do, you know. Correct. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes um, perfect sense. Yeah, so that there's that show. And then this one, I'm so late to the game on this. Please don't judge me. But like over the past month, I've binge watched Curb Your Enthusiasm because I'd never seen it. Awesome. So no, awesome. I can't. It knock is it. So, oh, so good. good. You love it, don't you? Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> I can't believe how much I enjoy this show. <laughs> he is hilarious. Yeah. He's like the worst kind of person in the best kind of way. Like, it's just a great show. All the. All of the actors that play his friends. I don't, and I don't know. Are they friends in real life? Is that why? Because the chemistry is amazing. Uh, I think most of them met through the show, honestly. Right? Well, like it, he, I don't know. I, I don't know how, like how close he was to Jeff Garland before this. You know, I would, I, I would say like Richard Lewis. I bet him and Richard Lewis knew each other from yeah. like, the comedy circuits and stuff like that. Because Larry David used to do a little bit of stand-up back in the day. So I bet him and Richard Lewis met through that. Yeah, this show was such a pleasant surprise. It's so good. And I could watch these episodes over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they get funnier the second time. Because like, I, I feel like once you get to like the second, third season and you start to just know Larry like by heart, like you're like become his friend at that point, oh, then yeah. it just gets even more ridiculous. Wait. It does feel like you're a friend. It does. That's just, a way to he's put such it. a terrible person, too. Like, he's yeah. so terrible. Just wait until you get to, like, is it, like, season six or something? Like, where J.B. Smoove, like, moves in? I've gotten there. You and have. J.B. Smoove. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah. Larry David yeah. is just brilliant. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. I'd recommend this show to anybody I come across. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Is that, is that, uh, you got anything else? No, that's it. Okay. I, uh, let's see here. Yesterday, I went and saw uh, the new uh, movie Instant Family. It's inspired by a true story. A couple finds themselves in over their heads when they adopt three children. It's directed by Sean Anders. He did uh, That's My Boy. That's the Adam Sandler, Andy Samberg movie. Uh, He did Daddy's Home and Sex Drive. And this movie stars Mark Wahlberg, Rose Byrne, Isabella Moner and Octavia Spencer. Uh, It's about, yeah, it's this couple that uh, they don't have any kids of their own. It's not like she can't have kids. It's just like they, I don't know. You'd have to watch the movie. They just, they just want to adopt. Uh, And at first they're kind of like doing it all for like the wrong reasons. It feels like they're, 
you know, they, they are, they're kind of like, they get emotional once they get on the website and they look at the kids and they, you know, but I, I feel like they just kind of like wanted to do it at first because they felt like they were doing something, you know, like look at what we're doing. And, um, I loved this movie. It's, I felt like it was a movie that really needed to be made. And it kind of like showed you like the emotional roller coaster of what taking on three kids that you aren't related to that have come from like the foster care system. And like each kid that they bring in has like their own different like uh, needs and different level of attention that they need. And all three of the kids, their siblings, they all, they're all different ages, though. Like, the oldest one is 15, and she's having a hard time adjusting. And then, you know, you've got the, the, the boy who is very clumsy and feels like he's always doing something wrong and very apologetic. And then the youngest one is just like a, a firecracker. She has just got a lot of personality and very outspoken. Um, the movie, it's funny. It, it's very emotional. Um, I think it kind of like takes you through what it's like, not only for like the kids that are going through this, but for like the parents that are involved and the parents, like, like I said, they, at, at first it felt like they just kind of like wanted the reward at being the ones and like that saved these kids. We saved these kids. We rescued them. And they didn't realize like what hard work it's actually going to be. And there's so many times in this movie they, where they kind of like just want to throw in the towel and give up. Um, it's got a great comedy, too. I, I, I laughed quite a bit in this movie. And so did that. They go to like the support group for all the <laughs> for all the uh, parents that are trying to adopt. And it's inspired by a true story. But you kind of can tell like there's stuff that's just thrown in there for comedy. There's the one single woman who goes to the support group because she's like wanting to do like a Sandra Bullock blindside and ad- adopt a young athletic kid just so she- <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's, it's, it's and she refers to it as the Sandra Bullock blindside move too. Well that's what that's what Rose Burns character like um Mark Wahlberg's wife in this movie keeps like laughing Is about that- her and calling her like the blindside. Oh, it, it is so funny. Like they show like the first like meetup of like when you try to get matched to your kids, there's like a, you know, foster parent and children day. And they go to like this. It's kind of like a little carnival that they have set up and like everybody's got name tags and you can like get introduced to kids and say hi and see like, oh, I might want to like, you know, I might want to, you know, take a uh, foster this kid, whatever. And so you see, you see the blindside mom like yelling at kids and throwing footballs and like, oh and then and then dropping it. And she's like, "Oh, forget it." And she just like walks away. So it's it's pretty funny. But this movie, it's it's it is a comedy, but it's got a lot of heart too. And I feel like this movie needed to be made. It's it's inspired by a true story. They show a picture of the real family that did this, that adopted these three kids. And I think it's also a movie that could inspire people to adopt. Um, At the end of the film, it actually tells you to go to instantfamily.org if this is something that you're actually thinking about doing. And um, I I felt I I really like this movie a lot. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And like from like, you know, I talked about me crying at other shit like. I'd say like 20 minutes in, I'm like wanting to cry at this movie. I'm just like, (laughs) you know, I'm feeling the same things like, oh, my God, these poor kids in the foster care system and just 
you know, getting bounced around, living with families that don't care about them. And, you know, some of their parents are drug users and all this stuff. And I just felt so bad for some of these kids. And, and um, it's a really sweet movie with a lot of heart. Mark Wahlberg's great in it. Um, Rose Byrne's fantastic. Um, Octavia Spencer's really good in this one. I, I, I really, oh, and there's a, there's a gay couple that are trying to adopt. Um, it's great because like, there's a, there's, there's a man, there's a husband and wife and they're like, you know, we tried to have kids. Um, we can't, you know, we've tried. And then like, they talk to the next couple, which is the gay couple. And they're like, yeah, we've tried to have kids too. Every night we try, we can't. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is, this is great. I, I, I loved it. It is a fantastic film, instant family. Uh, if you, yeah, I would say definitely, I, I I think it's an R-rated comedy. It, a lot of adult humor. I didn't check the rating. I don't remember, but my God, I, I had a really good time at this one. I my audience had a great time. Um, I was not expecting this movie to be as good as it was. This really kind of blew me away because it's Sean Anders and like you know like when I think of I, I wouldn't say like oh Sex Drive is a great movie or I I haven't even watched That's My Boy or Daddy's Home because I'm not like a big fan of those types of movies. But I, I loved this one. This is so good. So I Tupperware the fuck out of uh, Instant Family. I thought it was really good. Uh, Jake, what do you got, man? Oh, I wanted to talk about something that's really given me so much joy this week. I um, Oh, one second. On Stitcher Premium, I found out. I was just kind of goofing around with it. And they have every Word Out concert from 2018 on there. And... Oh my gosh, it's been so great. It's his um ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour. And it's more of a laid-back tour where he doesn't do all the costumes, he doesn't do all the parodies. He's doing more of his singles and original works from all of his different albums. And they have all 77 concerts on Stitcher Premium to listen to. And I mean, it's really cool. Like I've listened to concerts like back to back to back before and it gets old real fast because it's like 90% the same set list. But I mean, just concert after concert, he's doing completely different set lists. He's doing world premiere songs for each city. There's tons of banter, which, you know, unfortunately, you never really get if you see Word Out Live. Like there's really not much banter and interplay with with the audience. There's so much back and forth costume changing got to get into the uh, michael jackson fat costume you know you got to get into the david byrne big white suit costume and so it's just really neat to hear him talk to the audience and just kind of joke around he does a lot of talking about different songs and like the creative process of making like different original songs that he did and man i'm probably going to go through and listen to all 77 concerts in the next couple of weeks um pretty much all i've been listening to when i drive to and from work and whenever i'm you know doing dishes or stuff like that it's a really fun thing to listen to so man i'm i'm loving it if you're a fan of word owl and you've seen him live this is still worth checking out because it's just so many songs that he never does like he has to kind of do all the edits and all the fats and everything Mm. when he does the normal tours so this is really cool and then next year he's doing a uh, full symphony orchestra tour um, I'm not really sure what kind of set list that's going to be, if that's going to be all the hits or originals, or if that'll be something available to listen to on a service later. But I'm excited to see that. That's actually coming to Peoria, so I'm I'm going to try to get tickets to that show. Very cool. 
Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know about that. I love Weird Al, so that's very cool. Yeah, um, I actually, I just got Stitcher Premium. They give you a free month if you want it. I signed up for the free month. My goal is to blaze through all this in a month and then cancel my subscription. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Stitcher Premium. <laughs> Thank you, Stitcher Premium. What a great advertisement that was. You get a whole month of it though. That's cool. Most of these things only give you like two weeks. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I. I I did see the link through like a Word Owl Facebook page. I don't know if that's always their, if they always give you a month or not. So if, if they don't, go to Word Owl's Facebook page and the link's right there. There you go. Mm-hmm. Jake, I know you watched. I, I didn't, I, I didn't get a chance to watch any of it, but you, did you watch any of the She Ra? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched the first two episodes of She Ra. Oh, I did too. Um, yeah, it, it was it was decent enough. I I, I got to be honest with you. I'm not going to toss it. I'll, I'll taste it, but I probably won't watch anymore. Um, I liked it a lot. I think it's a really cool show for kids, but it just didn't have much like really adult storytelling to really like keep me interested. The jokes were definitely for kids. Um, Wait, you, 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 you want the, Shira to be a cam girl, Jake? What's going on here? No, I'm no, kidding. I don't I'm, kidding. That. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> um, kidding. The artwork, like I love the show Steven Universe. I don't, have you ever, yeah. have you ever watched that? Is it, any, I have seen Steven Universe. Is it, is it anything like that as far as like the storytelling? No, really? it's more straightforward. It's 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 not very cheeky at all. Um, I mean, it's a good it's a good enough show. I really like thought the characters were really solid. Um, I you know what I don't I realized that I don't really know Shira's like normal origin too well. So yeah, I, don't I don't know. Either. That's kind of this, what I realized too. <laughs> I was like, wow, if this is how it's always been, this is kind of interesting. But the one thing I really did like about the show is I thought it did a really good job in promoting friendship between kids that aren't necessarily the same or have the same ideals or even politics. And I thought it like that message was really subtle and really well done because you find out that the the main character that ends up becoming She-Ra is actually one of the bad guys. She's like working for the horde and then gets like captured by one of the princesses. And then eventually they come across the sword and all the, all the origin stuff happens. And I I don't know if that's the same way it was in the original, Mm. but it was really neat because these two like, you know, factioning characters actually had to come together and become friends to be able to save the day. And it wasn't like, they weren't friends already. They just kind of had to admit to each other that despite their alliances and loyalties that they really had become friends and could trust each other. And I thought the little subtle messages like that were really cool. Like they don't beat you over the head with it or anything, but, um, but yeah, like I said, it's just, it's just not my thing. Um, you know, it was, it was okay, but it's definitely a cartoon for, I think 10 year old girls. There you go. What'd you think, June? No, I actually will agree with a lot of what Jake said. Um, it's like I feel like my my seven year old like niece and nephew like they would love this show. Um, they would absolutely love it. But yeah, it's there's not there is not a lot of a whole lot of adult. There's not you don't have anything where it's an underlying sort of cheekiness for adults. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it is it is very straightforward. But yeah, like Jake, like I thought I knew the story of She-Ra and then as I watched like the first two episodes as well and I was like I don't think I actually know the story of She-Ra. You can can watch you can watch like I think He-Man and She-Ra are both uh, still on well they were you can go back and watch them on Netflix. They're on Netflix or the Netflix kids like 
portal. Yeah, they're, they're, I think uh, both He Man and She Ra. When you watch them as adults now, are garbage. They're terrible. They're just terrible. Yeah, the frame rate is so bad. <laughs> well, the stories yeah. are just terrible too. It's just it's yeah. just a, it was cool when we were a kid, but I mean. My God, like you go back and you watch like some of the old Transformers cartoons and you watch some of the you know, the He-Man and the She-Ra and it's just, oh, it's cringeworthy. It's so fucking <laughs> And you terrible. wonder why you liked it so much as a kid. Right. Yeah, it's just terrible. It's, yeah, I, yeah, you watch it and you're like, what the fuck? I was an idiot. Like what? I get, it was just, that's what was on. It was just animated characters doing stupid shit. That was what, that's what, what was on. That's what yeah, we were, whatever it was. Give right. me the Cartoon Express USA train. I'll watch whatever dumb shit's on it. Exactly. Oh, God, I remember. Yeah, USA train. Yeah. <laughs> God, uh, yeah. I, a minor complaint about She-Ra. I, not really a complaint, more of a warning to our listeners that plan on watching it. If you're going to give it a chance, definitely watch both the first two episodes. Um, I don't know why in today's like day and age of streaming and Netflix – why didn't they just make this the first episode 40 minutes? Cause it really does play out like a double length, almost movie of an episode. Mm-hmm. And the second episode is much better than the first episode because it's all the payoff of the first episode kind of, mm-hmm. and it's not even in a normal episode structure where you feel like one ends and the next one starts. Like it really is just big cliffhanger next episode. And then the next episode does not end in a big, big cliffhanger. Mm-mm. So it's not, the normal structure of the show. I don't understand why they didn't just make like one 45 minute premiere episode and move on with their 22 minute episodes. So definitely give it a chance. I'm guessing it's because o- it's- oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I, I think maybe that's because it's Netflix and it's not like you're waiting like week to week for an episode. Like Netflix yeah, is kind of, they're kind of wonky with like the way they structure their episodes. Yeah, I appreciate the Netflix shows that kind of just throw that out the window, though. And if they need this much time to yeah. tell the story, yeah, I they agree. do it. Yeah, Brian, you know what I'm talking I, about. That that's the complaint here. It, it just yeah, go for it, man. It, it was one forty minute episode. It was yeah. very obvious. You don't even get to see Shira in the first episode. Here's the thing, Jake. It's like, uh, oh shit! Uh, tw- I watched twenty minutes of this episode. And now I've got to go do whatever the fuck. I got an errand to run. Well, as soon as you fire up Netflix again and you put on that show, it's just going to start off from where you left off anyway. You know, it it doesn't matter how long you make the episode. That's what that's like, like shows like the OA. Like they'll have an episode that's forty five minutes. The next episode will be twenty six. Like it's it just whatever they want to allot to like each chapter of that uh, of that season. That's that's the time that they're going to give it. I, I think. That's what Netflix can do that you can't do on network television. Like network television, you watch like a – well, fuck, you watch like a CW show with like a Supergirl or – they've got to have every episode be 42, 44 minutes. They can't. Yeah. And, and I know so. I'm talking about a children's show and maybe I shouldn't be so persnickety about it. But <laughs> I mean we, we, had, we had movies that were hour-long. Sure you know, cartoon movies as a kid. And there was never an issue with that. I, I just kind of don't understand why they didn't just yeah. label this what it was. It was very weird. I've seen some hour and 10 minute movies, you know, it happens. So yeah, yeah. yeah. All the time. Like, and then later on when they were back in the day when they were on TV, they would just cut that movie into two or three episodes for the syndication. And then I understood why they had to do that, but there's yeah. no syndication rights going on here. Isn't it? Like, weird? What the Bojack Horseman's showing up on Comedy Central now. Yes. It oh is. yeah, yeah. That is that the first ever Netflix syndicated show. I think it is. I think so. It's something that they're testing, and I know that uh, 
Mystery Science Theater 3000, when they show it on uh, Netflix, they have, even though you can, even though there's no commercials, they still have kind of like that, uh, that, like that will be right back kind of thing. And so I feel like they're cutting it so that if it ever does, if another channel does want to like air those, it'll have those commercial breaks ready to go. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, it, it's weird. I, I get it. It's it's different, but yeah. I, I, there was another show on Netflix that did something very similar. You could kind of like see where it had like the commercial breaks kind of like in there. It was kind of bizarre, but anyway. Uh, I watched a movie yesterday called A Private War. Have you guys seen any trailers or any like promotional like marketing for this at all? Mm, I feel like I have. Um, I probably recognize it once you start talking. It's, it's Rosamund Pike's new movie. Uh, in a world where journalism is under attack, Marie Colvin, played by Rosamund Pike, is one of the most celebrated... This is based on a true story. Most celebrated war correspondents of our time. Colvin is an utterly fearless and rebellious spirit driven to the front lines of conflicts across the globe to give voice to the voiceless while constantly testing the limits between bravery and bravado. After being hit by a grenade in Sri Lanka, she wears a distinctive eye patch and is still as comfortable sipping martinis with London's elite as she is confronting dictators. Colvin sacrifices loving relationships, and over time, her personal life starts to unravel as the trauma she's witnessed takes its toll. Yet her mission to show the true cost of war leads her, along with renowned war photographer Paul Conroy, to embark on the most dangerous assignment of their lives in the besieged Syrian city of Homs. It's directed by Matthew Heineman. This is the first film I've ever seen of his. It stars Rosamund Pike. I love, love, love Rosamund Pike. She's the biggest reason why I wanted to see this movie. She plays Marie Colvin. Uh, Tom Hollander plays Sean Ryan. Jamie Dornan plays uh, photographer Paul Conroy. I'm glad he did. Taron Egerton was originally cast in that role, but he ended up dropping out. And I'm totally fine with that because I thought Jamie Dornan was fantastic in this film. Stanley Tucci also plays a little role in this movie. I love Stanley Tucci. He plays Tony Shaw. This is, it's based on a true story. Uh, it's a heartbreaking film. And, and uh, you want to see a movie with a, a woman in history that was a strong woman that she put herself in situations that most people would not uh, she didn't have to be in wars. She didn't have to, you know, so, soldiers are tasked with that most, a lot of times. Some, some, soldier, some soldiers are thrown into it, but sometimes, you know, a lot of times, like, at least here, you know, you, we make the choice to, to join the military or not. And she put herself in these war situations. And, um, oh, my God, she's just, just a fearless woman, just, uh, just incredible. And... In the movie, you get to see kind of like I think the director did a great job of showing us like how the how regular civilians are affected by by wars and how how they are casualties of wars and like seeing like this extreme type of journalism that Marie Colvin did uh, is just it's in a lot of ways it's 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 eye opening but it's heartbreaking like. She sacrifices everything for the story and getting the truth and getting like getting to the truth and like exposing lies like, you know, like we only see they only tell us like in the media what they want to tell us about the wars. But like she go, she went deeper into like, you know, 
some of these villages where people were innocent people were dying and she was basically saying people are starving people don't there's not enough food there's not enough medical supplies i'm watching i mean we're getting video you see videos of like kids dying in this like this is real stuff that they filmed real people innocent civilians dying in the streets of, of syria and it's not only does she like put herself out there to the point where she gets like post-traumatic stress disorder from seeing witnessing all these fucking horrific things but like it affects her relationships as well and she you know she i mean she she got hit by there was like a like a bomb that went off near her and she lost eyesight she lost her eye um oh my god this uh she you constantly see her smoking cigarettes and drinking in this movie constantly there's there's characters smoking cigarettes the entire time so much so that this film actually sets the world i'm not lying it sets the world's record for most cigarettes smoked in one movie oh wow Uh by one single person too huh well there's all honestly i feel like everybody in this movie was smoking everybody is stressed out everybody that's over there doing this kind of like war journalism is just stressed the fuck out and if they weren't smoking they're picking it up and I, I, you know, it's like, this is based on a true story. I don't want to spoil anything. Like you can go out there and read what happened to Marie Colvin, but I was so fucking, I'm, I'm talking about what a big pussy I am crying in movie theaters. Like I'm tearing up watching this woman and what she put herself through for these people in these countries that don't have a voice, especially women in these countries that don't have a voice. These male dominated countries were like, you know, like, where women don't have a voice and they, and they can't speak up. Like women can't drive in these fucking countries. They can't vote. They can't they, go anywhere alone. Yeah. They have to go with Ex- the man somewhere. Exactly. And so like, here we have this, this woman, Marie Colvin, and she's sitting down and she's actually talking to dictators and she's looking like a badass, like fucking Nick Fury with an eye patch too. Yeah. That's crazy. And I'm telling you, like, I don't care. Like Rosamund Pike with an eye patch, She's still a very attractive woman, um, even with the eye patch. It's unreal. It's like wow, um, very. She she just comes off very strong um, in this movie. Very just very strong willed, like the real like the real Marie Colvin. She's got great chemistry on screen with Stanley Tucci. Um, she has a relationship with him in this movie. His character of Tony Shaw. And that relationship is just like the first time that they meet, they have great chemistry on screen. And I wanted more of that. I really wanted more of like her and Stanley Tucci. I would love to see them star in something else together because they were so good. This is a fantastic fucking movie. It's, I, 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 I Tupperware this movie. I think Rosamund Pike should be nominated um, for an Academy Award for her performance in this. I, I thought it was I thought it was excellent. Um, very tough movie. To, there's there's a scene in this that just was heartbreaking. Um, uh, Saddam Hussein had killed so many different people, and people had gone missing over there, and they didn't know like where their husbands, their their brothers, uh, you know, people in their family. They didn't know where the, the, these people just disappeared, and there was rumors that Saddam Hussein had people killed and buried in the desert, and so there she. Oh my God! In order for her to get there to where they're going to do like this, they're, where they're digging up possible bodies in the desert, 
she had to lie to these like armed guards, these armed soldiers and say that she was with, uh, um, Oh, this is such an incredible scene. She pulls out a card that says London health on it. And she says that she's a doctor. It's her fucking gym membership. (laughs) And they're like, if, if she's caught lying, they're going to gun her down. They're going to kill right. her. They're going to kill the driver, and they're going to kill her, her her new cameraman here, this Paul Conroy. They're going to kill him. They're just going to shoot him dead and execute them right there in the desert. She's saying that she's a doctor and that she's – and they're like, where's your medical supplies then? You know? And uh, talk about quick thinking, pulling out your, your gym membership card that says London Health and saying you're a <laughs> – fucking doctor oh my god just running on adrenaline at yeah. that point and making the smart move right and then they're yeah and then you're and then you know yeah the, you have that scene like that drive away scene where they get away and they're all kind of like cheering like i can't believe that we did that you know they're still alive for another day and they that she gets the story and and that's what she did here she got that story she got to like they got to take pictures of these women crying because they're digging up bodies in the fucking desert of like their brothers their husbands their children and it was just heartbreaking and like i'm i, I like i'm brought to tears it's just it's an incredibly powerful movie um this story needed to be told marie colvin is just an incredible incredible she she's an she was an incredible human being i i absolutely loved this movie if you can see this one in the theaters i highly highly recommend it uh jamie dornan um this guy is like on my radar now i've seen him in some other stuff but man absolutely fantastic in this film so he's 50 shades of gray guy right that's right he is that's what i've seen him Mm -hmm. from he was so good in this jake he was so fantastic in this actually had some personality in this movie so all right yeah he definitely needs to step away from that and kind of get get a little bit of uh legs on his own in some (laughs) movies yeah uh so yeah check it out it's called a private war with rosamund pike i tupperware this movie so good final movie i just saw it today uh widows uh, been dying to see Widows. Did anybody else get a chance to see Widows? No, I'm really looking no, forward but to I'm, seeing. Yeah, I want to see what you thought. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, I didn't even know this movie existed until I saw the trailer before Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh huh. And I was so blown away by the cast and how good it looked, and then was just in shock to see that it came out like the next week. Yeah, yeah. Very Widow- star-studded. Very. Widows is a story of four women with nothing in common except a debt left behind by their dead husbands. Criminal activities set in contemporary Chicago amid a time of turmoil. Tensions build when Veronica, Alice, Linda, and Belle take their fate into their own hands and conspire to forge a future on their own terms. Uh, This one is directed by Steve McQueen. Uh, He directed 12 Years a Slave. I love that movie. It's a fantastic film. Steve McQueen at the beginning of this movie actually does kind of like a, uh, like they're doing this a lot in theaters, like where the director's welcoming you and thanking you for being a part of, you know, seeing the film. And I, I, I really like that because it, it, for a lot of people, like you just watch a movie and you don't really get to put a face to like the actual person that like made this movie. And so I've really kind of enjoyed seeing these studios, have like their directors film these things before the movie starts. And this one was really charming because like he kept fucking up, 
like his lines of like welcoming people. And he's like, this is why I work with actors (laughs) is because I can't do this. And I, I, I really enjoyed that. But this star studded cast, Viola Davis, Liam Neeson, John Bernthal, Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, Carrie Coon, Robert Duvall, Colin Farrell, Brian Tyree Henry from Atlanta, Daniel Kaluuya played, uh, yeah, he was a, was he, uh, who was he in, uh, Black Panther? Oh, I don't know. Oh, he was, um, wasn't he the, the guy from Get Out you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, he, he was, was, he was in towards the rhinos. He was, the, yeah, he was, yeah, he was the rhino tribe leader. Yeah. Was it, was it, um, oh man. Denai Guerrero's boyfriend. Yeah. Or husband. It was a Koya. Oh, they were married? Yeah, they were married. They were married. They were married. Oh. Gotcha. I was it revealed in the deleted scene that they were married, or yes. was it in the actual? It was a deleted scene. Yeah. Uh, okay. So in canon, we don't know if they're married. So I don't know. But um, this, I I don't even have any notes because I literally just got out of the theater before we recorded this one. I am gonna say that um, this is not. If you're wanting to see a heist movie, you're gonna get a heist movie, but it's not Baby Driver. So don't go into this expecting that you're going to see like Edgar Wright's Baby Driver or anything. This is like Steve McQueen. Um, this is he's going to give you a Steve McQueen heist film here. So go into that knowing that. Also go into this knowing that you are going to see Daniel Kaluuya as a very, very hardened criminal here. Like there's a scene where he's stabbing a paraplegic in his legs. God, that's pretty cold. Yeah. Yeah. As he's like crawling away and it's, it gets pretty fucking dark in certain times, but like Viola Davis is so good in this. Like you see these women, their husbands, they tried to pull off this job. Um, things go wrong and they all die. And so now these women are left with a bunch of debt. You've got Brian Tyree Henry's character saying to Viola Davis, your husband stole from me. That was my $2 million. And now it's gone because it like blew up in the explosion where they all died. And so, now you owe me the money. And if you don't, you're dead. And all these other women are left with all this debt. One woman's losing her business. The other woman is basically now it's either this or now she's going to be an escort. And so now these women have to, they have the plans for this final job that Liam Neeson's character left behind. They just have to pull off the job. And um, it really... Colin Farrell. I mean, all these different characters you, you've got involved in this too. Robert Duvall plays Colin Farrell's father, and uh, Colin Farrell's like running for office, and uh, Brian Tyree Henry's also running for office. But he, you know, they're all kind of they're all criminals, and um, this is a fantastic film. It, it, it's a Tupperware. I highly, highly, highly recommend this. It has many twists in it, and and um, the actual heist watching it is pretty incredible. Um, it's not like, it's not your typical heist movie. You're not going to get like an oceans 11 type of feel from this one. You're not going to get like, like the, uh, like the Danny ocean films. You're not going to get that. You're not going to get a baby driver feel from this. This is Steve McQueen's a different kind of director. So this feels more kind of like gritty as far as like a heist is concerned. 
Um, but man, everybody does a great job in this all-star cast. It is so, so good. I, this is one of the year's best in my opinion. I, I, I highly recommend watching widows. Like I, I, I haven't had a lot of time to kind of process this one cause I just literally got out of the theater, but I left kind of like just mind blown at the performances. Viola Davis is fantastic in this. Um, I'm trying to think who else. It, it seems so under the radar. I, I'm really surprised I haven't seen more advertising or just word of mouth about it. It's, like, I, I hope it doesn't get lost in the sea here with the holiday season coming up. It's been in the it's it's been in the theater as far as like, you know, I've seen tons of like previews before it watching other films. I just I don't know what they're doing on in TV to promote this one because I don't watch like live TV anymore. But yeah, that's a good point as well. Out. There are a lot of um, they've been premiering this a lot, especially like on ESPN. Um, I keep on um, in terms of commercials, like I see this. I've seen the trailer a lot in commercials, like on ESPN or MSNBC. Hmm. So that's good. That's good. I, everybody needs to see this. Like everybody pulls their weight in this one. Um, I thought Elizabeth Debicki was was so good in this movie. She's the she played John Bernthal's wife. Um, and, uh, you get to kind of see this character kind of like at first be kind of like a whiny, wimpy character. And now she's out on her own and she's starting to be, oh my God, she kind of just turns into like, she's very impressive. She, there's this one point where she has to, uh, get, uh, guns for the ladies to pull off this job. And she ends up going to kind of like a gun show and, uh, she doesn't want to like, she wants to have somebody else that has like a gun card buy the guns for her. So she pretends she she pretends that she's like a mail order Russian bride and has like this single mother buy these guns for her that's with her daughter and the daughter, you know, like this woman gives her sob story of like, you know, uh, you know, like I'm a, I'm this Russian mail order bride and like I need I need protection and all this stuff and so like the little girl looks up at the mom. She's like, you're always saying that, you know, we need, you know, women, women need to protect themselves or whatever. And it's cool to see like how these women adapt after their husbands are now gone and how resourceful they are. Because it's like you really, uh, before all this was like, you know, like Viola Davis's her character. She was part of the teacher's union. And here she is like, leading up this 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 heist to pull to to steal five million dollars and it's it's kind of crazy how to to watch these characters kind of like evolved in the world they're kind of thrust into like their lives are dependent upon doing this job and it's like do this or die and um you know some of the women are doing it out of safety and some are doing it to take care of their kids their livelihoods it's it's a it's an incredible film, and Steve McQueen is just a fantastic director. There's scenes where like characters are talking, and it's not like we have to get the shot of like close up shot of like Colin Farrell talking to to somebody. Like you're just looking at the car, you know. You're just looking at an outside shot. They've got the camera on a rig on a car, and you're just you just hear them talk while the while you see the car. And it's it's very I don't know I appreciate shit like that, you know where it, it just it's very stylized and just, I, I, I love Steve McQueen as a director and everything that he's kind of like done. So I'm really excited for him. I hope this movie does well. I hope a lot of people see this one. 
because a widows is it's a great movie like i can't wait to i'm gonna call my dad tomorrow and be like yeah you gotta watch this movie it's really fantastic my dad's a big liam neeson fan so i know that like once i tell him like liam neeson's in this he's gonna be all over it so and they showed that what did they show they showed the trailer for cold pursuit have you seen the have you seen the trailer for cold pursuit no, what is that? No, I'm not. I don't even know what that is. Uh-huh. Liam Neeson is a snowplow guy who's out for revenge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's pretty meta. Are you serious? I am 100% serious. Wait, he's a snowplow guy who what? He's out I gotta for see this. He's What's out, this called? He's out for revenge. It's called Cold Pursuit. Oh, my God. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> With Liam Neeson. And my God, I'll tell you one thing. It looks fun as hell, and I can't wait to watch it. There's a scene where he's he's got his snowplow, and he plows into a fucking car, and it goes flying off a road. And I was just like, yeah! That's what... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, have you ever seen um, on HBO, it was the show Life is Short, I think was the name of it. It was sort of like a a parody documentary on Warwick Davis. No. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I want to see that. I know what you're talking. I've seen. I've seen it, but I've never watched it. I. I think so. The the Dan West episode, though, Mm -hmm. um, because it's done by Ricky Gervais Mm -hmm. and um, Steve Marchant. Yeah. And so, like, there's this great scene in the very first episode where Liam Neeson goes into uh, Ricky Gervais and Steve um, Steve Marchant, like, to to his uh, to their office, and but he's like total like serious Liam Neeson that you see in the movies, but he's like, I want to start doing improv comedy. I think I can be really funny. And then he like, and he's like, I want to do improv comedy. And he pulls out like a list of ideas and he says something to the effect of like, I made a list of ideas. I'm really good at lists. That's why Steven, or the, that's why I got cast at Schindler's List. Oh my God. Oh. I mean, it's like, no, I mean, but Liam Neeson in that first episode, you're just like, what the hell is happening right now? That's awesome. I, uh, yeah, you don't really see him do much self-parody. Oh, no. Like, that is totally him making fun of himself. That's great. I think Dan West is a big fan of that show. I think so, if I remember correctly. Anybody listen to Hollywood Babylon with Ralph Garman and Kevin Smith? No, I've heard it's great. I've heard their Stanley tributes great. No. Well, the reason I bring it up is because at the end of every show, they have a segment called Liam Neeson's Cock, and they talk about how big... (laughs) the legendary penis of Liam Neeson is. And there's an actual website called NeesonCock.com where people can leave their comments about how big the actor's legendary penis is. So (laughs) that's how they end every show by saying Liam Neeson's cock is so big. And then they talk about like, it's as big as this or that or whatever. So like, that's a whole segment at the end of every of those podcasts. So just that's pretty I, funny. I didn't even know that was a that was an urban legend. It's it's just something they do on the show. Uh, oh, I got you. They created it. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a quick break and come back and then talk about Fantastic Beasts, uh, the crimes of Grindelwald, and uh, yeah, that's what we'll do. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with uh, Fantastic Beasts. Listen, Groot. It's simple. If you want to help the pop culture leftovers. Go to thepopcultureleftovers.com and do all your shopping from the Amazon link. I am Groot. It doesn't cost you extra, and it helps the leftovers. Got it? I am Groot. Yeah, people can buy hats at Amazon. Are you still hung up on that hats thing? I am Groot. 
Yeah, okay, I got it. You don't have to buy your hats there. I am Groot. You're impossible. For anyone else who doesn't have a strange or borderline psychotic hatred for hats, please head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon link already. I am Groot. And now you're wearing a hat. I freaking give up. Attention. The following is an important consumer warning. Listening to PCO might be harmful to your health. I'm Eden Palm. You might know me as Sturdy, but after years of listening to PCO, I might have developed a multiple personality syndrome. At first, I didn't quite buy into it until... (laughs) The cynical laughter of the Joker popped into my head, but things got really weird when my wife found me in the dark closet saying, The power of the darkness. And I will let nothing stand in our way. At which point I jumped up and said to her, Well there, honey, I didn't know you were sitting there watching me. Then it dawned on me, I don't even have a wife. It was Ollie Williams with the Blackie Report. It's gonna rain! Get your umbrella! All in all, the condition isn't that bad, because I have the PCL. Ohana means family. For more of my voices, search me on social media, Y-E-A-D-O-N, Paul Vio. All right, hey, we are back. The final thing that we're gonna, all going to talk about as a group for Good Pop, Bad Pop is a movie that we saw this week, uh, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. And uh, this is the second film in the franchise. Originally, I believe this was supposed to be a three-film kind of thing, and now it's turned into a five-film thing. Uh, this is the second installment of the Fantastic Beasts series set in J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World, featuring the adventures of Maju Zoologist. Magi zoologist Newt Scamander. Uh, it's directed by David Yates, uh, written by J.K. Rowling, and uh, it stars Eddie Redmayne, Catherine Waterston, Dan Fogler. Dan Fogler, now one of the cast members on The Walking Dead. Just throwing it out there. Really? Oh, that's a true, true story, huh? Yeah. Uh, he joined the cast uh, in episode five of this season. So uh, we've got one full episode with him in episode six. But, uh, yeah, Dan Fogler now part of the Walking Dead cast. I, um, as you remember, if you listen to our Fantastic Beasts uh, first movie review, I wasn't the biggest fan of the movie. Love the Harry Potter films. Loved each and every one. I've read the books. Um, I was not a fan of Fantastic Beasts, that first one. I think it just... For me, it just did not work. I didn't like the character of Newt Scamander. I just think he's a weird dude, and I just can't. I I I think he'd be better served as like a uh, secondary character. I just I have a hard time following this guy. He's just he's bizarre. He's weird. He's wild. He's, he's all twitchy. He's all yeah. He's hard to follow for me for like a main protagonist. He's just a hard character for me to follow. But um, you know what? That's the reason we've got June and Stephanie on this episode. You guys are huge Harry Potter fans, so I really wanted to hear your thoughts on this second installment. So we're—I guess we're just gonna—I guess we're gonna keep it spoiler-free for the most part. Uh, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this one. So, but I'll start with Jake. Jake, what did you think about Fantastic Beasts? Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm a pretty big Harry Potter fan myself. I, I was kind of in the same boat as you. Um, I think I liked Fantastic Beast a little bit more, but I, I was not very over the moon on it at all. And yeah, I knew it just wasn't the best, like, leading main character for me. Um, and so going into this, I was really kind of 
almost loathing seeing this movie at this point. Um, I love Harry Potter so much. I just kind of didn't want to see another ho-hum, middle-of-the-road movie based around the world. None of the trailers had really wowed me. But I actually um, had a pretty good time watching this movie. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and give it a high taste it. I think that's um, what you gave. The, that's what you gave the first one. I believe. Is it? Is I it? pretty sure you gave it a high taste it. You gave it at least a taste. I gave it a low taste it. And I'm pretty, I think I gave it a middle taste it. I don't I know, I was man. Pretty, I was anti high, low stuff back then. I think, I don't know, man. I feel, I feel, I want to go back and listen. Cause I, I feel like he may have given it a, I could be wrong though. But I feel like yeah, I, I I liked this one more than that one actually though. Um, I think it just to me it felt more like set in the Harry Potter world. Um, but like I said, I do get why people didn't like this movie. There were definitely some major problems with this movie, and there was stuff that I definitely didn't like. Um, it had a lot of sequelitis issues. I thought a lot of the characters from the first movie felt very shoehorned into this movie mm. to the point where I didn't really even care about them. Um, like your Tinas and your Jacobs and your Queenies. T- to me, that all just felt like extra stuff that was almost plot wise forced into the movie, like easy cuts to make a way better trimmed two hour movie here. I thought Um, I'm also a little bit tired of David Yates as the main, like Harry Potter director. I think he's comparable, but nothing really ever wows me with any of the direction choices he makes. Um, There's so much cool stuff going on here. And I thought, Sometimes it was ruined by his, his just takes on it. Um, the main action sequence was very well thought out and very neat what was going on. But a lot of it ruined by sloppy David Yates direction, in my opinion. But yeah, the, the stuff I did like was like the main four characters. I loved him. I loved Newt. I loved Dumbledore. I actually loved Grindelwald. And, and I thought Credence was way better in this movie than he was in the first movie. Um, any scene that was directly about the lore building of those four characters, I was pretty enthralled the entire movie um i thought jude law was standout fantastic in this movie for me and am all about watching a two-hour movie of just like his adventures as dumbledore in that era and that age so yeah i i shockingly had a really great time i don't know if it was going in just expecting to flat out toss this movie that made me like just have so much fun but yeah i like happily ate my popcorn and and just had had a really great time in this movie, even though there was a lot of really dumb stuff on the side, too. So I'm interested to hear what you guys thought of this thing. Uh, I'll go next because I want to save Stephanie and June for last. But I, uh, like I said, I, I, I wasn't a big fan. I gave the first one a low taste it, and uh, maybe I did. I don't know. Maybe I tossed the fuck out of that thing. I don't know. But I, I, I honestly feel like you have to be like a die-hard Wizarding World Harry Potter fan to absolutely love what we're kind of getting here. Because, like, I was bored to tears with the first two acts of this movie. I I I didn't care. I didn't care what was going on. Newt's driving me nuts again, watching this guy put his head down and not look at anybody. (laughs) I don't know. He's just a fucking weirdo. And I just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's sweet. He he's sweet and all this shit, but my god, the the fact that any women are interested in this guy just blows my fucking mind. My god, are you kidding me? Anyway, um, but uh, 
the first two acts of this movie just bored me to tears. I just did not care about anything that was happening at all. Did not care. I was just... It was not until the last act when uh, we finally got, like, the final battle and we got, like, some of the reveals at the end that I, I, I loved it. And it kind of, like, it almost redeemed the whole movie that I had just watched, that I had just been kind of, like, falling asleep on. And it's not like I just saw this in, like, a regular theater. I went and saw this in a Dolby Atmos theater. Huge, like, IMAX size screen, Dolby Atmos sound. I wanted to be engulfed in this experience because it is a Harry Potter Wizarding World universe. But I was just really bored with everything that was going on before that. And I don't know, maybe for other people that are like, that do a deep dive into everything Harry Potter, they got something out of it. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing this. And like, oh wow, that's cool. But for me, it was just like, fuck, this is so terrible and so boring that I didn't care until we got to the to the final act, which I thought the final act was an absolute Tupperware. So god, I even thought Depp was great in that, and um, and uh, the reveals there were amazing. So I'm going to give this one just based on the the final act. I'm going to give it a taste. It um, it left a great taste in my mouth because it was so good at the end. But everything before that, I was just so fucking bored with. Um. So I'll give I'll give it a solid taste it. And if and I, I, I am excited to see the next one because it 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 the way this ended was so incredible for me. I was just like, holy shit. Wow. It took a it took a long time to get there, but that was damn good. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it felt like, you know, like when you were watching like a Harry Potter film and you and you're watching like the Goblet of Fire and you're watching like the final moments in the Goblet of Fire, like. That's wow, that's why I'm watching these movies. That's so cool. Wow, oh my god, that was that was so incredible. I don't know. I there's there's a lot to be said about just like following kids in a wizarding school and how exciting and how fun it is. They're learning things for the first time and they're doing stuff in this in Hogwarts. They're the only ones that are really privy to what to what's going on. You've got the chosen one and he's like but he's got the help of his, you know, friends. And and in this one, we're just following a fucking introverted weirdo. And I, I, I just <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I, I, I don't know. I, he's just so following Newt Scamander around for a whole fucking movie just drives me insane. I feel like Newt Scamander feels like he should be like a uh, an ancillary character, like a. Not the main fucking guy that we got to follow around on this journey. I don't know. It's it's wrong. I don't mind him so much as his band of friends at this point. <laughs> I do. I can't stand him. He's just so weird to hang. It's just I can't relate. I can't relate to the character. I don't think many people can. I think there's a very small group of people that can relate to how like this character is. And for me, I don't think it's fun or charming or cute. And I just have a really hard time kind of like connecting with this character on any level. Like I loved following Harry around and Hermione and it was so much, it was a blast. I loved characters like Hagrid and, 
And those kids were just a lot of fun just going like, oh, each year we're learning what they're – oh, here's a new class. Here's the new teachers and – and I love that. I know this is like a completely different thing. This is like the adult wizarding world, but god damn it, why do we gotta hang out? Yeah, with fucking. It, it's it's a weird choice, right? It's almost like they did it like a. It's almost like very much like a British sitcom like choice, like a very unlikable main character. You know, it, it's a very bold choice for this universe. I, yeah, like, I ne- like it or lump it. I'm it's, never it's getting kind of weird that they made that decision. I can't. I'm sorry, but I can't get pumped up about Newt Scamander. Like, yeah, look what he just <laughs> fuck. Yeah, dude, put your head down and make an awkward comment about a girl. Her eyes looking like a salamander. I don't think it's cute or funny. It's just so weird. I'm sorry. It's so weird. He's like the kind of guy that would get on the internet and like pay cam girls in gold coins, right? I mean, and that's and that's who we're following in this movie. So I don't know. I, that's just me. And, and for the people that love Newt Scamander and love the character, I totally get it. That's fine. Like that's your that's your jam. But my God, I uh, I don't know. I have a rough time with that character. I but I did get into the final act of this movie. I thought it was tremendous, tremendous. That final act, that final thirty minutes of this movie, sucked me right back in, and I'm ready for the third film. So overall, I'm gonna give. Basically, guys, I'm giving like the first two acts of this thing like a low taste it. And then that final act is the Tupperware, and it kind of evens it out to a taste it all together. But um, I want to know what you guys thought. So, Stephanie, what did you think? Um, Much like you, I did not care for the first movie. Um, I probably would have tossed it. I fell asleep during the first movie. I didn't care for it. Um, I fell asleep, too. (laughs) (laughs) I I did, too. This movie was... I think this movie was a huge improvement over the first movie. And that, and saying that, that wasn't necessarily hard to do. I think I, okay, I'm just going to say, I'm going I'm to give it a high taste it. The reason I give it a high taste it is for a reason that you also mentioned. I have, I'm reading notes here. Um, this movie, I liked it because it made a lot of references to things that people familiar with the Harry Potter universe um, or like Potterheads would know and be able to reference back. There was quite a few people in the theater when I saw it, that when a name was mentioned or something that they could reference back, like an Easter egg popped up, they were, you know, they would gasp. And like, I was one of those people that would gasp. And I was like, oh, they're feeding right into what I want. But the movie felt very niched to me. So if you're not necessarily Harry Potter, like a, like a big Harry Potter fan, um, and you're just kind of just watching the movies just to see what's going on, then I think you'd miss it. And a lot of those things that kind of like gas people like myself up, you, you wouldn't, it, it it wouldn't really matter. And so I think, I think a lot of what they did with new was seemed so like just kind of thrown in, like with him with some of the creatures, like, you know, he gets, he has, he now captures a couple of new creatures. Like that just seems so thrown in at the last minute. I didn't, I didn't need it. Some of the stuff that just didn't feel all that necessary. Some of the things that tend to take me out of movies, like I appreciated I think that I'm being a little too generous. I liked the, the, the character, Zoe Kravitz's character, and I'm not going to say her name because mm-hmm. I don't want to give anything away, but yeah, she things like her accent, like it would come and go, like it came and went and then it just went. And I'm like, 
things like that that I think are, would be easy fixes tend to take somebody like me out of the moment just because I know I, t- I tend to notice them. Um, I thought Johnny Depp was excellent um, as Grindelwald. I think um, Jude Law was a great Dumbledore. I would have loved, like I think you said this earlier, I would have loved to have seen more of that. I love the scenes. There's some scenes where they go back to Hogwarts back. Um, they, oh, they show, yeah. They show mm-hmm. Hogwarts back when Dumbledore is a professor. He's a, he's a defense against a dark arts teacher. Um, I love seeing Hogwarts. I mean, bring me back to Hogwarts anytime when that music starts playing. Yes. You got me. I'm home. Yes, absolutely. Oh, it, brings, it gives you chills. It like does. when they show the cat, when they show the castle, like the camera kind of goes up over the mountain, and then you just and the music starts playing, and you see the lake and the castle. Like I got goosebumps. Yeah, that's all it takes. And so moments like that, and then the Easter eggs, and and the and I think the performances by people like Johnny Depp um, and Jude Law are, are great. I agree that Newt and his kind of group of like merry friends just kind of fell flat because their stories weren't that important to me. I don't really care about Queenie. Like what? Mm-hmm. I, um, but I love Dan Fogler in the first movie and I feel like he was underused in this one or like Jake said, so. Jake, like Jake yes. said, forced in. Yeah. So I give it a high taste just because of like the nice little nuggets, the Easter eggs that they gave and the trip back to Hogwarts and, and some of the characters that I just mentioned, um, it had some issues for sure. Um, but not enough for me to not have enjoyed it. I've definitely left it with a smile on my face, I think. And, and that ending, that ending battle really, that helped a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was the highlight of the movie for me. June, what did you think? Um, I wanted to like this movie a lot more than I did. Um, I, I gave this like a middle to low taste it. Um, I think for me, the issue is that, the movie feels like it's an adaptation of a book. Kind of like how the Harry Potter movies were, except the difference here is that there is no source material. Mm-hmm. And I think and J.K. Rowling, she is an amazing writer, but I think she's, she's better at writing novels. Not screenplays. Yeah. Not, and, and because she's writing the screenplays, like yeah. the, she's the, the sole screenwriter on this. And I, I think... It's almost like I wish that if she wanted to create movies out of this, I wish this would have started out as like even short stories or something where she had already fleshed it out on paper, you know, like in a novel form. And then someone who is a screenwriter comes in and is able to adapt it because writing for the screen is so different than writing a novel. And she has so many ideas and I felt like this movie was cluttered. I felt like this movie had just so much happening. Like I felt very overwhelmed um, just by all the plots happening. And I wonder if maybe that's why you felt bored, Brian, in yeah. the first two acts, just because yeah. it was just so much stuff that you're just like, what? okay. Yeah, it, it was like it was like it paid off in the end, but it. <laughs> There's so much mu- so, yes. exposition. So much. Yes. Thank you. It's like so it's much convoluted and, 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 and very much. Yes. Yeah, so much exposition in this one that I felt like I wish. I don't know. It's, it's like I felt like um, 
you can definitely see why it can be five movies now, but it's because they stretched it out so much, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the stuff that June is bringing up makes me wonder if that's why we're stuck with David Yates for eight movies in a row because he's the only Hollywood puppet willing to put up with this kind of role, you know? Like, what other director is going to do these movies if that's what's going on on, like, the writing side, you know? Well, yeah, JK's got so much control over this, and Warner Brothers is going to do anything that she wants because, like, these are big money makers for them. It's it's Harry Potter. You're gonna get you're gonna get that Harry Potter fan base in in the seats, and I, I could tell that there, there were people having a good time in my theater. I could hear a lot of the uh, a lot of people having a a good time in my theater. But I was like, man, these gotta these have to be like really hardcore Potterheads. Yeah, that are really yeah. even into this. so like me being a hardcore Potterhead, there were certain things though that were in the movie, like the little Easter eggs, though, like at first I'm like, oh, that's really cool. But then I started thinking about it. And part of me wonders if, if J.K. Rowling is almost like digging herself into a hole because this is a universe that she loves. And I pre- and things I appreciate the love of this world that she's created and the characters that she's created. They live in it like she lives and breathes this Harry Potter universe. And I think that's wonderful for her to have such an attachment to it still, but like she has created these like companion pieces through the Pottermore website that she, that's hers, the fan website that she created, but she's given like mini biographies to some of these side characters. Yeah. And there's an Easter egg in the movie where if you have read, which doesn't make any sense, with what she's produ- with, with what she's written about this character through Pottermore, and I wonder if maybe she's just gotten she's wrapped herself up in this universe too much that she doesn't know which way is up anymore. Because to me, that was a very very big inconsistency. And I think too, I, I agree with you. As I've read a lot of the information that she's provided on Pottermore, it's a lot. There's a lot to read there. Um, I also wonder if there's something that happens at the end, like the very last scene, there's like a, you know, like an aha kind of moment. And I wonder if in that, my, my fear is that now that we know this information that we didn't know before, I don't want her to now go messing with storylines for the sake of creating this movie that now I'm not sure if it'll be canon or what, but there's certain storylines I don't think need any, need anything extra. And I think that's one of them. And that worries me a lot because it, it deals with a beloved character, and I just don't want, for the sake of r- making these Fantastic Beast movies, for her to kind of dibble and dabble in things that just were better left alone from the previous books. And right. that's kind of my worry. Yep. And I just, I wonder if maybe she's just too, and she at this point has created so many different, or she's, she's delved too much into her own mythology that she's not able to keep track of it. I think she's she's weaved some pretty insane mysteries and surprises. And for the most part, like 95 percent of the time, it all ties up once you have the complete story. And I don't think she would drop a bomb like this without being able to tidy it up later. I don't think yeah, she's that so. kind of writer ever. Like cause she that that was definitely her style in the Harry Potter books was to drop bombs. And then, you know, by the end, it's, you know, you know, you know what happened between Snape and Dumbledore at the top, you know, all, all the bombs that she drops, you know, all get fixed and all. So I don't know. It's, it's hard to judge whether or not it's inconsistent, 
when the whole thing is played out as a cliffhanger. Right. That's true. Like you don't you don't know like for all you know, it could just be a ruse in the first place. I mean, I, I think that's very unlikely, but you just don't know. Like, and I'm not going to be overly critical about yet about that storyline until it's more than just a cliffhanger. Right. Right. I think for me, the reason, right. And I would say to that, I think in the, the, the benefit of the first, uh, the first eight Harry Potter movies was that, they were based off of the books that she had written. And so the, so the kind of the, those who had read the books knew that that this character Snape, there was a lot more turmoil deciding if he was good or bad than the, than the movies provided. The movies didn't really give you that. Is he good or bad as, as well as the books did. And so with these fantastic beast movies, not necessarily being able to kind of feed off of that information. I just don't want just like the, the this ending kind of information that we received, I just I want to make sure. I'm, and you're right; it's it's a little too early to kind of make that to be that critical. I, but I just hope it's worth it because it's just you know what I mean. I just want it to be worth it in the end. And if it's not, it it's just that's well, unfortunate. You, you, you ho- I mean, you have those fears because you hold those you know original books and those movies so near and dear that you don't want this. What for? What sounds like to me this new set of films that are not, they're kind of lackluster compared to like what we've gotten in the past. Right. Like, yeah, we're so, I'm supposed to be excited for me. I feel like I'm supposed to be excited about new Harry Potter stuff coming out. And this movie just kind of dropped. I went and I kind of like, I don't know. It's nothing that I'm going to, it's nothing that I'm raving about and nothing that I'm going to be like, I, man, I can't wait to see that again. I feel like I might, I feel like I would watch it again just, you know, just to be fresh for like when the next film comes out and then enjoy the ending of that last film. But I felt like for the first two acts of this film, it was just a lot. Like you said, June, a lot of information and just kind of plotting along and me not connecting with characters and just being fed a lot of information instead of actually forming bonds like i i feel that's that's my biggest problem with this is like who am i supposed to be rooting for here because i i'm not connecting with anybody like it, it was it was great seeing dumbledore again it really was even if oh, it is you'd law dumbledore he's I mean, really who good. knew that dumbledore yeah. was hot yeah i mean <laughs> dumbledore <laughs> is hot man and then the fact that he's got like the tweeds like the professor tweeds like, yeah. come on. I'm like, man, that would wish my professors looked like that. Dumbledore, um, more like Dumblemore is what I'm yes, saying. Yes, that's <laughs> right? exactly what I was thinking. Come over Dude here. can make anything sexy, by the way. I want you to come over here and be my little Dumble whore. How about you do that? <laughs> All right. No, it is Jude Law. Jude Law can make anything sexy. He was in that yeah. show on H- that limited series thing on HBO, The Young Pope. Dude, Jude Law was a sexy pope. He was. (laughs) Yeah, he was a robot gigolo in AI. Yeah, he was a sexy robot gigolo. I mean, Jude Law can make anything sexy. I'm just saying. I love you. Maybe I have a tiny crush on Jude Law. No, I. Between Jude Jude Law and Bradley (laughs) Cooper. Jude Jude just comes on PCL to tell us all all the men she's crushing on. Yeah. I know. Like, uh, like, yeah, I know. I can't get a TV mom out of Jake, but Jude Jude is telling me every celebrity that she's got the hots for. (laughs) I know. I know. Um, 
But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the um, I thought the score in this movie was really inspired, though. Um, I think June brought it up about how it was great when you know when you went back to Hogwarts. But not only that, I thought throughout the whole film the score was really fantastic. I, it was very noticeable. It wasn't something I noticed too much in the first movie. Um, it was one of the best parts of the opening action sequence, I thought. And I thought the score really carried throughout the whole movie. Was it was the, really fantastic. I'm going to put it on my Spotify save list. Was it Was it only me or was the action kind of hard to follow during that? Oh, it was uh, super it hard was. to follow. Yes. I, yeah, yes. it was terrible. There was like kind of like this um, uh, carriage ride um, with uh, – uh, what were the what, – what, what are those, those uh, winged Best horses? Festrals. Festrals. Those, yeah, those winged horses. And um, that action scene, I, I felt like I understand why it was dark. But on the flip side, like it kind of like was to its detriment that it was as dark as it was because I was having a really hard time of following the action in that, which I think could have been a really cool scene had it been um, – done a little bit better because like yeah it was cool what was going on like he's doing some really sinister shit in that scene and i was just like holy shit like you that's something that you don't see in most movies where you know characters with wands and blasting them at each other out of the sky as you know flying you know dark-winged festral horses are flying a carriage around in the sky and lightning is crashing and you don't see that in any other films, but it was a missed opportunity here because I couldn't follow the action. Yeah. That within 10 minutes, I was like, God, I hate David Yates. This is such cool stuff happening, but yeah. what the fuck is happening? Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, I did love the baby nifflers. The little, the little creature that likes the shiny stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Like yeah. the little baby ones, because when he walks into his house, cause they got out in the first one that he sees, like, it sees him and it's got like the little it's got like something like a coin in its mouth and it looks all guilty. I'm like, that is my dog like every day. Don't you think <laughs> don't you think the scene at the end of the movie, though, with the Niffler could have been they projected oh, it could have been much better. Don't you think? They, yeah. Uh, don't you think that they projected it too much that you were just like you knew what was going to happen? I, I feel oh, like, yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel well, because like because he puts mm-hmm. all the other animals away, but he specifically says you're coming with me. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and then, you're like, and okay. Then there's like a zillion guess- shots of that creature like running around and shit. You yeah. know, I, I um, I loved Johnny Depp as Grindelwald. The one thing I hated was I wish they wouldn't have had the one liner right at the very end of the whole big battle. I thought that was the Paris joke. It was just like the movie wasn't oh, joking yeah. at all. It wasn't jokey at all, like, and especially his character was never jokey, which was what was so excellent about it. And I was like, oh, geez, what an awesome scene. Just kind of a little bit marred by a, a not landing joke. Mm. And I. They booed I, him. And I bet, apparently at the Paris premiere, they he got, they got booed. That moment. Mm hmm. Oh, that's funny. Everyone in Paris was not happy with that line. Yeah, I laughed out loud, but like it wasn't at the joke. Like I, I, I wasn't laughing the with the it. joke. Yeah, I was like, God, what the hell? <laughs> I, uh, but that dumbest moment. I think too. An, another issue that I had with the movie is I think Johnny Depp's a great Grindelwald. I think I don't. 
I kind of wish that the movies weren't kind of following like somebody else who was like, you know, like wanted to get rid of like, you know, the, the, his, 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 I don't want to give anything away, but his purpose and the reason what makes the, the, the thing that makes him a bad wizard. I kind of wish they kind of weren't doing like another version of like that again. It uh, feels very similar, but the stakes uh, aren't nearly as high. So I'm not yeah. that interested. I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I never yeah. even thought about that before until you just said it. And it is 100% the same kind of like dynamic, you know, in a way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Th- this movie, if you are a huge Harry Potter fan, you're, you've probably already seen it. Number one, but like, if you were on the fence, I would still say to like definitely watch this movie because I, I, I feel like it had enough at the end to definitely make me uh, – guys, I would say the first two acts of this movie, I was literally in my head saying I'm going to get on the podcast and say I'm done with Fantastic Beasts. And like if it would have continued the way that it went – I would have gotten on here and said, I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm not when the third movie comes out, I'm not watching it. I don't care. I just I don't I'm not going to go to the theater and spend two hours with characters I just don't care about. But God damn it. That fucking last 30 minutes of this movie <laughs> was so was so well done, in my opinion. And it it had enough to want me to watch the the third film when it comes out. So. You know, I don't know. The fourth and the fifth one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this next one does. But, yeah, I mean, it's enough for me to come back and watch the third one. I'll tell you that much. But, my God, I... I don't know. I just miss those fucking kids in Hogwarts. I I don't care about this this weird fucker that we're hanging out (laughs) with, right? Yeah. And I think um, it's a great point about it not being a a book to movie translation. Like just there's some magic that you get when you have like Steve Cloves making a movie out of J.K. Rowling's books rather than just direct to screen. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the most magical moments in those eight movies come from the translation that, you know, mostly Cloves did. I believe he did um, seven of eight of the movies. Yep. And so, yeah, it's just having it just direct to direct J.K., to puppet Yates, I just think isn't cutting it, man. There's a lot of cool stuff that could be happening if um, JK would submit a little bit of creativity to a comparable artistic director and creative team. Oh, God, fucking Alfonso Cuaron. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. The movie was great. It's the, my favorite. So, uh, And the, actually, the third book is my favorite book, too. So, Yeah, yeah mine as well. Yeah, there was talk. I, I was freaking out for a bit when um, Fantastic Beast was looking for its director because Alfonso was on that list. And, of course, we got more Yates. Well, Alfonso Cuaron, is, uh, he directed a movie called Roma, which might be uh, an Oscar contender. So, let's see. Oh, that's the Netflix movie, right? Yeah, it's coming out uh, in theaters first, and I think it's going to hit uh, Netflix sometime in mid-December, mid to late December. So I'm really looking forward to that movie. But any final thoughts on uh, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald? The biggest crime is is the first two-thirds of this movie. <laughs> yeah i i don't know i was i was talking to you brian actually hours before i saw this and was just like you know loathing going to fucking see this thing and so you know i i'm glad i agree with what you said if you're a harry potter fan that was yeah. on the fence about seeing this no matter how you feel you should probably go see it because there's definitely some stuff here for you well what was that scene about the- <laughs> i sounded like a car trying to start there what was 
was that scene? <laughs> what was that scene with that that little seaweed dragon? Oh, I hate! I was I hated that. That was so fucking stupid. Oh, with his like, with his like, kind of made his assistant housekeeper thing. His like housekeeper or whatever. All these women just ready to drop their. He's just here. The fucking Newt's commander, the panty dropper. Give me a fucking break! Oh, you got to be kidding me! All these women just going nuts for Newt's commander. Give me a. He's a good guy, man. Oh come on! (laughs) Yeah. Please, can he just... Women love a good guy. Jake, he loves animals. Can you imagine him fucking a woman, Jake? No. No. Can you imagine that fucking guy putting his head down the whole time and like, uh, may I put my... my, my, I'm going to put my penis in your vagina now. (laughs) And I'm gonna rock it. I'm gonna rock my hips back and forth. And <laughs> come on, the most polite there is, sex ever. How the, yeah. exactly, so, the most hypnotize her with a dangler. Oh my gosh, it, the most awkward sex of all time. Like there's no woman that is ever gonna be satisfied from that. He has no unless he's got like some gigantic horse cock. There is no fucking way. Oh my god. I'm sorry if I'm getting at a, a place where we thought we wouldn't go with this review, <laughs> but I don't care. There, it's I don't know. I am not a fan of like women being panty droppers for Newt Scamander. This is yeah, and, and the Newt Tina storyline was laughably bad. Oh, like oh, yeah. the mistaken yeah. newspaper article yeah. upset madness. Like right. get out of here with this. And right. it took him the entire three fourths of the movie to finally like clean clear up. The misunderstanding, whereas you yeah. just easily been like, oh, no. No, he That's can't because he can't say anything easily. <laughs> <laughs> he can't communicate like a regular human being. Yeah. He's and the weird t- tension with his character and Zoe Kravitz, like that weird. I didn't like. That oh, yeah. Too. She's with his brother. But oh, my gosh, she still holds a flame for him. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, man, your reaction to Newt's power with women almost makes me like it. It's no, it's so ridiculous. It is so fucking ridiculous. There is no way this guy is getting any action on any universe. I don't care how big this guy's wand is. In the Harry Potter universe. I don't care how big. He's getting all of it. I don't care how big this guy's wand is. There is no way this guy. uh Uh-uh. This is uh, so weird. It's so weird. It so yeah, weird. I can't wait to see how they force Jacob into part three. Ugh. <laughs> I would have been okay if we didn't see him again. I hate to say. Me too. I, I, I agree. He was fun in the first. But I actually one. really liked him. I liked him and Allison Siddle. Like I liked the two of them a lot in the first movie. They're probably some of my favorite parts of the first movie. That's what I said. Queenie and Jacob were my favorite parts in the first movie. You go back but and listen, then, to, listen to my that's review. Why they, that's why they sequelitis it. Yes. They did that research that people love these two, so we got to force them into this somehow, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thought force. Hey, Jake, I think a good website about, like, food and restaurants would be Fantastic Feasts and where to find them. I'm in. Oh. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. 
yeah, I went here and I had the best hot dog I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> you know, and then like, oh man, I went to that burrito truck and they were the bomb. And like people can leave like the reviews and you just type in. That's a long website to type in though. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I hope in the future we can see some Harry Potter movies that are pure Wizarding World movies that are stories that don't have to be so deeply rooted in um, the lore that's been already established. Can we not hang out with a fucking weirdo, number one? <laughs> can we not hang out with... Have more Dumbledore. I just want If they want to make Dumbledore movie, just make Dumbledore movie. Why are we with the yes. weirdo? I agree with I Brian know. in that point. No, I'm all about that. Let's just have Jude Law Dumbledore movies. I would be totally happy with that. I was thinking, I, think, yeah. I, I would love to have like a, I would love a recast for Newt Scamander. I, w- I was thinking like Matt Smith, Matt Smith, Eddie Redmayne's fine. I, I mean, he was great in the theory of everything. But like I was thinking like Matt Smith from Doctor Who would have been a great Newt Scamander and just make him weird, but not that goddamn weird. He's fucking yeah. weird. I was going to say anyone who has the role, it's going to be the same direction. Right? Would you like, leave your kids alone with Newt Scamander? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Way more than a ton of people. Oh, my God. M- not me. There is no fucking way <laughs> I'm leaving my kids. I'm not saying that he's going to do something weird with my kids, but I don't know. Some animal is going to eat your kid, though. Animal could eat your kid? <laughs> you never know. I didn't say he was my number one go-to, but because probably he's so top five hundred. Like, no. He's so trusting of weird animals, and he's yeah. like, they're totally, like, it's totally fine. I'm and not saying there's gonna, eaten. I'm not saying like Chris Hansen's going to have to sit him down, Jake. I'm just saying like. <laughs> no, I, I, I wasn't saying you were saying that either. I know. Even, even for child safety, though, I'll take him over a ton of people. Oh, no, I just don't want my kids hanging out with that guy and thinking like it's OK to act that way. Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't want like. I, if he becomes like a like if my kids are kind of like drawn to him or taken to him and they start acting like that, I no, that's like no, I, I'm gonna let my kids know that that's not okay. All right, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, that's, eye it's, contact. Yeah, eye contact is good. All right, it's not. This is not. You should not be acting like that. But if yeah, if I come home. And like, uh, what if you got a few kids and they like take a shine into old Newt and then they're all they're all looking down and acting weird and shit. <laughs> Man, fuck that, dude. Now you got now, 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 you know, just, you, you see the guy at work, maybe, you know, you know, a couple hours out of the day. Now you got to deal with that shit at home. Now that shit. Now your fucking work has followed you home, and you got to deal with that shit because now Newt Scamander, the great magizoologist, like your kids think he's awesome, and the way he communicates with his animals, now they're acting like him. He's a role model. I'd be like, no, you need a different role model. Here's, <laughs> let me introduce you to Charles Barkley. Go gamble, do something. I don't care. <laughs> I like how you went to Charles Barkley and gambling. I would rather because I would rather have my kids gamble and 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 uh, and be outspoken like that than than put their heads down and act like fucking weirdos. Oh, I hear you. If I had kids, I'd make them the best gamblers ever. There you go. They, they make them make them earn their make them earn their keep, Jake. Oh man, we'd be fucking grifting everyone. It'd be yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. My 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 kid Sam's got a poker face like you've never seen. 
<laughs> I don't even know if he loves me. <laughs> that kid is amazing. Wow. Oh, it's amazing. Anyway, let's move on into news, guys. How about that? Let's do it. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a lift of a news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. All right, real quick news. I got some quick news this week. The ALF reboot, Jake, remember we talked about that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw this. It's scrapped. It's gone. So TV Line reports that uh, it's not happening. So apparently, the, what was the story? For the past, like, you know, 20-plus years, ALF has been trapped in Area 51. I guess he's going to continue to be trapped in Area 51 because, like, they're not moving forward on a uh, this reboot of ALF. Yeah, you can just assume Alf is going to die in that in that holding cell. There you go. I didn't know that that, that was even like an option. An Alf reboot. Yeah, that was such a good show. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they were talking about uh, an Alf reboot, uh, and uh, I don't know who was going to, you know, uh, pick it up, but uh, they totally scrapped it. So yeah, uh, basically, yeah, TV Land reports that basically no one cared enough to make the revival. So. <laughs> I love I love that. That's that's, that's that a great no one quote. cares. Yeah, like it, it, yeah. It, like they, they they it's not moving forward because it it failed to attract a suitor. Like Netflix, Amazon, nobody gave a shit. They were just like, nope, we don't want it. Oh man, this makes me have a uh, Michael Cannon suggestion. <laughs> Can I get Alf dying of loneliness? Is, is that that's a mashup? Just Alf dying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't even need a mashup. I just want Alf's destruction, Alf's All demise. Right. Jake, Jake's like, I got a fun mashup: death and Alf. <laughs> I just, I just want to see, I just want to see the carcass of Alf and and maggots. <laughs> I want to see, I want to, I want to see that uh, you know, you know that thing that happens to the eyeball. When it's been sitting out in the sun, it's kind of got like it's kind of got. <laughs> can that, we get that on Alf? Can we get that on Alf? That little gray glaze over the eyes, and I want to see. <laughs> I want to see maggots and kind of like him sunk in a little bit, you know. And, oh, yeah, oh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> gross. Yeah. Like the final revenge, where like cats are eating him. Oh <laughs> yes, yeah. I love yep. it. There we go. I love it. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I feel and, like we're going to see that. I feel like in a couple of days we will see that on Facebook. Oh, man. I want to see, like, uh, the next-door neighbor, Mrs. Akmanik, like, turn him into, like, a floor rug. <laughs> Jesus, what a deep cut there. With the- <laughs> I know. Can you believe that I pulled that out, Mrs. Akmanik? Can you believe yeah. it, Jake? I literally bowed to my knees when you said that. <laughs> Mrs. Akmanik, boom. Anyway. <laughs> Guys, I got news from AV Club. IFC has announced that it will begin airing Paul Rubin's cult classic TV show, Pee-wee's Playhouse, starting uh, this, yes. this Thanksgiving Day. The network will air a 24-hour marathon, including the iconic holiday special, Christmas at Pee-wee's Playhouse. Have you guys, do you remember Christmas at Pee-wee's Playhouse? Can you, the guests on that are amazing. I am not lying. Magic Johnson shows up in the in Christmas at Pee Wee's Playhouse, and he says he's he, Magic Johnson says he's he's a cousin of Magic Screen. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Man, I almost I almost brought this up when you were talking about the um, Mystery Science 3000 not doing their marathon, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Oprah Winfrey shows up during the Christmas at Pee Wee's Playhouse. I think Cher shows up. Like, it's crazy the amount of guests that he has show up at Christmas at Pee Wee's Playhouse. But, yeah, on Thursday, November 22nd, starting at 6 a.m., uh, they're going to have a 24-hour marathon at Pee Wee's Playhouse. Then the show will return to its rightful home on Saturday mornings, beginning November 24th on uh, wow. I- on IFC. Perfect. Yeah, that's awesome. Love that show. <laughs> Magic Screen and Magic Johnson are cousins. That's, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> that shit had me laughing. Oh my god! I think they like. <laughs> I, I think in that episode they're like uh, they're inside Magic Screen and they're riding a sleigh through the snow. It's like the weirdest thing. It's like '90s Magic Johnson <laughs> hanging out with Pee Wee Herman. It's so fucking weird. Yeah, that is weird. I'd love to go to that family reunion, right? And meet that, meet the screens. Conky, <laughs> Conky, two thousand was it? And uh, Cherry, yeah, Ta- Cherry, 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 Cherry. Flory. I remember. Oh my God, the episode where they introduced Flory. I think it was. I think it was Pee Wee moved a trunk off the floor, or something off the floor, and all of a sudden the floor starts popping up and talking, and it was F- Flory. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of dark the more you think about it, you know. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Um, Anyway, Hellboy rumors from Express. Uh, Hellboy reboot. First reactions from test screenings are pretty bad. Hellboy's reboot starring David Harbour has test screened to poor reactions, according to insiders. Um, So this is after the New York Comic-Con footage that was shown to audiences uh, and that was met with pretty high praise from those in attendance at New York Comic Con. I know it leaked online for a little bit. I did not get a chance to view it. It had been pulled before I got to see it. But uh, here's what the rest of the article said. A few Hollywood insiders have tweeted about the first reactions alleging the film's not good, but Harbor's performance as Hellboy is. Daniel R. tweeted, the reactions from test screenings for Hellboy so far are pretty bad, which is a shame. I was really looking forward to it. That is a shame. Casey Walsh replied, Harbor tries his best, but the dialogue, villain, and story seem to be lacking. Uh, Disney Insider Style Schuler added, Daniel heard it right. I've also heard bad things about this film. Harbor is apparently pretty decent, though. Pretty decent? Ouch. Guys, yeah. I don't... So, oh, that's a shame. That's Sounds like it's going to be a cookie cutter comic book save the universe bullshit movie. Aww. It's supposed to be. I wanted it to be really good. It's supposed to be darker than the Guillermo de Toro stuff, um, but uh, I mean the cast. I was really looking forward to it. You know, Ian McShane, uh, Daniel Day Kim, Mia Jovovich. She's playing the Blood Queen. Do they have enough time here with this movie not coming out until April 12th of 2019? Do they have enough time, Jake, June, Stephanie, to kind of like do the reshoots necessary to make this a good film? Or do you I mean, I mean, I mean, this is all rumor, of course. I think they have the time, but I'm not necessarily sure they have the visionary to be able to to make those smart moves. So I I think this thing might if, if what they're saying is true, this thing might be might be doomed. As far as being really something special. Didn't Deadpool 2, though, didn't it get, like, in the initial screen or test screenings, didn't, I want to say it didn't get great 
feedback. Mm, I remember people saying early on, and I didn't. And didn't and didn't they go uh, through and kind of do some reshoots and stuff? I think the initial Deadpool two like screenings, people were saying it's fantastic. Uh, why did I think that it was getting? For some reason, I thought that it had gotten like not you great. You might be right. I, I, I remember seeing a lot of that stuff too. I, I I think there was a sea of clickbait during that time too, where there was just a lot of like, "Oh, Deadpool Two is Two is terrible" before it came out type of stuff that I yeah, saw. I think there was that one rumor. I think there was that one rumor that came out. Yeah, yeah, and and as far as like the Comic Con stuff goes, with like. Hellboy being well received there. Like, show me a movie that isn't well received at a Comic Con. Well, yeah, I mean, I, let me give you, let me show you. Well, shit, let me show you the Suicide Squad trailer. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I remember Blair Witch yeah. and how oh, people were yeah. fucking like vomiting all over the place. Well, they, <laughs> they got the they got to see the whole movie. You know, yeah, yeah. so and they oh, it's the greatest horror movie, a horror fucking <laughs> revived. Yeah, and then I watch oh, it. The, it, the Blair Witch sequel or whatever. Yeah, it yeah. was the direct sequel to the Blair Witch, and they, the Book of Shadows was totally like retconned, and then basically the people that went and saw this at San Diego Comic Con thought that they were going to see a completely different movie. It had a different title at the time, and then by the time that they got out of the movie, they had put the poster up that it was like the new Blair Witch film. And so like going into this, they had no idea that they were seeing a Blair Witch film. I think that, yeah, Jake, we talked about this. I, I feel like the people were just kind of like so blown away by the actual experience and being in the crowd and finding out for themselves that they're in a Blair Witch movie, that it kind of like they were riding high off of those kind of like emotions. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe we're in a Blair Witch movie. And for me, when I saw it in the theater, I was just like, man, this this doesn't hold a candle to the original Blair Witch. Yeah, agreed. And that's just exactly the type of stuff you'll get when you are showing Comic-Con audiences stuff for the first time. Like, you're, you're never going to see the headline. We showed some people at Comic-Con something for the first time, and they booed us out the building. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. That's very People are just so amped to see anything at Comic-Con, so... Yeah, that experience sounds cool. Like yeah. you walk out, you see the Blair Witch poster. How are you not saying that that's a positive experience and Dude, blown away by, hold by on. that? I've been a part of something like this before. Because like when uh, when Bruce Campbell came to my town to premiere, uh, he was going on like tours to premiere. Uh, my name is Br- Hello, my name is Bruce. And when I saw that movie in the theater with a bunch of Bruce Campbell fans, Dude, I was laughing my ass off. Had a great time after the movie was over. Like Bruce Campbell came out on stage, it was just like so funny and hilarious and awesome. And I had a great time. And then it was like months later, another buddy of mine who's a Bruce Campbell fan. Like I bought the movie and I was like, dude, let's watch this movie. I, I watched it in the theater. You know, Bruce Campbell was there. Was so, we had such a great time. I watched it. And I was like, this movie's terrible. <laughs> like it's. it's <laughs> It's, yeah, there's something to be said about the experience. Yes. You're just yeah. never going to come out of it saying, "Oh, that was terrible." No, it's like, it, like if oh, let me put it to you in this way, like if I, like if I, <laughs> if I had sex with someone, but like I didn't know I was being recorded, and then I was forced to watch it. Yeah, it was great when I did it, but like watching myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's funny yeah it's the yeah. same thing exactly like that it's exactly like that it's like oh my gosh you're like uh, brian i thought you were doing that so much better now that i'm watching it yeah come on jeez you look like an idiot anyway 
<laughs> I love making shit that just kind of like. Step up your game. I like saying shit that like makes people think, uh, that makes people awkward. Like <laughs> in the moment. <laughs> like I love the fact. Oh my God. June, when you, when you, when I talked about pink sock last week on the show and then I got your response to it. Like that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking. Uh-huh. I'm looking to scar people. Yeah, I can't <laughs> unlearn that. I feel like okay. You know how like an inside the movie Inside Out, like the uh, you have like islands, like <laughs> your little islands, like that are formed by your memories. And I feel like since watching, like, or since listening to this podcast, like yeah. I have a debauchery island that has been formed because of all the information mm. that I have learned from this podcast. What I think that is no one should actually know. What I think is so funny is the fact that you bring up inside out after I mentioned. Yep. <laughs> after yep. I mentioned I, pink as sock I'm saying it. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, I just set myself up as I'm saying it. Yeah. So. Cause pink sock is literally inside coming out. I know. So. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I learn. I can't unlearn that. No, you can't unlearn. I'm just trying to educate people. That's all I'm doing. That's I'm like in my brain. I'm like <laughs> I never learned too much. Noble work. I'm like Dumbledore. I'm just teaching <laughs> for real. <Yeah>. Mm. <laughs> I used to. I used to get on like every day. You know, I used to get on Urban Dictionary and like learn a new thing like that was my thing for like the longest time i would i would love to does urban dictionary have like a calendar like where you you flip the day and you learn a different word every day if they don't they need to do it because it's a great idea Uh, yeah i bet they do i love calendars like that too Uh i had a chicago bulls calendar like that where i'd flip it over and have like a different bulls fact every day and uh i really enjoyed that but like yeah, an Urban Dictionary calendar. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, like ah, December seventh, Dirty Sanchez. Yeah, that's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, oh okay. look, it's my birthday, Ratchet. Oh man, Ratchet, <laughs> fucking. Oh my birthday, my birthday's Chili Dog. <laughs> Do you know what a Chili Dog is, people? No, but I, I want to now. Do you really? Do you want me to say what a Chili Dog is? Yes, please. Uh, a Chili Dog is when a guy. Oh God. Are you ready? Okay. Are you ready? Stephanie, why? Stephanie, why? Guys, this, right. hey, if you have a problem with this, this is why the pro- but the podcast is labeled explicit. A chili dog is when a guy shits on a woman's chest and titty fucks her. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to know. All right. <laughs> Oh, man, to the people that take pleasure in that, what is your problem? Oh, God. <laughs> That's a task. That, I'm so, you asked. You said now you I, wanted to know. So now you know. Wants to, who wants to clean that much? Oh, God. Yeah. That's in uh, the smell. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's oh, just, people are sick. If, if people are doing that shit, you're sick. I, How do you even maintain erection with that kind of nonsense going on? <laughs> I love Jake's comment. How do you how do you maintain an erection with that nonsense? <laughs> Got shit everywhere. Jesus. Oh, I don't get it. If that's your thing, you know, cheers to you. <laughs> oh. oh man wow the more you know <laughs> uh news from variety blumhouse 
<laughs> I think Brian already had that calendar. I don't know who he's fooling. Oh, man. All right, people. <laughs> Blumhouse. Blumhouse TV has uh, signed up with uh, Amazon for eight feature-length thrillers. So uh, Jason Blum's Blumhouse Television has cut a deal with Amazon Studios to produce eight feature-length thrillers to run worldwide uh, worldwide on the streaming service. Uh, This is a huge score for Amazon. Huge score, because, like, um, you know, Blumhouse recently did uh, the the Cam movie, worked out the deal with Netflix, and now it, it feels like, um, Jake, if you've got something, if you're if you're a production company and you've got something, it feels like you're getting bought up right now. This feels like, dude, like in the early '90s. You remember like when every stand up comedian was getting their own show. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. That was the everyone hot thing. Raymond Seinfeld, and then everyone else. Too. Well, shit. Even Bob Saget and Dave Coulier were like cast on uh, Full House, you know. And it's like huh? they weren't doing their shtick on that show. They were just stand-up comics getting a fucking show. It, it except for Dave Coulier did his shtick, and his shtick, God, yeah, his shtick was it out. cut it out, you know. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but anyway, it feels like now. With streaming services, if you have a production company or if you have um, basically anything, like if you're Ryan Murphy, if like J.J. Abrams now, it, you're getting bought up. Like it, it's a war. This Jake, we're literally watching the streaming wars happening right now. Like this is like yeah, the, over creativity and content too. It's crazy. It's the death of cable. It's the death of satellite. It's the war of the streaming services. Now it's like in full fucking effect. And it's like, who can you scoop up? Yeah. Like we've seen Mark Miller sign a deal with Netflix. We've seen, you know, Ryan Murphy sign a deal with Netflix. Now we've got like, you know, Jordan Peele doing some, uh, you know, twilight zone with, uh, CBS, CBS. all access. Like everybody's like, if any, but nobody wants Alf, which is hilarious. But uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a question though. Um, so yeah. like these deals, like the Ryan Murphy thing with Netflix, does that mean that Ryan Murphy, like he can't do? Is he? Does that mean that he can only do stuff with Netflix? Like, is it exclusive? All of his new stuff will be exclusive to Netflix for the time for the the duration of this contract. He can still. Oh wow! He can still continue to do American Horror Story and Pose on FX, FX for as long as they want to to do those. Or feud, I guess is the other one that's yes. going on right now that he has. Exactly. He can he can continue to do that stuff, but like all future stuff that he has over the next however the long this contract is, like he signed like a huge three hundred million dollar deal. Oh yeah, it's huge. Okay. That's all gonna I go wasn't to, sure. Yeah. I didn't know. Like that's the whole thing with like with DJ Abrams and this like he's getting this like half a million or half a billion dollar deal like does whatever company he goes with like is that exclusive um jj abrams that's kind of an i don't know it's it's one of those things where like you know you see comic book writers like do like a i'm doing a dc exclusive which basically that kind of like means like they can't do anything for marvel or but some of them it's weird because some of them still can do like independent stuff with like image um with with jj he had in he had an exclusive deal with paramount (laughs) 
And Paramount was pissed off when J.J. decided to do episode nine instead of doing the next Paramount film. They were pissed. But, like, J.J. has such... He's such like a prolific director. It's not like they can really go after him. He's still he's got a lot of clout. I he mean, does. he's J.J. Abrams. He he's and, got and he still has to finish that final movie for Paramount. But they they can't really do anything. He can he can do a movie. He can do this for for Disney. So it's not like they can't stop him. But he still has to do another film for Paramount. So. I, I, as far as like Ryan Murphy and as far Blumhouse can still Blumhouse, they've signed an eight feature length deal with with Amazon, but I don't feel like they can't do anything else. Like, of course, they're going to do their own things th- theatrically. Um, they're still going to continue to make like the Halloween sequel. Um, you know, they'll they'll continue to do like uh, other, other things that they have. But um, this is a a huge deal for Amazon. And I think it's a safe thing for Blumhouse too. Um, I also want Paramount has just worked out a deal with who did they do that with? They Paramount did a deal with Netflix. They signed a multi-picture deal with Netflix. And so like they kind of um, Paramount's not had a lot of luck in the box office recently. So yeah, no. Yeah. So like, if you can have like Netflix pay you up front. So basically you've got a success before you, you you don't have to worry about the box office return. Like you're getting your money from Netflix and they kind of did this with um, the Cloverfield paradox. Like they didn't release it theatrically like they originally going to. So they just sold it to Netflix. So they didn't have to worry about the movie bombing in the theater. And they, they, and they also did it um, internationally with annihilation like we got annihilation you know here in the states theatrically but like everywhere else internationally it was on netflix so like a month later everybody watched it on netflix and so like netflix helped pay for some of the production costs and so like this is a new thing that we're going to see with with this is this is a big studio like we're talking about paramount now we're not just talking about blumhouse we're not just talking and bad robot signed a deal recently they're 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 looking at uh, signing a deal and 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 you know working with like a streaming company, but we're also seeing it with Paramount now. So like this is this we're gonna see this going forward. Like I don't know is this a is this next a, Mission Impossible movie will be a no, Netflix exclusive? Or? Get out! Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> get, the fuck, get the fuck out of here! No, but, like Paramount has upped their game though. I think like they released nine films theatrically this year. Like I just talked about instant family. That was a paramount film. I think they released nine movies this year. They're going to like more than double that next year. I think they're doing like 19, um, movies next year. And I don't know if like any of these because of the streaming deal. Yeah. I think like a lot of them are going to go to the streaming. It's paramount's been dude. They've not been doing well in the box office for a while now. Um, so this is this is a good deal for them. It really is because like they don't take on the risk now of you know, like they're getting Netflix is going to pay them. You know what I mean? Netflix is going to help pay for like the production and and everything. So they don't they don't really have to worry about uh, if it if it performs well in the box office. So that's, yeah, it makes a lot of sense from their end. That's for fucking sure. Yeah. So I I just see it's crazy, Jake. I just see like. This is how movies are going to be from now on. And um, 
studios are now pushing I think Warner Brothers and another studio are now pushing for like earlier video on demand releases too so we're gonna see it's like they're pushing for movies to get into your home a lot sooner than they were so like now we're used to like a movie comes out in theaters and then four months later we're able to you know buy it on blu-ray or get it on video on demand maybe maybe two weeks early on video on demand and like now like it seems like Warner Brothers and another studio are pushing for like earlier video on demand releases. Yeah, yeah I, I, we've seen that the whole time, right? Even how you, you can get the thing on iTunes or all the Amazon Prime's the same way, like three, four, five weeks earlier than yeah. the home release sometimes. Yeah, it's true. Dude, I remember like I was kind of like, this sounds weird, but I was taken aback. Like, this is like a decade ago when like the Johnny Depp Willy Wonka movie came out. Like, that was on Blu-ray or, or DVD. You could buy that on DVD three months after it was released theatrically. And that's like the first time I ever remember something coming out that soon. Yeah, yeah. it was shocking just how all of a sudden yeah. it, they really sped that up. But by so much time, it wasn't like gradual. It was just all yeah. of a sudden things were coming out three, four months later. It used to be like when we were kids, you'd wait like 10 to 16 months for some for movies mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, I oh, remember. Yeah. You wait forever. I remember being like, oh, my God, when is this coming out on video? Finally. Well, hell, if it was a if it was a seasonal movie that came out, I remember I think it I, don't quote me. I might be remembering this wrong. But Fred Claus, when that movie came out, they didn't wait to release it. They waited to release it on even like Blu-ray or a Blu-ray or DVD um, when it was around Christmas time. So they, so they waited a whole year. They waited basically a whole year. Yeah. Wow. So oh. it's just it's not like that anymore. Like every it's everything's on demand. Everybody can get whatever the fuck they want to now. Um, well, no, but like what was it? Uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Like that movie. Like I I watched. We we reviewed it. What back in August? Yeah. And it's already. I mean, it's been available for like two weeks now on iTunes. Wow. Can you get it on uh, Blu-ray yet? I don't know about uh, that, but it has been. It's been available on iTunes for weeks. Uh, I want to watch that again. It's really good. So, so, but yeah, so things are just coming out so fast. But it is kind of amazing, though, like because we have an Apple TV, so mm-hmm. it'll show you immediately like movies that are available through iTunes. Yeah, um, all the in it every time, to- and every time I swear, like every time we turn it on, it's like every day there's like a new release, and it's a recent movie. It's a movie that's been out, you know, that came out in theaters two months ago. Yeah, yeah, it, it, they were talking about. There was a time they were talking about doing like this thing where like you would pay a premium price and after like I'd say like a month, like two weeks to a month after a movie comes out in theaters, if you wanted to pay a premium price, you could watch those movies in your home. I wasn't like Spielberg invested in that project for I, a while. I think you're right. There, there, there was a lot of people invested in it uh, and a lot of the major studios were so i don't know man i i don't know it's who knows i, I the landscape has definitely changed with streaming now so i think it's going to be more of a i think it's going to be more of we're still going to go to the theater to watch a lot of things but i think on the flip side we're going to see a lot of like movies just drop on fucking Netflix and Amazon and shit. What's weird, like the Amazon movies, like Amazon Pictures, like The Big Sick, as soon as it 
as soon as it completes its theatrical run, like three, four months later, you can watch The Big Sick on Amazon Prime. Same thing with like Manchester by the Sea. So, yeah, that's smart of them. What's a, a shifting? There's a lot of shifting going around. It is yeah. not me. Sorry, yeah, it's, it's sorry. It was my dog. I'm sorry. It's me. <laughs> wow. Jeez. All right. I, I thought somebody was giving somebody a chili dog there for a moment. I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, that's later. <laughs> oh, that's, stop it. <laughs> You're dirty. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, news from Screen Rant here. Uh, they're talking about. I don't even know if I want to talk about this, Jake. Dan Aykroyd saying, basically, Dan Aykroyd saying there that they might a Ghostbuster that he's working on a Ghostbusters three still. I'm so sick and tired of this. Uh, so we got to hear this bullshit every other month yeah. now for the next ten years. He says, I think Billy will come back. He's talking about Bill Murray. The story's so good. Even if he plays a ghost, Aykroyd said. Murray did, of course, return for the reboot cameo appearance. I don't, I don't even want to talk. I, we've been talking about this since, like, I think, our, like the you know first episode of PCL. We've been talking about this shit. I'm, I am so sick of Dan Aykroyd and Ghostbusters three talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm over it. Dan Aykroyd is half cracked in his head. Um, I can't imagine he has any bone left in his body that can write anything funny after witnessing Blues Brothers 2000. Oh, God. Um, I've never watched it. I've refused to watch it, Jake. Yeah, you're you're a smart man. <laughs> so, yeah, this, this is absolutely ridiculous. Shut up, Dan Aykroyd. Um, if you want to do something creative, don't do... Ghostbusters, please no. Stephanie June, do you want to see a Ghostbusters three without Egon? Do you want to see? Do you want to see it without Harold Ramis? I do not. Exactly. That's what I'm wondering. Like, how can you even do a Ghostbusters Harold without Harold Ramis? Like, I don't understand. Oh, they're gonna have they're gonna, they'll have uh, Michael Cera play his weird son, or they'll have that McLovin kid. <sighs> they'll have that McLovin kid wear some glasses. <laughs> And play you know, I actually, I, okay, so I saw Harold, Ram- he, Harold Ramos was staying in a hotel that, that we were, my family and I, we were on vacation in uh, Colorado and I was staring at him because I was trying to figure out if it was Harold Ramos yeah. to the point that I didn't realize I was staring at him, but like he was on his phone and he kind of kept looking over at me. This was like 15 years ago, but then he like went outside and then I realized that I had been like staring at this guy intently and then later on, I heard that, like, oh, did you guys hear that Harold Ramis is staying in our hotel? And I was like, yep, that was him. And I totally weirded him out by just staring him down, trying to figure out if it was actually Harold Ramis. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can't yeah. blame you, though. That's Harold Ramis. I mean, he's. Yeah. He's, but I, like, was staring because I was like, is that Harold Ramis? It's him. No, it's not. I can't tell. No, it has to be him. And then, and, but then in me trying to figure out my own head, I was apparently stared unblinkingly at him. To the point that I made him uncomfortable, and he had to go outside. Jake, isn't it weird to think that Harold Ramis is gone? I hate thinking. It's like it's. I know. It's it, so sad. It feels like he was taken way too soon. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, so. definitely. Yeah. We we did not get enough Harold Ramis. No, and it's like oh, he he has written some great scripts, and not you know it's not it's not only like his contributions to like film and and things, as far as like acting, but it's it's. It's like what he contributed as far as like his writing, his comedy is just so good. So, 
Uh, Ghostbusters 3. I don't know, man. Jake, I, I love the Ghostbusters, but, like, what do you what do? You do? What do you do? Like, do, uh, do, you just, do you just say, like, we're done? Like, we're done with Ghostbusters. We, do we never get new Ghostbusters ever again except for – I know we, they, they, did the, they did the ladies, uh, you, know, you know, a couple years ago, and, and I, was, I was really looking forward to that one, and I was let down. I know you liked it. But I just I was really let down by that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really need to see Ghostbusters be a all encompassing franchise. I'm fine with just letting it die. Yeah, what if what if, not- what if they did like a uh, like what if Netflix announced like a Ghostbusters series? I mean, I would try it. Like I will give Ghostbusters anything a chance. But I'm not yearning for any of it. No, no announcement of any uh, any of it is going to get me excited at this point. You Man, know? Yeah. Maybe if they did like a uh, like a new animated series, I would be like, yeah, that's cool. Let's try that. Let's see. Let's see what you can do with a new animated series. Yeah, yeah, that could be very interesting. I would check that out too. There is something I, cool about. There's just something cool though. It, I mean. It, it, there's something cool about guys strapping on proton packs and shooting ghosts. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's just the original is one of those movies that I can never get tired of watching. Too. Sure. So it's like yeah. there's always that. Right. Like I just watched Ghostbusters on Halloween this year and it was just absolutely hysterical. Mm-hmm. So like I, you know, it, it's always there. I'm fine. All right. All thing. right. At least give it a five year rest. Did uh, I love the sexual innuendos in that movie the gatekeeper and the key master that's totally oh yeah that's a penis and a vagina people all right all right okay the gatekeeper she's like got the vagina (laughs) and the key master has the penis okay and like dana dude 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 did dana sigourney weaver fuck rick rick moranis when that door shut did that happen? I would say yes. Okay, so a lot. Ackford gets a blowjob from a ghost. Too. He does. He totally gets a blowjob from a ghost. But hold on, let me throw this out there for you, Jake. Oscar, the little baby, in the second movie, a lot of people think that she made up a bullshit story about the guy that she was seeing, and that Oscar is actually Rick Moranis's baby. Ah, oh, that's interesting. That is. Yeah, I've never heard that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the time, you know, how much time has passed between. I know in, in real life, uh, eight, uh, Ghostbusters came out in 84 and the sequel came out in 89. So I don't know if they stuck with like a true five years there. But uh, I think they did, actually. Did I think that is the way they played it. Yeah. Like she had been in a whole other relationship and Vickman hadn't seen her for a really long time. Yeah. And I think they did play up the time jump. Yeah. Janine was definitely in a different place. Like I, I think they did actually keep like it was that year. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. I don't know, but they definitely fucked, didn't they? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, real quick before we end news here, um, <laughs> follow up to our uh, Addy Shankar video game project uh, announcement that we talked about a couple weeks ago. He was supposed to announce that he was going to be on a new video game animated series. We were saying, ah, maybe it's Legend of Zelda. Maybe it's a Metroid series. Um, IGN announced that it's uh, Devil May Cry, the Capcom series. 
I, Jake, I've only played the first Devil May Cry. I, I fucking loved the game when it came out. I, I played the shit out of Devil May Cry. But um, it's a yeah. It was like a real arcadey Resident Evil game. Yeah, you're, well, it was kind of like that meets like Prince of Persia, where you're jumping around and swinging a sword and shit. You know, I I fucking love Devil May Cry, and uh, the new series will be a part of what Shankar dubs the bootleg multiverse. He's acquired the rights to the property himself, so he has full creative control, Jake. Um, it's probably gonna be it's gonna be pretty buck wild. I would it imagine. It is gonna be fucking awesome. Oh my god, I cannot wait to see what he does with this property. I cannot wait. That's what that's like. That was like my big hang up. Like when we talked about him taking over Zelda. Like I, I can't. Yeah. See... What's what's the point of having him do Zelda? Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's just. I'm sure. No, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, yeah, I'm sure he'd treat it, you know, with the honor it deserved. But yeah, yeah. It's like a waste. It is. It, it really is. Like, I would love it. You know, the, yeah, there, the, dude, he would be able to do some really creepy shit with, like, some of, like, the monsters in Zelda. But I think he would want to push the envelope a little bit too much and Nintendo wouldn't like that, right? Yeah, that's exactly what the problem would be. Like, there'd be lots of, like censoring and yeah. redoing and yeah. fixing it to Nintendo standards. Yeah. And what's, what's the point? What's the point? I, it just be an issue, but like if this is going to be a part of his bootleg, if, the, if, if Capcom or whoever owns devil may cry at this point, like if they're give if they're saying like, yes, you can use devil may cry, you can pull it into your bootleg universe and you have full creative control. Like, dude, I am so down to watch this series, like, wherever it lands, Netflix, wherever it goes. It's not like it's a done deal, like it's going to end up at Netflix. But, like, wherever this lands, dude, I am so down to watch this shit. Yeah, I agree. I will definitely check this out. It's nice that we're seeing with, like, Castlevania and now now maybe this, that we're finally seeing some semi-decent video game adaptation stuff on the Mm -hmm. animation side. Would you watch a movie... With wrestling vampires called Wrestlevania. <laughs> uh, yeah, I probably could not look away from that. <laughs> and and in order to win the match, they have to pull their heart out of their chest and still get the three count. But you got to put, you know what I mean? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would definitely check that out. <laughs> Van Helsing could be like the ref, right? I couldn't hear what you said there. Van Helsing. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's stupid. Oh, um, Van Helsing <laughs> could be the ref. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Jake, it, it, yeah, it I really, wish, I, wish like, I wouldn't have made you have to reset. Yeah, like, it's, it's like, it's like, why repeat stupidity? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I like how much pleasure Jude's getting out of it. Just because... It's so ridiculous. It's the dumbest thing. I don't know why. It's like so I, June. Sometimes I like to get experimental and just say stuff and, like, I know. and see if I know. It, and see if it lands. And like, it, it's not working tonight. You know what I mean? It's just not. 
Wrestlemania. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure that's going to be like the biggest hashtag coming out of this episode. Oh, remember, remember when Brian brought up Wrestlemania? <laughs> that was no, a, what are you talking about? Oh my God, Jake. I don't know. I, I can't even blame it on the sickness right now. I'm. I've been drinking so much. I can't even feel it. I can't even. Oh, blame, no. I can't even blame it on that. I don't even feel sick anymore. Oh, but see, now you're like on adrenaline and like being drunk that you're like, I'm not sick at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I can't blame it on the sickness. I'm just making terrible jokes. Rasselvania. Yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah. What do you think about that, Jake? What do you think? What do you think? You really had to me out to dry with wrestling. Yeah. Hey, Jake. Yeah, I'm setting you up for something real good here, Jake, aren't I? I'm, I'm, giving you, I'm giving you a lot to work with. It's like having your main character be a fucking moron in a movie called Fantastic Beasts, you know? Jesus. <laughs> Or Newt. Fuck, fuck. Oh, my oh, God. Scamander. I, oh, I wish he was mute Scamander and wouldn't talk. <laughs> when he does, it's fucking weird. He basically <laughs> is mute Scamander. How many magical restraining orders do you think he has? <laughs> At least three. Exactly. So awkward. He is so awkward. Guys, let's... Uh, God, Jake, I am, just, I am bombing this episode. This is... <laughs> No, no, you're killing it. <laughs> you know what the chili dog was. Oh, yeah, that's true. I did bring that up. Yep. Yeah. You did. Oh, June. <laughs> I feel like, Jake, I feel, honestly, Jake, I feel like I don't know how June stumbled on the listening to our podcast. It's quite the evolution. It's like, number one, she like stumbled upon listening to this podcast. Number two, she. She listened. Number three, she ended up on the podcast. And number four, we have corrupted her. Yeah. I know. We're, we're terrible people I, sometimes. Totally terrible. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, it's like I, you know, I, I am rotten to the core. I don't I don't need I am that bad apple that your mother warned you about. I ruined the bunch. <laughs> I am that bad apple, Jake. I am. I am. I'm just. I. <laughs> it starts with me, and it's just a trickle down. We have so yeah. many wonderful people that listen to this show every week. I'm a terrible influence. Like I'm. I'm definitely that guy that your parents are like. I don't want you hanging out with him. Yeah. Yeah. No hanging out. No hanging around with him. He's trouble. Yeah. I don't like the way you've been acting since hanging out with him. I know. I you've changed. You've changed. You've been you've been hanging out with Brian. You're talking about and you're talking about pink socks and chili dogs. Like I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> Rasselvania making weird jokes. You're just I don't know you. Rasselvania. That was terrible. Oh my gosh. I was like, yeah, Jake Jake was like, Oh yeah, Brian's gonna set me up with something good. That's what you're giving me, Brian. <laughs> I know. I'd like to replay my reaction to it too. I think I, I was like, "Yeah, Rasselvania." Yeah, sure, Brian. Whatever, Rasselvania. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that's that's very clever, Brian. Yeah, so we were talking about we were talking about wrestling. We were talking about we weren't even talking about wrestling. We were talking about vampires, and you brought up wrestling, and yeah, but yeah, the Devil May Cry show. Yeah, the Devil May Cry show. <laughs> Can't wait for it. Now I'm just ramp. Hey, let's take a quick break. 
and come back and do – we don't have a lot of Marvel news and DC news, so we should be able to wrap this up really quickly. I want to because I've embarrassed myself so much this episode. <laughs> <laughs> like there are things that I can't take back that I've said. Yeah, yeah. It's out there. It's out in the ether, and I can't – you know what I mean? I can't pull it back. Technically, you could edit it, but fuck that. I know. I'm. Not, I don't know. That see, that's that's part of the problem. Is is I is also I'm not, I'm a bad influence and I'm lazy. So it's like it's, it's it's a twofer. It's not that you're you're just like lazy, like it, it, not completely, but just to certain things, right? It's like selective laziness. Yeah, definitely. Uh, editing is one of those selective laziness things. Like, I'm not going to edit out the Wrestlevania joke. That was, oh, my, oh what, a, what, a, what a rousing reaction I got from that joke. If it was my first open mic night, I would be fucking, oh, my gosh. You, talk, you want to talk about vampires, people would have pitchforks out. They would be chasing me down the street with jokes that bad. That was terrible. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. I'm seriously embarrassed. <laughs> Rosslemania. I asked. I asked uh, looks like you tell our <laughs> listeners not to change their mistakes on reviews and stuff. Though yeah. you're you're noble for not I'm not taking that out. Definitely not. I'm keeping it in. It's staying in. It's staying in. It's oh my gosh. And I, I yeah I I I tried to like set it up so well too. I was like and like in my head I was like. I I wasn't even sure about it there, but I was just like, you know what I mean? Like, let's let's throw it out there. Let's see what kind of reaction we get. Thud. Boom. Nothing. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That was a stillborn joke. You know what I mean? That was a bad one, too. I shouldn't have said that either. Better. Better. (laughs) But not, not good. That was a dark joke, Jake. Yeah, well, that's what made it a little better. Okay. All right. I like to push the envelope. But the, I don't know. WrestleMania <laughs> pushes the envelope in zero ways. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Oh, my God. Like, I don't even want to come back on the podcast now. Want to end this thing? Let's, let's, get, let's do the Marvel DC now. Oh my gosh! No, let's take a quick break. I'm gonna try to recover from this, and we'll- <laughs> yeah, I could use a smoke. No, I was thinking to myself, I was like, I'm gonna bring down the house with this one. Like that was like <laughs> isn't the worst. Like in your head, it's so grand. No, it wasn't. And then it in wasn't. reality, it's like no, no. There, like, like there have been times where that has happened, but this was not the case. Oh, okay, I, but I, it was like I was like reaching for something that like really wasn't there, and I still pulled, and I, and I put it out there, and it was like I knew I had nothing. You know what I mean? Like you I see that makes it. You know what? You are brave. And you never there would have go. known the outcome of had you. You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. You just happened to miss that shot you took. And I, and now, now you're comparing me to like sports legends. Like this is. Like- <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of this either. It was a bad joke. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> let's not. Uh, let's not. Let's not put him up on a pedestal for. Uh, yeah. for we're trying to be encouraging, Jake. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to be encouraging. <laughs> I got a joke that revolves around wrestling vampires. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till they hear it. <laughs> Woo-hoo! 
<laughs> oh, and then I'm going to, you know what, I'm going I'm I'm to dive into more detail and say that you have to actually pull the heart out of the chest cavity and then pin oh, To win the match? <laughs> yeah, That's to win like the match. That was, that was another thing that I, like, pulled, uh, that I <laughs> brought up. <laughs> I was like, oh, Brian, yeah, you may have not landed the first one, but let's get into more detail with this shitty-ass joke. <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about, like, the actual, like, act of ripping the heart out of the chest, which, Brian, that makes no sense because usually it's a stake through the heart because that's that, – come on, Brian. You yeah, don't, you don't know your vampire good. lore? What the fuck is wrong with you? Huh? <laughs> you got to mix your vampire lore with your wrestling lore yeah. and make all those solid jokes. I'm just I'm thinking about like, you know, I'm thinking about the guy out in the crowd, the the, the guy that, you know, like the hot dog vendor, you know, and the hand, hand it out. No, no Brian. Dude, no. Now I'm thinking about like, stop it. Now I'm just making the joke worse. I'm making the, I'm trying to make this funny and it's not going to work. I was thinking about like him like handing out garlic cloves at this vampire event. Not funny. Still not funny. Still not funny. Still not funny. Seriously. <laughs> Still not funny, Jake. I no, what? No. Yeah. I'm not laughing. It's terrible. I'm laughing at the at the whole concept of everything. Like I think all of it. Yes, there I'm actually in my head I have concocted this whole like thing where there's like a wrestling event with vampires. Van Helsing is the referee. <laughs> You've got a guy out there he's like, Garlic cloves, got your garlic cloves and like you know, people are like, I'll take garlic, I'll take garlic. Like this is a whole th- it, but none of it's funny, June. Like the whole- I know. <laughs> I like how we're dissecting it too. I like how we're like deep delving into the joke. I I, I like how people are unsubscribing to the podcast. Just yeah, yeah, in yes. droves. Yeah, in droves. Seriously, just like unsubscribe. You, you know, we, no one likes those kind of assholes anyway. So screw those guys. We can say that, but I think that those people are onto something with this episode. Like I, I like, <laughs> like, like I understand it. This one, like every other time, maybe they've been the problem. Like we didn't need them. This one, I think it's validated. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrestlevania. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's let, let's have a smoke and clear our brains <laughs> and, and promise not to say Wrestlevania. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going on break so we can make the promise. Okay. Wrestlevania. <laughs> 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 That's so stupid. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring down the house with this one. Woo! Wait till you hear it, I, dude. Fucking crickets, right? I mean, it's what it came. <laughs> I am embarrassed for myself. I am embarrassed for myself. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with less. <laughs> We'll come back with zero Rasselvania. With yes, 100% less Rasselvania. Hey, Stephanie, are you, are you still there? I'm here. Okay. You, you were just like, I, you want nothing. You don't want to be a part of any of this, do you? Yeah, I think it's run its course. <laughs> wow. You are, no, you are the listening audience right now. This was is, that an a-hole thing to say? No, you no. no, you you are the voice of everyone listening right now. Oh. Uh. <laughs> She's, what commentary? <laughs> Sorry. 
All right, we uh, will be back with Marvel news. One hundred percent less. <laughs> Wrestlevania, I promise you. Oh my gosh, she run its course like it was like a like a like a like like diarrhea. Like it's all our whole my whole my whole thing here was just like diarrhea. It's run its course. No, it was a sickness, and it's over now. It's run its course. <sighs> it's run its course, Brian. Nothing you do is like diarrhea unless it's diarrhea. <laughs> Mm, that should be on a shirt. Hey, <laughs> no, or a fortune a cookie. That's, mm. a, that's a Hallmark card. Thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. No, seriously. We're, we're, oh God. Let's take a break. We'll be back with Marvel news. Greetings, leftover army. Pop culture leftovers is the people's podcast. They're always looking for new writers and YouTube reviewers to join the team because they themselves aren't talented enough to write them. In all honesty, they're not even sure Frank can read, but their listeners can. So send your reviews to popcultureleftovers at gmail.com, and if the leftovers like it, they'll contact you, and you could see your article featured on popcultureleftovers.com. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Leftover Army. You should follow the leftovers on Instagram at instagram.com slash popcultureleftovers. And on Tumblr at popcultureleftovers2.tumblr.com. If you get a few shots of vodka in you, it's almost as sexy as my voice. That's gangster. Hi, hey, welcome back to the podcast. Jake, I can't believe that people call you my yes man, that you always agree with me, and you were just vehemently like disagreeing with me. No, you were kind of agree. It was a terrible joke. No, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have said that more? <laughs> it, it was not. It was. God, that, I no. I am. That, Don't like, say it. If, no, I'm not gonna say it. Like if we had like a like a greatest hits episode, like that's not showing up in the uh, in that episode at all. That was terrible. That's one of the things I want to forget that ever happened. How about how about stripper vampires where they wear tassels and they call it Tasselvania and they got those little booby tassels? How about that, Jake? That funny? Better again. <laughs> <laughs> I, we we can't force it. I think we need to try to let it come natural. You know. <laughs> hey, Jake. <laughs> oh, anyway, let's uh, let's move on into Marvel news. Yeah. Marvel news. Hey, Jake, I was uh, I was looking at, uh, you know, you do your Hearthstone podcast called 40 Dust. Yes. I was looking around. I was searching for it and I, I saw it. But there's also another podcast called 1600 Dust. Have you seen those guys? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Jake, why would I listen to you <laughs> when they have 
40 times more dust than you have. They're, they're liars. Anyone, anyone <laughs> claiming to have that much dust on a weekly basis is pulling your fucking leg. Me and Matt bring you the real. Guys, the real dust. The, the real, real dust. dust. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to start beef with the uh, 1600 dust people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I know. Seen, I have seen them around. Dude, I don't know. If I'm the average listener of a Hearthstone podcast and I see 40 dust and then I see 1600 dust... I'm like, that's 40 times more dust. I'm going with the 1600, boys. Fuck this. I'm talking to Matt. We're renaming the podcast 3200 Dust. Oh, my God. That's double the dust. (laughs) We're bringing everyone back. Wow. 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 Quite a claim there. (laughs) Wow. 3200 Dust. Rebranded 3200 Dust. Yeah, exactly. Back exactly. Yeah. I hope Matt's cool with it. It's it's done. 80 times more dust. Guys, BGR.com had an article titled Avengers 4 Concept Art Teases Quantum Realm Time Travel Sparks Controversy. A few weeks ago, we showed you the leaked retail box of an alleged Avengers 4 toy that seemed to confirm there's going to be time traveling in the Infinity War via the Quantum Realm. In that image, we had Rocket and Thor wearing matching suits that resembled the outfit that Dr. Pym wore in Ant-Man and the Wasp to time travel to the Quantum Realm. Now we have a new set of similar images that popped up on Reddit, and they have set the internet ablaze. There's images of Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Hawkeye, Ant-Man, Rocket, Nebula, Hulk, and Black Widow, all sporting the Quantum Realm attire. So... If the concept art is real, and I don't know if it is, I I, I believe that the Thor and Rocket concept art for the toy looked very real. But if the concept art is real for all the characters, they might all be going subatomic and going to the quantum realm for time traveling here. So I don't know. Uh, Have you guys have you seen the photos, Jake? No, I have not. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know it. It looks like it could or could not be show- photoshopped. So that's interesting. I put. It sounds like a plausible story beat, though, right? I mean, it'd be very much in line with how Infinity War was laid out as far as story beat wise, where we're doing lots of jump arounds to lots of different storylines and characters. Yeah, this would be an e- a good way to make that possible in this movie. Yeah, well, I, I, it it also makes sense though with like we because I guess the past couple episodes you guys were talking about how like. One of, I guess, the possibilities that what Avengers 4 will be about is going back and trying to find the stones before Thanos gets them. Yeah. yeah. So it's like kind of like a reverse heist film kind of thing going on. And so this makes sense, though, with everyone going subatomic to use the quantum realm to sort of go back and find these stones. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, although, or would Thor and Rocket be going back to Nidavellir? Is that what it's called? Yeah, Nidavellir to stop, to stop the gauntlet from actually being made. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I don't know. I. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, Jake. What do you think? Any thoughts on that? Going back to Nidavellir and. Uh, Eitri, you know, the the guy who's in charge of, uh, you know, the uh, the weapons there. 
Yeah, it, it's an interesting thought, right? It's hard to imagine that character is going to be a complete one and done. But I hadn't really like considered him being much of a factor in the next movie. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, but I mean that's that's interesting. I don't completely dismiss it. Just no. What do you got? What do you got? How? Um, I, I just looked up the the that concept art. How? I don't follow Reddit that closely. How um, how reliable is? I mean, because there's a cha- it look, does look like there's. A, I mean, if you could be photoshopped, like how reliable do you think this is? Yeah, I I mean, with all the stuff that's kind of come out about the quantum realm, even Kevin Feige confirming that the quantum realm is going to be an important part of the MCU going forward, and toys have been kind of like a big thing as far as like leaking information about what's going to happen. Um. I think the Rocket and Thor wearing the the Quantum Realm suits makes sense. The thing that doesn't make sense in any of these is, and and it might just be because it's the toys and they want to show off the characters, is that the Quantum Realm suits, just because they're suits, they all still wear the mask, though, right? There's a they they still have to like wear a Quantum Realm helmet, and in none of these pictures do we see a Quantum Realm helmet. But I I kind of get that because in order to show off the characters, you don't want to have them all wearing helmets. So, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe there is some Marvel science explanation as to why they don't have to, you know. I I just think it's because of the toy marketing. I think like once. Oh, oh, I yeah. think you're absolutely right, but you know, you never know. What are the chances that Tony goes back to the Battle of New York in the past and sees a young Peter? Ooh, uh, pretty high, like fifty fifty. Yeah, right. I mean, you're gonna do stuff like that. I think bringing Peter to an earlier point than when we first saw him in Civil War within the MCU is something that the MCU probably should do or wants to do Could if they're going to keep moving how forward. Old would he be? How Vin- old would he be at the time of the Battle of New York? Well, the Battle of New York happened in 2012. What we saw in Spider-Man Homecoming, I believe, happened in 2020 or 2021, I believe, as far as like the timeline was concerned. Unless, like, the new timeline that they released from the Titan book, uh, Marvel, the first 10 years. Did, did they put the timeline for Spider-Man Homecoming in that one? Oh, the thing that just came out? like this yeah. Week. yeah. I think that was on there. I, I, I'm just saying, like, I think it could be like an emotional kind of thing. Like, if, if Tony somewhere during the Battle of New York, which, you know... Spider-Man is, uh, you know, he, he's like a six-year-old. He's like a ten-year-old yeah, Peter yeah, or something. Yeah. What if we see like a six-year-old Peter in this movie? It could be kind of Aww. like an emotional thing if, like, Tony sees him now alive during the Battle of New York, and even, even maybe even says something to him. I don't, I don't know. I just can kind yeah, of. I could see that. There's definitely. It definitely wouldn't hurt to establish even more of a connection between Tony and Peter. I mean, that's definitely good storytelling with what they've done so far. Yeah. It would give him more resolve, you know, to, like, reverse the effects of the snap, too. Uh, Captain Marvel News from Screen Rant. Uh, in an interview with Bionic Buzz at the 2018 Ryan Arts Be a Hero fundraiser, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige confirmed that their next film will be based on Kelly Sue DeConnick's comics of Captain Marvel. When asked about the origins of Captain Marvel, Feige explained, the history of Captain Marvel goes back and is rather confusing. The one we're doing is based on Carol Danvers, and in particular, the Kelly Sue DeConnick run, 
which has only been around the last few years, but is really quite inspirational for us. So, yeah, we got confirmation that her origin is going to be canon with uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick's run. Mm, that's interesting. I kind of figured that that would be the case, honestly. Yeah, yeah. That they would just latch on to the, to the newest version of it since that was so well-received and pretty decent storytelling in itself. Speaking of Captain Marvel, uh, Slash Film had an article about why Nick Fury waited so long to contact Captain Marvel. At the end of Infinity War in the post credit scene, we saw Nick Fury contact Captain Marvel at the end of that film using that pager. And we saw that same pager in the Captain Marvel trailer before it had all the upgrades done to it. But apparently there's going to be a tie-in comic that answers the question of why Nick Fury waited so long. People have asked that question. Why, did he, why didn't he do it sooner? So here's what Slash Film had to say about it. In Marvel Comics' Captain Marvel prelude number one, which is set to hit shelves on February 19th, 2019, readers get a glimpse at the moments leading up to the Avengers Infinity War post credit scene and get insight into Fury's call to Carol Danvers. Reeling from the Avengers... Uh, I just lost my spot. Reeling from the Avengers dissolution, following the fallout between Steve Rogers and Tony Stark in Captain America Civil War, Maria Hill suggests to Fury that they call upon another hero they have on retainer, to which Fury refuses. Quote, nah, if we do our job right, we'll never be in a position of having to call her. He says, make sure you keep an eye on the raft got a feeling our guys will need a little assist kicking the door open um goes on to say that really doesn't really tell us more than what we already know the captain marvel was a latch ditch backup plan only to be called when the moment was most dire but didn't things seem pretty desperate back in 2012 when the world risked destruction by a massive alien attack captain marvel prelude writer Will Corona Pilgrim explained Fury's thinking to Marvel.com, quote, Carol's the biggest gun you've got, and Fury's never one to waste a silver bullet. So if he's finally making that call after all this time and after all he's faced alongside the Avengers, then he's truly seeing the situation as a last resort. So I don't know. I you know, I, I feel like it's it's just kind of like a way to kind of like explain why they didn't call upon her. Um, the movie hadn't even gr- been greenlit at the time when Avengers came out. Like we were still basically only four years into the MCU. This is just kind of like a way to kind of like make that scene make sense. And, you know, I don't know. I'm fine with it. But. Yeah, it's very fluffy. It doesn't really add anything too huge or anything that could be broken by any future storytelling. Yeah. And just trying to sell a couple extra comic books, I guess, by selling this prelude thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Mm. It's interesting, question. though. Go ahead. Right. I, I watched Mott Comics now that because we're talking about Captain Marvel. So I don't know anything about the character. I know that we're getting introduced to Skrulls. Yes. In Captain Marvel. Okay. Just a quick question. Are squirrels, okay, if you are a squirrel, like, are you aware that you're a squirrel, or do you not, or do you think that you're the person that you're supposed <laughs> you're to be? Like, you're like a Cylon. I guess. I guess. You know what? Actually, yeah. Are you like a Cylon? Is that no. how this works? Or are you, you're totally aware that you're impersonating somebody? 
they have both within the comic books, actually. They have, like, the scroll that knows it's shape-shifting and always knows it's a scroll. But then they also do have the sleeper agent scrolls that actually they do, like, permanently shape-shift and then brainwash. And then they don't know that they're scrolls until way later. Actually, uh, Johnny Storm married one of those within the comic books, right? Like, he married the fake Alicia Masters, who was you know a sleeper scroll and didn't even know she was a scroll at the time yeah so it goes it goes both ways so then where is the person like that they're impersonating like where's that person uh either captured by the scrolls on the scroll homeworld somewhere or killed okay yeah and i i I still fully believe that we're gonna find out somebody that you know we thought we were following is been a scroll the whole time so yeah that's what i feel like is going to happen too but then i'm also wondering like do they but do they know they're does that person know that he or she will be a scroll or not so i don't think that they will until they read the script you know <laughs> no 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 i meant like the care like the whole time the, the, the character like is, is yeah, it gonna be the character a character known the whole time or not that's what i yeah i didn't know if it was like a silent situation oh i gotcha i gotcha it very well could be a silent situation it almost only makes sense in that way right like it's a real douchery move if said character like this whole time you know was creating all these false relationships i mean i guess that's what makes the scroll so evil so, yeah, that's interesting. It could go either way. Yeah, because like, think about this. Um, you know, the Captain Marvel movie is going to be set in the 90s. So you got to think that the character would have to be a character that was established in the 90s then, right? Could, like, could Coulson be a scroll? You know, I, I mean, I don't know. It's not like I'm watching yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so. Yeah, it's hard saying. I, I, who knows? I, the Wasp. <laughs> I, I feel like I keep going to that movie for someone to be a scroll, like a Hank Pym or something. I was thinking it was or Jan- Janet. I was thinking it was Janet. Janet. Yeah. Like me too. Like what if they, you know, like Janet comes out of the quantum realm this whole time and it's it's been a scroll. You know, it's not like. But then that kind of takes away from that whole scene where Paul Rudd as Scott Lang was acting like Janet. So. I don't know. We'll see. It's interesting. Yeah, it's going to be some tough writing. Yeah. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, director rumor here from Disney Insider. Um, It's, yeah, Diz Insider. It's a Disney Insider news outlet. They said uh, Disney Marvel are looking at Travis Knight to direct Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So I, I don't know. Take this with a grain of salt. But there's been a they say there's been a lot of mystery as to what will come of the Guardians of the Galaxy post James Gunn production release date and news have all been delayed due to the debacle of guns firing. However, we here at Diz Insider have learned from a very close source that Travis Knight, he's the director of Kubo and the Two Strings and also the new Bumblebee movie coming out in uh, December is a name being looked at to helm the third installment. Knight was on the studio shortlist to direct the Eternals. That movie then went to Chloe Zhao. Uh, Travis Knight is best known for his work on animated films like Kubo and the Two Strings, The Box Trolls, Paranorman, and Coraline. Now on the rise, Knight is currently finishing up his new film, The Bumblebee Movie. Um... There hasn't been much regarding Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 lately, but this could mean there is some forward progress beginning. I do want to remind you all that this is a rumor and only that. Please keep that in mind. 
that a lot of Guardians news is extensively under wraps. Jake, man, I love Travis Knight, loved Kubo and the True Strings. I loved what he's done with Leica Studios and those movies. Um, thoughts on Travis Knight if he takes over the reins for Guardians? Yeah, I, it's really hard to kind of formulate. I, I, you know, I saw this article too, but man, until we kind of, it's like a we need to see Bumblebee to kind of see how he does as a live action director for one. Yeah, and then like, and then it's like B, like it almost feels like anyone who gets this job is going to be neutered a little bit by trying to like, like how much creative freedom are you really going to be given to make Guardians of the Galaxy three with a script by James Gunn? Yeah. If they do, in fact, use that script, which I think they will. I feel like they will, too. too. Then they have to start up from scratch if they don't. Well, I mean, that, yeah. would put, that would put production even more behind. Yeah, I mean, it's very true. Story-wise, it's in a weird place, though, to not use this script, right? Because the Guardians movies were like the only movies that didn't just go further in the timeline, where Guardians 2 kind of held back. It was right after Guardians 1. So, like, it's just going to make the third one feel weird if they don't just kind of wrap that up, you know? Is Guardians 3 going to take place post-Infinity War, though? I mean, oh, I believe it, I I believe I it, it will. Was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, the post credit scene in that was, it was Teenage Groot, which is bringing us to the current timeline. So. Yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. It feels like there's definitely still, like, story to tell like with those characters as far as you know yeah the relationship between you know quill and gamora and just you know just kind of the final act for all those characters emotional beats yeah and then like we've got like the whole adam warlock story that was kind of like opened up yeah the final film like that's where i felt like this was gonna go like that was that race's secret weapon was you know adam warlock yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think they will. I, I do. I think I, they will use this script too. But yeah, the Travis Knight thing—it's very bizarre. Um, I think he can do better. I, I wouldn't take this gig if I was him. I wouldn't either. I, you know, I'm not. I'm not even looking forward to Guardians Three at this point. I'm not either. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. Without James Gunn at the helm, I really, I really don't care anymore. So, actually, I'd have another question about that too with Guardians. Um, Do we lose somebody? I think we lost Stephanie. She said Skype kicked her out. Yeah. Hold on. We need to pause. All right, we got Stephanie back. Welcome back. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a question though about Guardians. So we know that both Guardians movies take place in 2014. Yeah. Okay, so. Infinity War, I'm guessing, is that it takes place, what, 2017, 2018? Yeah, 2018, I believe. Okay, so so the Guardians have just been kind of roaming around space for like three years. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that's basically it. You know, they've just been uh, going around and doing, uh, we don't know. Whatever what they of, do. Yeah, I mean, just, you you kind of get that feel in the first scene with them in Infinity War too that they they're kind of just going around getting into mischief and making money and scraps, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Especially well, like, then, with the way volume. But then, okay, yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, so then the, the excuse that people give, like Peter, then for sort of blowing up the plan 
of like defeating Thanos, um, they're like, oh man, but look up what all he's been through. And it's like, but if you look at the actual timeline, then that all, all of the stuff that happened with Quill happened three years before Infinity War. Like it didn't just happen. Yeah, but it's it's stuff that's haunted him for a lifetime. Though. That's true. That's true. I mean, yeah, but I guess the way that the movie it almost makes it feel like it just happened, and you feel like it just happened because Guardians Two had just come out in the theaters. And I guess I forget that there is a sort of a time lapse. I mean, you know, it's like everybody can blame him and everything. Like I, I get it, but I, I kind of like I'm a kind of a quill defender as far as like what he's going through in the moment. It's dude, it, fucking, he killed his fucking the love of his life. Yeah. He's, yeah, it's pretty he, brutal. It's, I, I'm a defender it is, of it. No, too. It is brutal, very much so. Yeah, yeah I, I, no, I just um. I guess, but when you think about it, it's just more like, no, yeah, but not like he did. He's had time to process. And granted, it is all terrible, terrible stuff that's happened. But think about, think about, think about all this. You know, I, I don't know. Think about like how you would see red if somebody did that to somebody that you loved. That's true. Yeah, you, that's all you see is red. Yeah, it's you can't. Yeah, can't, and you just react. You yeah. just react. You know, it's like yeah. And no, I think it actually. Like, I'm not actually like I'm not a like Quill sucks. No, 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 no. Ruined I'm, everything, guy. I'm bringing um, this up because of those people that do say that. I, 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 yeah, that, there are people who are like very much like Quill ruined everything. You ruined like, everything, Quill. It's as simple as that. You did it. You ruined everything, Quill. Everything's ruined because of you. It's like I get it. Like yeah, he did. Like the plan fucking fell apart because Quill reacted. But on the flip side, put put yourself in his shoes. Like, yeah. Like, uh, you know, this guy killed the love of his life. And so he's he sees red. He's not thinking about anything else. And so that that's and, and like everything that he's loved is like either tried to kill him or been taken away from him. Uh, you know, he lost his mother, the, the, the other woman that meant everything to him. And like he didn't even get to say goodbye to her. And he and, and he was and she was killed by his father. So here we yeah, are. Yeah, that's crazy, too. Well, here's the thing. Like, let's look at it this way. Her father figure killed her. And so here he is yeah. again, you know, losing somebody to another father figure. And so it's like all that animosity and that rage comes out here in this moment. Worst time for it to happen. But it happens. So. Yeah, you can blame Quill. He fucked it up. He fucked up the plan. But honestly, Doctor Strange, when he went through the, you know, the millions of different, uh, uh, he knew this was going to happen. Like he, like he knew that this was, this had to happen. He knew Quill was going to. He knew they were yeah. going to fail. He yeah. knew they were going to fail. Exactly. He knew Quill was going to react this way. So, yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Jake? <laughs> what? No, no, no. About the Guardians, cool stuff? No. Yeah, what, I, what, do you, what, what, what do you think about Wrestlevania? Or, yeah. No! <laughs> <laughs> you brought it up! You were suppo- I thought that was the promise. You broke your promise. I'm like, I'm like Quill. I'm a wild card. I fuck shit you up. You broke your promise to Jake. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not like Quill was fucking like pranking around and shit. Yeah. You're exactly right. Like, I can't even argue it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah people, I think that's an easy thing for people to pick on Quill about. And, you know, oh, yeah, he ruined it. He ruined it. Yeah, 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 he did. But, like, put yourself in his shoes. You know, this yeah, guy, I still don't even think we know that it 100% was going to happen, even if Quill wouldn't have did what he did. I, I think the same thing. I, was like, I wonder that, too. The moment you're like, no, and, like, 
but then I'm like, would they really have even succeeded had he not started going at him? There's no guarantee. Yeah, exactly. It's just a, it's still a gamble. Yeah. Let's move on into DC news. I just got one thing this week, and it's really not kind of a strong thing. So here we go. DC news. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news, you fucking pieces of shit. Possible spoilers for the Aquaman mid credit scene. I'm going to go ahead and play the spoiler warning. Um... I'll go ahead and play it. Fuck it. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dickhole. You have been warned, spoiler pussies. I don't know how true this is. This is a uh, spoiler that's been thrown around on Reddit. And um, I, I, I actually... I. I'm going to go through this. I sent this spoiler to Joe Vitale. He does the supercast. He's a, a huge DC fan. And so I sent it to him because I wanted to know his thoughts on this. And we kind of talked about it for a little bit. And I started to lean towards like what he had to say. But anyway, the mid credit scene they're talking about for uh, Aquaman is it's a scene of Black Manta waking up in a hospital Dr. Shin sees him and recognizes his armor as Atlantean. Manta agrees to lead Dr. Shin to Atlantis if he leads Manta to him. And then Manta tosses a dagger and it hits a newspaper with a silhouette of Aquaman on it. So, like, I sent this to Joe. And Joe's like, the thing that stood out to him was the fact that Dr. Shin recognizes Black Manta's armor as Atlantean. It's not Atlantean, right, Jake? Hmm. Right. Because in the like Joe said in the trailer, don't they show him like making that armor himself? Yeah, I, I get from the trailer that is what we get. It, it is odd. It seems like there's going to be more than one though. Like the rumor, armor, right? The rumor. Well, yeah. That that's another thing I was thinking about. Is like he could get another. You know, he could get different. He could get armor from Orm. Orm could have Atlantean armor made from him. But like the comic book accurate armor that we've seen in the trailer, that's what I want to see throughout the whole thing. I, I the rumor that I've heard is that the the mid credit scene or a post credit scene will feature Doctor Shin and Black Manta. That I've heard is true. So I don't know if this is just fan fiction taking that rumor and making something up to get some kind of like upvotes on Reddit. So I, you know, and then Joe also pointed out that like how many times have we seen like a villain throw a dagger at a picture of a of a hero that he wants to kill? Like how many times have we seen that trope? So yeah, I'm excited for the Aquaman movie. I it's. It's crazy that it's getting so, like, it seems so well-received and such positive hype, but it's coming out at such a weird time. Like, I, man, I don't know if it's going to make oodles of money in that spot, but we'll see. I've heard that it's good. I, I, I just heard, I haven't heard that it's great. I've heard that it's the closest DC movie to, like, a Marvel-feeling movie. 
But, yeah, I've heard it compared to like a Ragnarok already a bit. Yeah. So we'll see. What when does it come out? December this one comes out December thirteenth or fourteenth, I believe. Or no, okay. December nineteenth, I think. I think Bumble does Bumblebee come out first? God damn it, now I gotta look. Because Bumblebee come Bumblebee comes out a week earlier, and then this comes out a week later, or vice versa. Let me check. I, uh, I hate it when I don't know right off the top of my head. Aquaman comes out December fifteenth. Uh, it says Saturday, December fifteenth. So, I, I, it should come out December thirteenth. I would believe on the Thursday. And yeah. Then, yeah, that makes sense. Sometimes movies do come out on weird weekend During days, though, and that Christmas, like, week yeah. up to Christmas. Well, Creed comes out on Tuesday of this week, you know, because of the holiday. So, like, you know, Thanksgiving is is Thursday. That's typically opening night. But since it's a, it's a holiday week, uh, we're getting Creed on Tuesday. So, Creed 2, excuse me. But, yeah, Creed 2. Yeah. I don't know. I followed. I'm looking. I still, I love the trailer for Aquaman. I think it looks really good and I can't wait to see it. But uh, I don't know. I just wanted to throw out this uh, mid credit scene. I kind of hope that's not the scene that we see. It just sounds a little. I want him to set up Black Manta as the next villain. That'd be fine. I, I feel like this one's going to be a battle between, you know, Aquaman and King Orm and Aquaman getting the throne. And uh, yeah, I want to see Black that Man. That is tropey. That's it is tropey. tropey. The whole like throwing the dagger and it yes. hits the picture. <laughs> yeah, I want you to lead me to him, and then he throws the dagger, and then we hear the yeah. we hear the dagger go boing back and forth as it as it, <laughs> as it hits the, and then we hear a woman orgasm because right? Yeah. Wait, no, that's <laughs> oh, that's the flick the bean bumper. No, but yeah, I, I just I, that doesn't excite me. You know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I would hope that they would do something better than that. Yeah. Kind of lame. That's all I got for DC News. That's really it. I have nothing but that fucking bullshit Reddit rumor. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, it. There you really go. Not a whole lot, though. I mean, besides, because no. they moved Wonder Woman back. Yeah, we talked about that already. I mean, so there's real. And besides Aquaman and then Shazam coming out, there's nothing really happening over there yeah i think there's an article to i didn't get a chance to read it but an article today about like when we can expect to see the next shazam trailer or something I don't know. yeah they've been showing the old one a lot more recently when i've been seeing movies oh man i've only I'm excited se- about that one i've only seen the shazam trailer in the theaters one time oh really i've seen it a few times now seen it one oh. time that's crazy. You see way more movies in the theater than I do, too. Mm-hmm. I know this. I've only seen it once. It's crazy. I've seen the Bumblebee trailer. Like, oh, have you seen the new Alita Battle Angel trailer? Yeah. I have, actually. It was no, really good. No, I haven't. Oh, my God. It. I want this movie to be good because that trailer looks fantastic. The 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 newest the, the newest Alita Battle Angel trailer looks so good. Stephanie, did you see it? I did. I, I did, yeah. Doesn't it look fucking amazing? It looks, at first, it just looks stunning. But yeah. the movie itself looks really good. Yeah. What do you guys? What do you guys think about the new, uh, the Mortal Engines, the the new Peter Jackson movie? It looks I think it looks terrible. Yeah, I can't. It looks cluttered and just, I can't. No, it just, it's not appealing to me from the trailer. It feels like it's. Got, a, yeah. It, it feels like it's going to be like another Jupiter Ascending. 
that's exactly what I was thinking. It, it I, I don't know. It just doesn't look appeasing or anything at all. So it's like it's like they were like, you know what, you know what. Mad Max was a big movie. Let's make that, but let, like instead of like just the vehicles and like you know like you know bad people driving the vehicles, we'll have like whole cities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't big know. moving cities where we can have Weta make these big cool things. Yeah, or whatever. Know. What's different about it though? The only thing that's like kind of like different about this with like you know like you know yeah we we get a lot of these post apocalyptic movies right. And, like, everybody's trying to find, like, a better way to live. In this one, apparently, in Mortal Engines, like, everybody's kind of, like, happy. Like, everybody's used to this. They're not trying to, like, look for an escape. Like, remember Waterworld? Everybody's looking for land. Was that it, Jake? Was people looking for land? (laughs) No, uh, I thought the water itself was the commodity. I don't know. I don't remember. Waterworld was garbage. I thought Waterworld was okay. Oh, I hated Waterworld. It was the most expensive I'd... movie at the time. And, like, you know, Kevin Costner, hot actor at the time. Uh, was, it, was it Dennis, Dennis Hopper? Hopper? Yeah, Dennis Hopper. I loved Dennis Hopper back in the day. God damn. I don't know. I just wasn't a big fan of Waterworld. Like, I can't. Like, the only thing that I remember from that movie is that Kevin Costner drank his own urine. <laughs> that is true. That is the only thing I remember <laughs> from that movie, dude. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that the Waterworld figures did not fly off the shelves. Oh, no. Yeah, I remember the whole thing was basically just exactly like Mad Max, except with an oil baron. Yeah, yeah. Waterworld. What a name, too. Like, 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 like. <laughs> the name's solid. The name wasn't the problem. Oh, come on. Waterworld. Like, okay, the world is all water. What do we call this? What a world. I don't know. It's good enough. <laughs> you give that movie way too much credit. It's garbage. It had, it left that le- that movie leaves less cultural impact than Avatar. Like it's it's Oh, no argument there. Yeah. I don't know. No argument there. Yeah. They're both kind of the same movie in many ways. They just rip off other movies yeah. and other tropes. Uh, yeah, I didn't say Waterworld's my favorite movie ever. I just it was it was okay enough. That's what I heard, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is what I heard. It's my favorite Kevin Costner film. Jake, the tape don't lie, baby. <laughs> That's what I heard. You love it. You're a big fan of Waterworld. Waterworld gets you wet, buddy. Um <laughs> yeah, I am not getting the reactions that I want this episode. <laughs> I laughed. I don't, I don't know anymore. I I I don't know. I really don't. That should have been their fucking slogan for that movie. Water World will get you wet. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. That's good. Star Wars news. Yeah, Luke screaming. Jar Jar. He's weird. Star uh, Pedro Pascal is going to lead the Mandor- Mandalorian series, guys. Uh, he's been tapped to star in the Star Wars TV series, The Mandalorian. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Pedro Pascal from uh, Narcos. He was uh, the Viper in Game of Thrones. He's going to be our main lead um, here in uh, the Mandalorian series. So, yeah, cool. Yeah, good gift for him, man. This is really cool. 
I, I, you know, he was great in Game of Thrones. He's been had some nice spots in a few movies in the last couple of years. I think he's he's a good grab for this. Yeah, he's been offered the role. I I, I don't want to say it's a done deal. So negotiations are underway. I see this happening though. So I see I see this happening. Yeah, definitely. It's a huge breakout role for him, and he'll be a household name if he takes it. Yeah. So he's basically going to be the lone gunfighter here in. Uh, the outer reaches of the galaxy far from the authority of the new republic so yeah um it's just going to be kind of like an old this is going to be the wild wild west set in the star wars universe is what i think we're going to get here yeah i agree just some different adventures nothing too canon breaking just some good old-fashioned star wars fun yeah we'll see we'll see i don't know i'm done are you jake are we done What the fuck? Where'd you guys go? Um, I'm here. Yeah. It just it got a little wonky for a second. I don't know. Was, yeah, everyone, yeah, everyone went away from me, too. I know. It's it like I told a Rasselvania joke, and everybody just shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh. no, it's like, no, it's like it, Brian tells a Rasselvania joke, and it's like a guy flipping on the lights and cockroaches, like, running out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happened for me, too. I even said, hey, where'd everyone go? Hmm. I wonder what that's going to sound like on the actual episode. <laughs> what? The whole WrestleMania thing? No, I know what that'll sound like. Oh, <laughs> Us disappearing. What is, oh, yeah. you just No, it's just like I, I, I asked a question. There was like literally nothing. There was no response. There was crickets. Oh, I, I don't think I even, I even heard the question. I, we all went away. Oh, shit. Yeah. I wish I could right now. I, let's go. Actually, let's go away. Let's all just go away right now. <laughs> Go away! <laughs> all right, can we can Aww. we have a can we all have a Calgon moment and get taken the fuck away right now? Because like, I, no, <laughs> see, like, we've done our work here. Let's this, get some yeah, food, cigarettes, this, and sleep. Exactly. This this is not a, this is well, not. I love that food, cigarettes, and sleep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, F, F- we got we got some words out of Stephanie there. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> She's not, those are words to live by. <laughs> I don't want to be like, I don't want to be like inappropriate, but that sounds like something you would say like after you have sex, like I'm ready for food, cigarettes, and sleep. Like that's like a perfect ending. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Sex, pop culture, leftovers, recordings, tomato, tomato. <laughs> Stephanie just like filled out her grocery list right now. She's like, what Jake? What was the first one? Oh, food, food, food cigarettes. How many? How many? <laughs> Sleep. There we go. <laughs> Good shit. Um, yeah, probably. This is not our finest episode. You know. No. Yeah. No. Uh, not the worst though. I hate it when we say that. Not the worst. It could be the second worst. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, yeah. It's right there. Well, you know, <laughs> not our worst. <sighs> Bottom fifty, though. Definitely, I definitely. <laughs> definitely. I would <laughs> <Yay>. say. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you shouldn't be proud of bottom fifty. I'm not. We're in the bottom. <laughs> God, after this is like, yeah, this is 259 episodes. I feel, oh. I, it's Jake. I just, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know why people are coming along for this, man. 
Yeah, I don't think they even are. They're just downloading and not even listening. I do, I think that. I honestly do. I think people have just been <laughs> subscribed for years and they just don't hit the unsubscribe button or like they or they're or they're dead. And it just downloads on their phone. <laughs> oh, that took a hard left. Yeah, that yeah. did take a hard left. <laughs> Who's still paying their cell phone bill? <laughs> Jake, I don't know. I don't know. I can't answer. I can't answer these questions. Oh man! Yeah. So not a little really weird conspiracy theory there. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. What are we? What's, what's next week? What are we doing? Nothing. Look at Ralph too. I. I don't know if. I'll, I'll see it. I don't know if I'm going to see it next week. Are you seeing it? You're seeing it. You're yeah. You're yeah. all you're all up on. Yeah, that. I'm going. I'm going to go on Thanksgiving. I'm going to. See, my movie is Creed. That's my Creed two. I'm seeing Creed two. Yeah, I, I do. You own Creed one? It's. I don't think it's even streaming anywhere, dude. I don't. I don't think I own it. Ah, gotcha. I need to see that shit. Let me check the Just Watch app. What you got? Movie for got? me. I'll be in Disney World this week. Oh, you lucky. So, that's what we're doing for Thanksgiving. I hear that they have a new uh, park called Rasselvania. <laughs> <laughs> that is just just a delight. <laughs> oh. So definitely check out Rasselvania. All right. Uh, you made me forget what I was looking up. <laughs> Creed, uh, Creed is uh, what do we? What do we? Oh yeah, Creed. I'm looking for Creed. It is. Is it streaming anywhere? No, it's not. It's not streaming anywhere. You have to. You can rent it from Fandango now for two dollars and forty nine cents. It's not bad. Or you can buy it on Amazon for seven ninety nine in HD, people. Uh, yeah, but I'll be watching Creed two. I will try to watch Wreck It Ralph. I I loved the first one. I thought the first one was just incredible. Yeah, I think this will be fun with the the whole age of the Disney and uh, Marvel and Star Wars mythologies kind of being thrown in there with the internet ideals. It's going to be pretty interesting. Lego Movie 2 trailer. I still I do not understand the fascination with the Lego Movie. I didn't I see the Lego why. Movie 2 trailer. It's terrible. I, I don't understand why we're doing it. And it's not even it's not being directed by um, who are those guys? Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Yeah, it's not being directed by those two. I love the first one. I just don't really understand the point, like why or where the second one would even go. It's uh, yeah. it, 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 like basically like the whole world that they're living in is kind of like a Mad Max kind of world that they right. Live in now. I guess the whole thing with like the first one though, like the whole thing is like with when it go, you know, it's about the little kid who is bonding with his dad over Legos, you know. And so I don't really see how uh, you segue into a sequel from that. I, I don't care. They're gonna they're gonna play up the sister. Oh, the little sister thing. Yeah, or I don't know. Maybe they have another twist. I mean, we didn't know what was going on with the first movie until the end of the first movie. So why should we know what's going on with the second movie until we've seen the end of the second movie? Yeah, June. <laughs> Just say. Bunch, bunch of picky fucking Yeah, nerds. June. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jeez. I, I just, I didn't even like, I didn't like the first one, so I don't care what happens in this. I won't even oh. watch the second one. Did you like the Batman? Le- Loved it. The Lego Batman? Loved Lego Batman. I did too. Hated Lego movie. Hated it. Lego movie might be one of my 10 favorite movies of all time. I love, I, I did love the Lego oh, movie. Oh, God, Jake, that just sounds dirty even hearing it come out of your mouth. <gasps> Seriously, I would I rather I would movie. rather watch chili dog videos than ever hear you say that again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I, I just I I just it was not my thing. Not a big fan of Lego movie, but I love Lego Batman for some reason. I thought it was fantastic. So I saw that one in IMAX and I had a great time. Mm. Let's end this episode. It's terrible. Um Stephanie June, thank you so much for joining us on one of our bottom 15 episodes. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yes, me as well. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll be back next week for episode 260. Probably be talking about Wreck-It Ralph 2. Probably be talking about Creed 2. Uh, and then whatever the fuck news is coming out then. But uh, we will see you next week. And just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, oh, shit, hold on. I've been promising for, like, fucking three weeks... And I feel so horrible because I keep, I, I just, I always tend to, Yaden Sturdivant sent me a package and I want to open it on the air, but Yaden Sturdivant, one of our listeners sent me a package and I want to open it on the air. He sent me a gift and I want to find out what it's this gonna, is finally. It's going to be a chili dog. <laughs> uh, let's see here. He sent me, oh, holy fucking shit, dude. Jaden, thank you so much. It's a Walgreens exclusive Marvel Legends magic. It's magic from the X-Men. Dude, this is fucking dope. Thank you so much, man. Oh, my God. Oh, this is a dope-ass fucking figure. Yeah, all those Legends figures are really have really nice sculpts and poses. Oh, my gosh. This is so fantastic. Thank you so much, Jaden. Guys, Jaden Sturdivant... Uh, he does, uh, if you listen to the show, he does our, uh, Rocket Raccoon and Groot ad that we do for, uh, our Amazon affiliate. And, uh, he also does, uh, his own voiceover. So you can actually, if you want Yaden to voice, uh, something for your podcast, you can actually hire Yaden Sturdivant to do your voiceovers for your podcast or whatever project that you have. He's really talented when it comes to that kind of stuff. So thank you so much, Yaden. I'm going to play your ad on this episode. Oh, my God. I love this. Thank you so much. Yeah, Mar- if you want to see what this looks I'll actually post it on our Facebook page, but it's uh, Magic from the X-Men, Colossus's younger sister, and uh, it's uh, her Legends figure. Jake, this is a, this is a really nice-looking figure. Yeah, I actually saw Eden actually showed it to me and asked me if it would, would be something that you would like, and I was like, he will definitely like that. I love it. I'm a- Magic is my favorite fucking X-Men, so, yeah, I love this. This is great. Thank you so much. Walgreens exclusive. It's like, I, I mean, I always, I, Jake, that's one of the things with the toys. Like, I understand the people that they go out and they love the hunt. But, man, when it comes to, like, the Walgreens exclusives type stuff, it's like, you got to be the first person to get there to get this stuff. Otherwise, it's gone. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's super annoying. I hate that kind of shit. It's what kind of kicks me out of toy collecting anytime i get into it is when we start getting all those individual store exclusive bullshits yeah 
Yeah, this is definitely going to go on my shelf. Thank you so much. I love magic, and there's not a lot of magic figures that are out there. The only other magic figure... Did you ever see the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive? It was the... um, It was like the... Uh, they had a San Diego Comic Con exclusive of Doctor Strange figures that came out. Ooh, I don't think I've seen that. This was like three, four, five years ago. I think yeah, it was five years ago, I believe. And uh, they had like a bunch of like it was like a Doctor Strange, um, bunch of Doctor Strange kind of like characters, and they they actually included Magic as one of those figures. And dude, like if you can find like a full set of that. It goes for hundreds of dollars, but they're fucking amazing. But anyway, yeah, whatever. I, we don't talk a lot of toys on this show because me and Jake are broke as fuck and we don't buy a lot. So, But anyway, thank you, Yaden. That is awesome. Thank you so much. I love this. Absolutely love it. Box is in mint condition, too. So awesome. All right, guys. And just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Later, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. It let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good have already been done before, so we should. Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft The crap Even though we're the shit Woo! We're the leftovers Picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good and toss it Good and taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it Can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over Like a vulture carryover Counterculture pushover Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say Has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers.